0: I'm Jesse and I'm Josh and this is Slice by Slice, a podcast where we dissect and discuss horror films by categories and subgenres such as fur balls with teeth, killer clowns, franchises and directors bodies of work.
1: And of course, we can't dissect and discuss these films in the detail we do without spoilers.
0: Holy shit. Season five. Can you believe it?
1: Dude, I was shocked like halfway through season one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what, that we were still doing this? Yes. Or that we had actually made that many episodes?
1: Uh, that we actually had that many listeners.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, okay. We'd still do this if there was five of them, but we have seven, so we're good.
1: I think I've made the happy Harry Hard-on joke before that he'll do anything to keep his three listeners glued with the wee bluey to the
0: radio, and that's what I feel like. <laughs> I don't know what any of that means, but I'm excited to be a part of it. <laughs> And uh, not only is it just amazing that this is the beginning of season five, but it's on time. It is. And we're back in the studio together, so this isn't even remote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could touch each other if we want to. Yeah, we're not going to that. <laughs> only fans, still got to wait. <laughs> but we are really excited about this episode. We always try to make sure that the season premiere is something that we really, really want to do and have fun with it and these are two movies that have been on the wait list for a long time yes like from birth (laughs) i guess this is a good time to say we're recording this on january the 16th the first episode of 2023 and it's episode 77 they came from outer space but this can be a great one you're just gonna have to hear what movies they are here in a minute But we put a lot of heart in these, and hopefully we have a good time doing it. And this episode could have been tied together in many ways, we realized by accident. Yep. After the fact, we could have gone the obvious route that we chose. We could have gone with Kyoto Brothers movies. Yes. Or movies with power ballads. Yes. But to find out what the movies are, you're going to have to wait through the housekeeping first. (laughs) Current news last of us premieres tonight. So it'll already have premiered by the time you heard that, but I'm really excited about that. How about you?
1: Considering I never made it through even the first game. I don't know. Cause Ooh. like my biggest problem with the game was what everybody liked about it the most is it was too much like a, a story, like yeah. like playing through a movie where I had just come off of all the fucking uncharted movies. And I'm okay. like, where's my action? Where's my action? So knowing the storyline as a movie, I can probably appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I streamed that game back when I used to stream because it was requested, and I had recently got a PS4 at the time, and the whole time I was watching it, I was like, this would be a fucking awesome movie, this would be a fucking awesome movie, <laughs> so I'm really excited, and I really like Pedro Pascal, so okay, this better be awesome. <laughs> and I think I got the date wrong, because I, I said the 16th, it's actually the 15th, that's why it premieres, you're not crazy, you're not in a space-time continuum. <laughs> And Josh, I think you meant the Uncharted games, right? You were off of the games, not yes, the yes, movies. Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know if you were like a super Tom Holland fan now. And I just didn't no,
1: know. No, no, no. I'm mad about that. So uh, thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, just a few other recent news things I picked up. The Making of Creep Show is like a documentary that's streaming on Screenbox now. What? Like the movie, not the show. So- yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to go back and watch that because I love making of and and I love creep show. So no shit. Yellow jacket season two teaser trailers out there. (laughs) So happy. I got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was hoping to surprise Josh with this one, but they saw it online and texted it to me. But Halloween Horror Nights Universal Studios is opening a new property in Las Vegas. That's going to be Halloween Horror Nights year round.
1: Yeah, I got to do some reading on that and get on the forums, cause I got to see how they're going to do it. They got a lot of irons in the fire right now with you know two parks that are just stateside, two parks that are ever expanding. Right, the new Epic Universe trying to pull off Halloween Horror Nights. Like, I don't know if they're going to go with where they're going to get the money for IPs, or is it right. going to be just based on their own properties and and hold you know stronger onto like Universal Classic Monsters. I know nothing about this yet other than it's going to be a thing.
0: <laughs> I have theories, and, of course, they're just theories. I, I'm willing to bet they're going to run their own houses probably year-round, and then whatever day it starts in Orlando and Hollywood for the new year with the IPs and stuff, they'll probably get it the same day and then maybe run them for the year. That eh, could be. I just don't know when they're going to have time to recycle those to the yeah. new ones. I guess they'll just shut them off at a certain point. But I'm willing to bet that their own houses that they make every year are going to be the main ones running year round. Yeah. Cause even the licensed ones, they might only have the rights to do it for a couple of months, you know?
1: Well, that's the thing they, they do expire and that's what everybody found out. The, tr- you know, the, the truth of, of business guys um, that with the whole year that shit didn't happen with COVID and there were properties that people were really excited for that year that didn't come back the next year. Cause it's,
0: it's a ticking clock, right? It's really weird how licensing works. And that kind of bridges me into the last news I was going to bring up, which isn't strictly horror, but it's just fucking crazy. And I know you don't keep up with a lot of the streaming stuff, but have you seen what's going on with the HBO streaming service? I have not. So who would have fucking thunk it? But the Discovery Channel had more money than HBO Warner Brothers and (laughs) the Discovery Channel bought HBO a couple months ago. Damn. The CEO of Discovery Plus has taken over HBO. (laughs) He canceled some of their bigger shows. He's removing HBO original shows from the streaming service. He's already yanked quite a few off. Damn. Because he doesn't believe in paying royalties to the actors and directors and stuff after they've made him his money. What a dick. He's going to fill HBO Max up with reality TV because it worked so well for <laughs> Discovery+. Plus. <laughs> and then, on top of all that, a couple of days ago, he announced a $1 a month price hike active immediately. So it's like that whole uh, shrinkflation thing. I took shit away from you. Yeah. And I'm going to charge you more for it. And then later that day, True Blood popped up on Hulu and another one of their big shows that they pulled off, like Westworld or something, popped up on Amazon Prime. Eh. Which means they're selling the rights to their own shows to other streaming services. <laughs> this is fucked. <laughs> and I know this came right after I was like, Last of Us, woo! But, I mean, that's fucking <laughs> crazy because HBO usually has really good shows on there and stuff. <sighs>
1: I said it so many times. It's all going to turn into some cable fucking conglomerate, mm-hmm. cable 2.0 conglomerate. It's just what's going to end up happening. All this infighting and bouncing back and forth. There's, so there's cool shit. We've seen shit get canceled. And then another streaming service go, you know what? We see that there's actually a following and money to be made. Right. We'll bring it back up. Shit like this is just big business bullshit. And it'll shake out Yeah. the interim right now of like, Rebuying or relicensing your own content is fucking funny, yeah, um, and, and sad as well. So uh, we'll have to see how it shakes out.
0: <laughs> I don't know. It, it's just fucking insane, and you have to be smart nowadays. And and I don't know if you can pull this off if you're not a bigger creator. But it's almost like it's mandatory to write in your contract that you can take your show somewhere else if they choose to cancel it nowadays. But I don't know if you can do that. If you don't already have the power to do it, like Neil Gaiman did with Sandman and Tim Burton did it with Wednesday, because they had their contract set up where if you cancel shit, I can go somewhere else and take my season one with me. And the reason why is Netflix has been recently canceling their highest viewed shows because they're so expensive to make. Diminishing returns. It's fucking crazy. James Cameron actually went on a pretty decent rant about how streaming is like (laughs) not stable right now. Because to stay up with current content, you have to subscribe to eight to ten services. Like, a minimum, and that somebody's going to fucking figure something out. He usually knows what he's talking about, so we'll stick with that. Anyways, anyways, enough ranting on that. Announcements. New season. Yay! (laughs) We announced some of the episodes that are going to be coming up this year. Yeah. On the bonus episodes. Go listen to that one. The other announcement. You guys have known this was coming. It's actually two announcements. We're going to set a Patreon up. I don't know if it's going to be set up by the release of this episode. I'm going to try, but I'm about to go on family vacation also, so we'll see. We're not going to do anything crazy yet. We want to see how much traction it gets because we do have a lot of, like, hosting costs and web costs and stuff like that, just to slightly offset things. So we're going to do, like, a dollar tier just because you like us. Yeah. (laughs) And then a $5 tier where you get bonus content early. And we're going to do more bonus content. We're also working on some video stuff and and things like that to expand on this and maybe make it bigger. But, you know, we don't want to hit everybody with everything all at once and before we even know how well it's going to work, right? Exactly. And we also don't want to be one of those podcasts where you get the whole episode early. I think that's kind of fucking lame. So (laughs) we'll just do bonus content. And then, you know, we might make some bigger tiers because we've talked about doing some music stuff, like redoing songs, which is going to come up in this episode. Yay. And that'd be kind of neat to do. And it also kind of leads into merch. I've been asked about this a lot. I'm about to set us up with one of those sites that does print on demand stickers and t-shirts and shit. And I'm going to get that set up and we'll announce that when that comes out, probably next episode. And have that set up. And that's one of those things, there's not much of a profit margin for us because they print on demand and they get most of the money. But I keep getting asked about t-shirts and stickers. (laughs) And I kind of fucking want a t-shirt and a sticker too. So (laughs) this seems like the best way to do it. So hopefully, you know, by the time episode two comes out, I have all that set up and we're ready to go. And we do this for fun. So we want you guys to send us ideas of things you would like for us to do on the Patreon
1: yeah this is the uh this is like jesse said we do this for fun it just be you know we've been asked about it it'd be nice to cover some cost, and uh you know we're just asking everybody to do their part to keep us off of OnlyFans.
0: exactly exactly because you don't want to see any of that
1: you know i saw this cooking show commercial that was like on OnlyFans. blah 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 and i'm like where's the sex <laughs> 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 like i went down this wormhole i was like There's people that go on OnlyFans that just, like, talk and, like, craft and cook. Like I had no clue. I had no clue. It's like the internet all over again. Like, the internet was for sharing information and porn, and mostly porn. (laughs) Apparently, OnlyFans isn't just porn.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I saw somebody link the other day the old YouTube video of the... I don't remember what country's army doing the Harlem Shake video. And they're like in the fucking sleeping bags doing the worm and shit. And it was fucking hilarious. And I never even noticed the guy fall out of the window waving the flag. And he never fucking (laughs) drops the flag when he hits the ground. And I was laughing my ass off watching it. And the top comment was, I missed the early days of the internet. And that's true because that was so much better than like the memes and TikToks and shit you see nowadays. When you'd have these crazy fucking random videos that were genuinely... Hilarious and had lasting power.
1: Yep. And they weren't fucking scripted.
0: <laughs> anyways, anyways, that's a different rant for a different podcast. We haven't started yet. <laughs> and I gotta, I gotta slow it down on that. Cause Josh and I were looking at different studio setups with the areas that we have for doing YouTube videos for you guys. And I'm looking at his awesome game room, which I think we've posted pictures before. And I'm like, this would be cooler if we did a retro gaming show where we, <laughs> beat nintendo games nes games live i I need to stop before i have another project going that i don't have time for
1: hey you heard it you heard it there was the teaser we will do videos of us playing horror video games
0: (laughs) starting with nes and uh we'll never beat Nightmare on Elm Street, because we haven't yet, so fucking why would we start now?
1: Uh, We'll we'll, we'll abandon it, and we'll play Sweet Home instead, and see how far we can make it.
0: (laughs) Anyways, anyways, updates (laughs) and corrections from the last episode. This is a lengthy list, so I was either being (laughs) anal, or I was more alert, or we fucked up a bunch. But anyways, here we go. Wes Craven and Sean S. Cunningham made pornos together before they started doing films. Not Steve Miner sorry bud we didn't mean to <laughs> insinuate that you made pornos <laughs> nothing wrong with it but if you're trying to have your career track go a certain way you might not want to have the oh sorry honey i forgot to mention that pop up <laughs> archeron formerly known as lv 426 is one of the three known moons <laughs> orbiting the gas giant Kalpamos in the zeta reticuli system 39 light years away from earth Way more information than I needed to give, but I said, "I don't know if it's a moon or a." Yes. <laughs> I can't stop laughing, guys. Sorry, I don't know if it's a moon or a planet, and uh, I said I'd look it up. So it's one of three moons, and there was a lot of nerdy shit I said in there. <laughs> the only thing I knew beforehand was LV426. I just didn't know what kind of satellite we had here.
1: Well, there you go. It's a moon. <laughs>
0: Oh, this correction. I, I shook my head. I slapped my face. I face palmed every time I heard it. But I said weyland Ulani Corporation every time I said it instead of Waylon Utani Corporation. I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> but Josh didn't catch me at all.
1: Hey, like I said, in my head, it's always Waylon Corp.
0: <laughs> right, right. And uh, yeah, it, what's really funny is I was playing this video game with my friend online called Aliens Fire Team. Okay. And it's like aliens movie era and your Space Marines fighting and it says Waylon Utani everywhere. And I was playing that up to us recording and I still fucking said it wrong every time. <laughs> I'm fantastic. Oh, this was just not so much update or a correction, but more information. I had mentioned John Hurt was not able to take the role of Kane originally due to having another contract. And then the delay made it possible, but I left out some information. There's actually another guy that got the role okay. and got sick on the set. <laughs> Around the time John Hurt finished his movie and the guy found out he had, and I might be mixing this up with your guy because you have one too in Aliens, but I'm pretty sure it was my guy. He, he didn't realize he was like diabetic or something and he was getting really sick and he had to like quit. Oh, nice. And John Hurt was free. But Redley Scott went to go meet with John Hurt to see if he could get him back in and he met with him on a Saturday. John Hurt said, I'll do it. Cool. When do we start shooting? He said Monday and handed him the script. (laughs) So John Hurt had the rest of that Saturday and Sunday to read the script and then showed up and shot his shit. Nice. So go John Hurt. You were always fucking awesome. Uh, Oh, here we go. John Finch was the original Kane (laughs) and he was most famous for playing Macbeth in the movie Macbeth. I love our notes. (laughs) My notes are fantastic. You know what? I'll share our notes on the Patreon, too. (laughs) That'll be a fucking blast by itself. (laughs) You can read along with them and see how bad we deviate, fuck up, and make shit up. It's great.
1: You'll be able to read shit and be like, I see why they didn't put that on the air.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And the Alien Special Edition came out in 1991, just five years after the original film released. And I had obviously seen the original version more or before that i think I, I had stated that i had seen the special edition of aliens more or first or something but that clearly wasn't true based off of the year so uh-huh. i just have seen the special edition more in my adult life so i remember it better gotcha um i'm almost done here oh oh here's another aliens thing james remor was the original hicks hey yeah that guy <laughs> and he's super famous and been in so many non-genre things but genre related he plays harry morgan in the dexter show so he's the dad. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, he's in so much other shit. And he plays a great bad guy. Oh, I
1: love it when I leave people
0: out. <laughs> well, you just kind of briefly went on it. And sometimes when I'm editing, I kind of take the role of the listener and I want to know more. Right. <laughs> Would you like to know more? Just like Starship Troopers. So I fucking I find more. I put it in the notes. I give it to you guys. Oh, my
1: God. OK, sorry. So uh, this year's drive in uh, schedule has been released. For all the genre flicks, okay, Starship Troopers is on one of them. Got to go. They're doing triple features this year. Ooh, don't have time for it. One of them is, uh, oh god, I got to look it up. It's like Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, and something else. I might have to make time for it. One of them you want to talk about a long fucking burn, The Shining, Clockwork Orange, and 2001: A Space Ola- Space Odyssey has a
0: fucking triple. Fe- that's like seven hours, dude. <laughs> Ain't nobody got no time for that. <laughs> I like those movies, but not in one sitting.
1: I'm sorry, but you said Starship Troopers, and it made me think of that shit. It's
0: because Starship Troopers is great. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot to mention that I read that the cast got to take their helmets and body armor home. Yeah, From yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um Josh might have had this in his notes, but we were no. fucking going on so <laughs> long when it did I thought this was really cool. James Cameron wanted everybody to take their shit home and personally decorate it themselves like soldiers would do in Nom. Yeah. And they all did it themselves. It wasn't the art department. Each actor got to do it because James Cameron really wanted them to have backstories and shit. And that's why I don't even remember if it got cut or not, but like Vasquez and the oh, the other guy, they were supposed to be like um,
1: orphans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, my God. I can see his face, but I can't think of his name right now.
0: Anyways, they were both the heavy gunners. They were supposed to be orphans that grew up together and then got into the Marine There was a bunch of shit he gave them. But I thought that was really cool because they all are personally decorated. And um, Paxton put his wife's name on his armor. But Bean got fucked because he was not the original... Hicks, as we said earlier, it was Remar. So Remar got to take the armor home and get it decorated, and he put a heart on the chest piece right where the heart would be. And when Bean got his armor, when he picked up the roll after Remar, he's like, "That's a fucking target on my heart? I don't like this shit. (laughs) See? (laughs) Too bad.
1: He was the guy that knew his shit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And the last thing I put on here, this was more of like a personal antidote or something, but I thought it was really funny that you said Cameron didn't want a bunch of gore in aliens... So he like hold it back a bit, yeah. but James Cameron is the first person that ever showed me a de-gloving <laughs> in Terminator, and I've been fucked up with those ever since, and I can't handle them. <laughs> Maybe it fucked him up too. <laughs> <laughs> so good shit. Good shit. And Cameron's actually going to come up a good bit in this episode. It's, it's fucking funny, the tie-ins. <laughs> um, what we watched, I'll try to make it brief because there's been a, a large window and just cover the big ones. Speaking of Cameron. My son and I went and saw Avatar 2. Okay. It was fucking phenomenal. I love the original one, and I think it was way better than the original one. If you go see it, go see it in 3D. I hate 3D in theaters, but I like the original Avatar. There's a site I go to. It's kind of a joke. They rate 3D in movies and tell you if it's worth to go on a point system that caps at 40. I think Avatar 1 was the last time something was actually worthy to see in 3D. They fail every movie that comes out. <laughs> okay, Avatar 2 got a 38 out of 40, and they're like... uh conclusion was it should be against the law to shoot a movie in 3d unless your name's james cameron (laughs) yeah and when you watch it for one i forget it's animated it's so fucking good which is going to bring me to another point in a second okay but it looks so good and then yeah the story was kind of recycled from the first one a bit and there's something that happens at the end where you wonder what happened to a bunch of people and then you're like james cameron did you fucking cut out an hour and forget to put it or something (laughs) but like it goes well enough that you just don't think about it until later and it's still acceptable but like the 3D, a good portion of the beginning of the movie, there's a lot of fires burning and you can see smoke and like embers on the foreground, like just floating in the middle of the theater, like the whole time. So oh, like, wow. you feel like you're in a burning area and then you still have the arrows and shit flying at your face, but it's not like done cheesy. And that was the thing. Avatar fucking revolutionized modern 3D. And then everybody started making all the Harry Potter movies 3D and all that. Everything was 3D that came up with those fake 3D where they added a layer on it. James Cameron actually shot it with special cameras and beam splitters and all that shit. (laughs) And he did that again. So the 3D is phenomenal and definitely worth seeing it in. It was funny, though, because I took my nine-year-old son, and it hadn't occurred to me that he had never seen a 3D movie. He's done rides at, like, Disney or something that was slight 3D, including Avatar, right? Done with James Cameron. But he'd never seen a 3D movie. And all three of the trailers at the beginning were Marvel movies coming out soon. All the trailers were in 3D, and he thought it looked cool. And I'm like, "This, this is why I don't like 3D. This looks like shit, right?" <laughs> I was like, "Son, just wait till you see Avatar." And I'm hoping I'm not talking it up too much. And then Avatar starts, and he grabs my shirt and he leans in. And he goes, "Daddy, why does the Marvel 3D suck?" <laughs> <laughs> right? Because it's like so different. And it had me thinking. I'm like, "Wait a minute. Industrial Light and Magic's like the king of EFX. Yeah. And they did it. And Disney owns." Fox 20th century owns Avatar now. Yeah. So wouldn't they have probably done a bunch of the special effects, which they probably did. I didn't check, (laughs) but I was like, why does this look so much better? Who did it? And the first thing the credits showed was not even a director or an actor. If I recall properly, it said effects done by Weta. (laughs) So fucking Peter Jackson's company, he made (laughs) for frighteners that he expanded for Lord of the Rings yes. is doing possibly the best digital special effects in the entire fucking world. Now for James Cameron. Thank you, New Zealand. It's just fucking crazy. He <laughs> wanted the ghost to look cool and frighteners like, and, and we have avatar two now. Thank you, Peter Jackson. Yeah. That and
1: uh, Silicon graphics. <laughs> yep.
0: Anyways, Megan, I saw that in theaters with my seven-year-old daughter I shouldn't have taken with Josh and Ginger, which (laughs) we covered on the bonus episodes. Once again, go back, but it was a fun ride. Old school style PG-13 horror. Definitely worth seeing. Yep. yep. My wife and I finally started Russian Doll and got hooked on it. We marathoned the first season in one go and started the second season. Okay. Have you seen it or heard of it?
1: I, I barely know of it, but haven't watched it.
0: Natasha Lyonne is fucking hilarious in it. I didn't know she was the creator, showrunner, and writer with Amy Poehler. No. And her dirty jokes are just fucking top notch. <laughs> and I knew there was a bit of time travel in there without trying to spoil anything. She kind of gets stuck in a groundhog's day loop. Okay. For the first season. And she keeps dying and resetting. And it's really funny because there's like a montage where she can't leave the apartment where she's at a party. She keeps resetting at her own birthday party. Okay. And she dies some crazy ways the first couple of times, but like she trips down the stairs and dies like five times in a row, different ways, like a random personal bumper knock her over and she breaks her neck. And she's trying to explain to her friend what's going on, like, for the umpteenth time at the party. And she's like, but hold on. I got bigger fucking fish to fry. I got to figure out how to get down these fucking stairs. <laughs> and, like, they all come up. They all think she's crazy. They don't know what she's talking about. And they're trying to, like, help her down the stairs and shit. <laughs> she dies. She has to use the fire escape. So, like, that's the kind of jokes you're working with in the show. Okay. And she's just fucking funny. So if you haven't seen Russian Doll, it's on Netflix, check it out before they cancel it and play H.O. Max and remove it. <laughs> I watched Witcher Origins, which was supposed to be like the how the first Witcher got made. Yeah. I'm real big in the lore and stuff. I enjoyed it and watched it in one sitting, but I could see how people didn't like it. Okay. Because it wasn't completely liked. I thought the characters were cool. I'm a big character guy. I also saw the characters get shit on a good bit on the internet. But if you enjoy The Witcher, it's only four fucking episodes, and it's a self-contained uh, limited series. Oh, okay. So, just fucking watch it. The CGI is fucking terrible for the finale, though. Oh, okay. And... <laughs> The way they made the first Witcher, it went in a, down in a way I, I didn't expect, and I thought it was cool because they had the fucking bard as the first character you see, even though he shouldn't be alive yet, and he didn't actually fucking exist in Witcher, like they made him up for the show, and it's like him telling the story and how he got it, so that just it's just nice. Oh, okay. And the other thing I watched was New Year's Eve. My wife and I watched White Noise, which is supposed to be like this post-apocalyptic kind of movie that takes place in like the 80s, the 90s, and it's starring adam driver and it's super dry dark comedy like indie style like that and it's based off a book apparently my wife couldn't even finish it she hated it okay i don't know if i'd ever watch it again but it was really fucking weird (laughs) and adam driver was fantastic in it and it was worth watching to the end and instead of having normal credits they have a dance number randomly in a white grocery store with colored boxes with everybody doing shitty dances for the entirety of the credits (laughs) and that was worth it alone just because it was so fucking neat but uh, what'd you watch?
1: Well, out of those, Megan, um, <laughs> about the only other thing I have worth mentioning is uh, "Sick." Okay, so uh, something new from Kevin Williamson, and it's worth watching. I okay. don't, I don't want to spoil it because there. First, it starts off as like, really, is this okay? Okay, and then we come back to it, and it's like. I guess that makes a bit more sense. And by the time you get to the end, it's like, all right, there's uh it's funny. Cause what, what's interesting about it is, is it goes back and forth between a few tropey things Okay, where you're like, my God of all people, Williamson knows better than to do this. Right. But there's a couple of times that it tries to show people making smarter decisions, I guess okay. is, is the best way for me to put this. And then they're still fucked. Okay. <laughs> which I was okay with it. The wife wasn't. <laughs> so anyways, see it. It's worth, it's worth seeing if you need something to scratch that slasher itch, Okay. It's definitely worth that. And home invasion.
0: <laughs> I got a bit of a void right now on slashers and Williamson didn't do me wrong. A scream. So, <laughs> well, the original at least I'm not a huge fan of the sequels, but that's a, not a fucking surprise to anyone that's ever heard me on the show. <laughs> But anyways, I guess we should probably dive into our two films, and I'll go ahead and say what they are. I'm going to cover Critters, (laughs) and Josh is going to cover Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Put up your (laughs) dukes! And we've always wanted to cover these two movies, and I said it on the bonus episode, I probably said it earlier here, but they are two of the first films ever mentioned when we were compiling a list to start our first episode. They were. And every time we're trying to figure out what we're going to do, we always bring these up. But the problem was always, what do we put killer clowns with? And Jesse doesn't want to do the critter sequels, right? <laughs> <laughs> Neither's Josh. Nobody wants to do that shit. Hey, now I
1: have a soft spot for critters too. All right,
0: <laughs> I'm gonna go back and rewatch it with an open mind. I only saw it once, and. I didn't start it at the beginning, and a bunch of crazy shit happened and it made me not want to watch it. I was actually surprised to find out that the Opera Brothers produced all four of them, and the Kyoto Brothers did the effects through all four of them. Yeah. Because it gets bad. <laughs> it does. But we're not going to put you through all that. I'm just going to cover the OG critters, so... Oh. Um, Oh, this is a random spot to say, it, but Josh and Ginger always give me the coolest fucking Christmas presents, and this year they got me the little blue worm dude from Labyrinth, which was awesome, but then I get to the bottom of the bag, and I have a fucking life-size crate, (laughs) and I don't know if it's because we were covering critters or just because they know I love it, but either way, thank
1: you. Oh, you're welcome. What's funny about that is I was actually shopping for somebody else, and first the worm came up like people are also interested in this i'm like fucking perfect jesse and then i put it in my card and then it pops up it's like well those people are already are also interested in this i'm like that's a fucking critter
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh and and the only other thing i want to add before we dive into the actual backstory of my first movie but how we got here i had no fucking clue the kyoto brothers did all the fucking critter effects
1: I had no clue until this. I knew they did, like, that was their thing, was right. puppeteering shit. Right. But I... And, and I was scared stupid. Right.
0: But I had no clue what all they did. I know. And, I, you know, I knew they wrote and directed Killer Clowns. And I knew they came from a... Not came from, they exclusively do effects. They just yeah. happen to write and direct a movie. And I've seen Critters a bunch of times. But I just... I think maybe I didn't know about the Kyoto Brothers till about COVID time. Ah. Right? Like, I've just never paid as much attention to it. And... I go to watch Critters for the first time in two or three years. I'm like, holy shit, because there's a <laughs> there's multiple effects companies involved in Critters, and I'll get to that, but like, they're the one that shows up in the credits after the actors, it yeah. says, and the Kyoto Brothers, and that's an interesting story. So, I'll tell you all about it as I cover 1986's Critters. All right, this is probably the most research I've ever put into a film, <laughs> which is fantastic, because it's in my top list, and... I've watched it a bunch. I've tried to do research, but there wasn't a lot out there. Thank you, fucking shout slash Scream Factory. Nah. You save the world. I, I love how they make new documentaries, commentary behind the scenes for things that didn't have it. Yeah. Otherwise, we're going off of Jesse's memories from the 80s and 90s, and I don't have my old Fangoria collection anymore. It's one of my <laughs> biggest regrets. I got of that in my Mad Magazine, so I don't know. So I have a lot in here, a lot of of. Pre-information and some shit sprinkled and I'm just going to be like fucking giddy the whole time. So here we go. Critters came out in 1986, like I stated, and it's directed by Stephen Herrick. This is the first actual film he ever directed. Okay. Immediately afterwards, he directed Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. He did Mighty Ducks. He did Mr. Holland's Opus, which I'm pretty sure he won a fucking Oscar for. Oh, damn. And several other Disney movies. So he did quite well for himself after this. And there's a bit of a backstory about him and the writer and how they all got together, but I'm going to hit that after the cast of crew, okay? Okay. It was written by Brian Mir, but the weird thing is IMDb and everything says Dominic Mir, but every commentary and documentary that was made re- semi-recently, Everybody calls him Brian. And he calls himself Brian. So I don't know. There was a name change in there somewhere, <laughs> or maybe he's registered with the guilds under Dominic and he goes by Brian or something. I don't know.
1: Or he's running from the wall.
0: <laughs> Either way, he's credited with the story by this is the first script he ever wrote. And the timing of it, I'll get into in a little bit, but basically he was 19, wanted to be a screenplay writer and moved to Hollywood. And okay. he heard that he didn't need to come empty handed. <laughs> so he hand wrote in a notebook critters. Oh shit. And then fucking packed up at 19 and moved to Hollywood. Right. How it all got made I'll get to, but he's the only not like huge Cinderella story out of this. Okay. He did a lot of fucking random movies including the Evil Bong series after this, but I didn't see anything I fucking <laughs> knew I've I've seen Evil Bong like listed on things as a joke, but that's it. Okay. The screenplay was Stephen Herrick, the director. So he got the script and I'll I'll get into that in a minute like I said. From Brian, and then he's like, do you mind if I take a crack at this? And he made the screenplay out of it. Okay. Okay. I don't know how much that changed. And then we have Don Keith Opper, who just has additional scenes written by, and he doesn't know what he wrote and didn't write. He he doesn't remember. (laughs) You'll see his name a lot, though, because he is one of the three main producers of the entire original four film Critters franchise. Okay. And the actor that plays Charlie in all four films. Oh, he okay. wasn't originally going to be an actor in it, but when they took over producing it and they needed that character because of something he had done previously, his older brother was like, I think you should play this guy and nice. he did it. But his only other writing credit, I'll get into his acting credits in a little bit, was Android, which is the first movie for a lot of these people. And, and we'll get into all that in a little bit. <laughs> the cast, we have Scott Grimes as Brad Brown. And other than the people that were already famous, I would say he's the one that got the most famous afterwards because he's still super active. And he's oh, one yeah. of those child actors that looks exactly the same as an adult. It's like the kid from uh, A Christmas Story or Shoot Your Eye Out Kid. Like, you know yeah, that yeah. motherfucker when you see him. <laughs> and he looks like an adult. He doesn't look like a child, but, like, he looks the same. Scott Grimes did the same thing. But he plays Brad Brown. He did a lot of TV in his day. And his bigger TV credits were Party of Five and Band of Brothers. That's the first thing I was like, oh, my God, that's fucking Critter's kid, Russell, Band of Brothers. Yeah. Uh, he was in the um, oh, the Russell Crowe Robin Hood. He played Will Scarlet. So okay. I mean, that's a pretty big role for a Robin Hood movie. Most recently, though, he's one of the main cast members of Orville, which I've never seen. But I hear it's fucking hilarious. Sometimes. <laughs> and then hundreds of episodes of, of Family Guy as multiple voices. And he's done every episode of American Dad, like three, four characters episodes. So apparently he started yeah. voice acting somewhere in there. So go Scott Grimes. We got Don Opper, or Don Keith Opper, as I wrote him as as the uh, producer and writer. He plays Charlie McFadden. He was in Android, which him and his brothers made, and he acted in and starred in. Critters 1 through 4, he's one of two people to be in all four movies. Okay. And a lot of TV. And apparently he was, like, really easily approached when you could always recognize him. Now that he's older, he's a much larger guy. And I don't mean, like, giant, obese guy, but, like, he got bigger... Because he's so fucking scrawny, yeah. right, in the critters movies. He's like, yeah, people used to always run up and take pictures of me. Nobody recognizes me now. And then he smiles, and you can see the tooth gap. And you're like, that's Charlie. <laughs> that's fucking Charlie. Um, that was fucking great. Oh, this is a famous name that we've used a couple of times, and you should all know us, D Wallace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the first movie she was credited as D Wallace Stone. Yes. Rob Shea shit a fucking brick and tried to make her not use her actual new name because <laughs> he wanted people to come to see D. Wallace. They weren't going to know who D. Wallace Stone is. She's like, I think they'll figure out when they see the trailer, dear.
1: Oh, I need some brand recognition in this bitch.
0: Right, right. Because this is after the first night on Elm Street. 86, yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. So they were getting kind of big at New Line. Um, and this is going to be a fantastic story. But D. Wallace <laughs> is Helen Brown, the mom, and the howling E.T., which is super relevant here, Cujo. She's Laurie Strode's mom in the Rob Zombie Halloween movies. I saw she's in Three from Hell. Yeah. 259 credits, though, and I looked. She's done at least one, but usually one to five movies a year since she started acting. Holy that shit. That is fucking impressive. Terrence Mann plays Johnny Steele and the bounty hunter Ugg. Okay? <laughs> they found him on Broadway. He was doing Cats on Broadway. Oh, okay. Immediately after this movie, he went and did Les Miserables, right? like So he was a big... Broadway actor he's in Critters 1 through 4 he's the only other character to do all four of them the Dresden Files Sense8 he's done a lot of genre type okay. stuff and I call him Kmart Tim Curry because he looks like Kmart Tim <laughs> Curry in this movie but he's his own man April Brown the sister was played by Nadine Vandervelt, but uh, she was in this, and then Munchies, and then Munchies, yeah, and then After Midnight, which is like a horror anthology series, and a few random TV things, and then she retired from acting, like in the late '80s. Okay, but she started writing and producing several kids cartoons. One of them called Roly Poly Ollie, which I don't know, or Roly Poly Oli, I don't know. Yeah, it's
1: Rolly Poly Oli. Okay,
0: so she's won several <laughs> Emmys for that, but she oh, created shit. that, wrote that, and produced that, and she just quit acting at some point. So that's kind of neat that she went like a completely different direction. Um, Billy Greenbush plays Jay Brown, the dad. He was in a lot of westerns. He's one of those old horror actors that was like a a a raunch, you know, tough, coarse Western <laughs> actor, and everybody says he's a teddy bear, right? But on top of playing Cowboys a lot in Westerns, he also played cops a lot. Like he's the main cop in the original Hitcher, which yes. came out before this. He's the sheriff and Jason Goes to Hell. Oh yeah. Which is his final acting credit. He retired after that. Damn. And I'm gonna say everyone that I at least that I mention on here is still alive, damn, to this day, which is about to shock you in a second, because this movie has <laughs> Emmett Fucking Walsh as Harv, the sheriff, 231 acting credits. I would say he's the Loomis of this movie. Not that he acts like Loomis, but he was the famous actor.
1: Oh, okay. okay. They brought
0: in to give him street cred, and when you you see interviews with all of the actors in the movie, it's like, oh my god, I I got to work with fucking Emmett Walsh and how nervous <laughs> they were. Everybody says he was really coarse and kind of an ass. Oh. In a way, but then when he started acting with you, like he was super into it, right? And it was just like he did his own thing, and then he's your best friend, like okay. we were acting. So they did. Like, even D. Wallace was like he was very hmm, coarse, <laughs> <laughs> but she liked working with him. She said, but uh, a lot of movies, like I said, but he was in Blade Runner, Harry and the Hendersons, Sundown, The Vampire Retreat, recently in Sneaky Pete and Knives Out. And uh, he's still acting. He had a movie come out in 2022, and the motherfucker's almost 90. Damn. I looked. He's still alive, man. Everybody's still alive. Like, he
1: looks like he's five years from keeling over in Critters.
0: I know. I know. <laughs> that was 86, bro. Special effects. The Kyoto Brothers. There's there's more than just them. There's a few, <laughs> few companies brought in. But they did all the Critter effects- I'll oh, get into how they got the job in a minute, but they did all the critters from critters one through four. So none of the new ones that I haven't even fucking seen. Don't killer clouds from outer space. Oh, Ernest, really? Yeah. Ernest scared stupid. All the stop motion shit in the movie elf with Will Ferrell. Like when he's like going across the candy cane river, that was them. Yo. right? Team America world <laughs> police. <laughs> that uh, one shocked me. Shocked the fuck out of me. I had no clue. I guess you saw that doing research for your movie. Yes. And I know Josh is going to get into it, and we've said it several times on this podcast, but Ernest Scared Stupid, I watched with my son, like, the night before Halloween, and it's always funny to see the killer clowns. Yes. Because they just fucking reuse the same costumes. And then I wanted to add a VFX company on here. Uh, Josh is going to go into them, too, because they did his movie, but Fantasy Two Film Effects. Yup. They were originally part of corman's company and did special effects and and all these people go back to corman which i think <laughs> we made a joke on the last episode and it's super fucking hardcore on <laughs> this one but they brought them in for the vfx they did any of the the actual like graphics that had be done like glowing shit and lasers and stuff like that and i think another company might have done the miniatures but i wanted to put them on here because they after this did the abyss aliens terminator 2 bram stoker's dracula gremlins Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I mean, I'm not doing this in any order. True Lies, Last Action Hero. Like, you're seeing a lot of James Cameron in there. So this is who we used before Weta, I guess. (laughs) Hellboy, Underworld movies, Resident Evil movies, like, all big shit. Yup. And we're going to get into some more people that came big shit, besides the director, because I already brought up, like, fucking, (laughs) I'm pretty sure he at least got nominated for an Oscar. But uh, here's my factoids before I dive into the summary of the film. This movie is often called a Gremlins knockoff. Yeah. Because it came out like two years after Gremlins. The script is actually like four or five years older than Gremlins. Okay. But that's the original 19-year-old script, right? That wasn't after the director redid it, I don't think. So I don't know how much it influenced it, but the original script was like gory hard R and like family members died. Yeah. And stuff like that. And uh, I'm sure Gremlins coming out is how they got the money. It's kind of like the... um, no, we're alien looks really cool. We're going to pass on that. (laughs) Nobody wants sci-fi right now. And then star Wars came out and they're like, I want to talk to you about that alien script. Yeah, Like, I think it's one of those, but it often gets called a gremlins knockoff, but apparently it wasn't, or supposedly it wasn't at least. Okay. But like I said, Brian wrote this at 19 before moving to Hollywood to have something in his back pocket, originally rated R scary, gory, like full on horror. And he had the idea that aliens didn't always have to be humanoid creatures And that aliens probably had criminals that would escape from prison. And he liked Westerns and bounty hunters. Ah. So that that was kind of like his thing. And um, he came up with the name critters really early on because he's like, it's really like straight to the point and somehow wasn't taken yet, (laughs) which was another movie we did semi-recently where it was alien. Yeah. Like they had all these crazy names and then they realized alien was in the script a bunch and they are like, it's called alien. Nobody's done that yet. It's crazy. The Corman connection. Okay. And I don't even think I have all of the shit here. And I'm about to do like the Red Eyes, Charlie from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the cigarettes and the red yarn, <laughs> like I did with uh, Paranormal Activity back in the day. But okay. Don Opper got a job as a carpenter at New World Pictures, which is Gorman. Corman's company, right? And he had heard that if anyone could write a script that could use an existing set before it got tore down, he would pay for it to be made. Okay, And that's the story we heard for Little Shop of Horrors. That's all the movie oh, got made, yeah. right? And he got together with another carpenter and wrote the movie Android.
1: Oh. Showed it to
0: Corman. Corman loved it, produced it. Him and his brother became movie producers with another guy. I think it's Bob Harvey or somebody, but a, a third partner got brought in that's not a brother and they started their own production company. And like I said, Don Opper also starred in Android, right? Yeah. Brian, the story by writer, worked for Corbin in the mailroom, then did a little bit of special effects. Then they moved him into editing, and he met one of the main editors there named Stephen Herrick. Oh. And Stephen, while they were talking one day, said, you wouldn't happen to have a script laying around, would you? Because he's <laughs> wanting to get out of editing and directing. things like, actually, I do. And he handed him the notebook. Okay. Probably not that day. I doubt it was in his back pocket. But he read it and liked it, like I said earlier, and he wanted to take a try at it. And he wrote what became the Critter screenplay. Brian and Steven were so sure of the movie that they thought they could go what I'm going to call Ramey style. And they were going to go to all the local doctors and dentists and ask for money for their movie, just like the Rameys. It wasn't just Ramey, but like Tappert and all them did. To get the money to make their movie. But they did that because they wanted to produce it on their own. They wanted to be movie producers. So they went and met with Roger, because they all had worked for Roger before. (laughs) And Roger agreed he would do it and gave them a super low budget that they didn't know if they could do it for. Okay, Fate would have it that they were at like a film convention or something, and Rob Shea happened to be there in New York. They met with Rob Shea. He liked Android. They pitched him Critters, and he was super into it. And he was like, wait a minute, Roger wants to make this? And this is when Newline was blowing up from Nightmare on Elm Street, and he wanted to take anything he fucking could from Roger Corman. <laughs> so he agreed to give them a much larger budget to have the rights for them to make Critters under Newline Cinema, and of course they took it. <laughs> so they got snaked out from under Roger Corman, which is funny because
1: oh my god,
0: they're going to use a lot of Roger Corman people on this movie, like behind the scenes. Uh. And then there was another editor at New World named Mark Helfrich. And he was friends with Steven. So, Steven made him the second unit director. So, he did most of the critter attacking people's shit while Steven was doing like the film proper. Okay. So, he's the one that mainly worked with the Kyoto brothers. Yup, yup. So, that was the Corman connection. Now let's get to the Titanic connection here. Oh, dear okay? God. These, these notes are deep, brother. <laughs> so, the sound designer and the costume designer for critters. Eventually won Oscars, both of them separately, for the movie Titanic for James Cameron. They worked for James Cameron. <laughs> they also worked at New World for Roger Corman
2: because
0: okay. they stole a bunch of Roger Corman people to make this movie at New Line. <laughs> um, they all made Android together at New World. Ah. And also, I'm pretty sure the DP of Critters was the DP on Android and was the DP on Titanic and also got nominated or won an Oscar. But I'd have to re- double check that. Like, it got insane. Okay. Okay. This was Billy Zane's first speaking role in this movie. He was in Back to the Future before that as one of Biff's Goonies, but he didn't get to talk. Yeah. He stars in Titanic. (laughs) (laughs) And this isn't Critters 1, but Critters 3 is starring Leonardo DiCaprio in his first film. Yup. And he ended up being in Titanic. (laughs) Fucking insane. I didn't think about all the Titanic shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. All right, let's get to the Critter design. And and guys, I'm going to go a great length. Just (laughs) fucking hop on this ride and have a good time. Kyoto Brothers, all right? They weren't originally who was picked to do the effects for this. Okay. Kevin Yeager was. Hey. Of Nightmare on Elm Street fame, among many other movies. But let's just yes. stick with let's stick in our wheelhouse. He agreed to do it. But Bob Shea was ready to make Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Kevin Yeager's the Nightmare on Elm Street guy. He couldn't do both movies at the same uh. time. I don't remember how he knew the Kyoto Brothers, but he, like, told the oppers, call the Kyoto Brothers. They'll do you right.
1: Holy shit.
0: So they had, like, no big credits under their name, which is... The effects in this movie still stand the test of time. Like, this movie's <laughs> f- just really well made. It's better made than it should have been, um, but they got called in, met with everybody, and everybody loved them and-, and just like liked their attitude and how they were like slapsticky. They said they were like the Three Stooges, yeah, right. And they're like they're gonna do it, and they fucking killed it, right. <laughs> the only instructions they were given was fur balls with teeth. <laughs> Brian, who wrote the story, had even drawn fur balls with teeth. But that's, like, all they would fucking give them. And they're like, we can do this. And they said, we definitely don't want the aliens to look like a dude in a suit. Okay? Okay. Stay as far from that as you can, which is going to be funny later. (laughs) So, like, okay, fur balls with teeth. We have almost no budget. We're going to figure this out. (laughs) And they stuck to the original ideas of Brian for the most part, other than they added the fact that they could turn into balls and roll around. Just like
1: Sonic the Hedgehog.
0: Well, n- before that, oh. this is before Sonic. They based the Krites off of the Tasmanian devil.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Fucking fur ball with teeth that eats everything in sight and he can, well, he spins around like a tornado. He spins tornado. around, but yeah. And so that was their uh, inspiration for that. They gave specific instructions to only shoot these things in the fucking dark. <laughs> so <laughs> like the magic of puppeteering <laughs> goes away <laughs> if it's lit and uh that's why there's a church service at like nine o'clock at night oh okay however they went rogue after this movie even though it's still the kyoto brothers and the same producers they started shooting these things in the daylight their balls got too big or something and <laughs> it, it suffers there's another thing that changed about them that, that suffers it was the fur they were told as they were designing the krites that hey they're gonna have like porcupine quills that pop up and can launch And we think their hair should be coarse. Okay. So the Kyoto brothers like, what hair do we use? And they went through and they decided moose hide. Okay. Because the moose hair was very coarse and looked like quills. They said as far as what looks good on on TV, that was the best decision they could have (laughs) made. But moose hide is very hard to work with. And it like limited what they could do and how they could design them. After the first movie, they used synthetic hair.
1: So that's why they're so stiff in the first one. Compared to, okay,
0: and that's why it looks so real because they're using yeah. actual animal hair, right?
1: Yeah, they look they look like puppets after the first one. Anyways,
0: they don't in the first one though. That's <laughs> I the know. thing. and like still to this. And this movie only had a three million dollar budget. Oh damn! And it's not like they had experience,
2: right? <laughs> like they would have to
0: come up with this shit on their own and stay in budget while winging it. Essentially, uh, they had to make different kinds of critters. They made the close up ones like the hero dolls yeah. that had to be like front and center. They made the, they call them bowling balls, but the way, and they act like they're literally bowling balls, but the way they're handling them, like they had some of the original ones, there's no way they're bowling balls, but there (laughs) are balls with the moose hair perfectly put around it with no seam. Okay. And when you see the rolling critters, RC, right? No action. And they fucking rolled them. (laughs) And if it didn't look right, they had to do it. There is RC, but I'll get to that. Okay. Um, Well, I'll do it now. They made an RC version with gyros in it, and it would sling the weight, and it worked great in the studio, but when they went to the set, they couldn't use them outside, like at all.
1: Oh, okay. Because the
0: uneven terrain and stuff like that. Yeah. I heard that they did a scene in a hallway where there was like a right angle turn a certain way, but to me, it looks like it moves like the RC version I saw in the behind the scenes. So I don't know why they want to use the RC version there, unless they fucking broke it trying to use it outside. <laughs> I don't know. But all the critters are fucking hand-rolled. Like, even on the documentary, they had the director try to fucking do one at the end. Oh, okay. And he misses the target the first time. And he's like, and then I'd say, cut. (laughs) (laughs) And then he did it again, and he hit it. And he's like, and print, you know. (laughs) Uh, But, like, yeah, they said the Kyoto Brothers would just be standing there with balls of fur. And, like, action. And they just chunk it until one of them went the right direction. Oh, that's great. That's fucking great. They also had the quill ones, which had to have air compressor things to make the quills pop up and then launch. And sometimes they'd shoot. (laughs) And sometimes they'd go, and just kind of fall out. And they just have to keep redoing it until they shot. (laughs) Then the walking crate, they were really excited about that one. They weren't asked to make one. They just thought it would be cool because they were like gremlins came out and you never fucking see a gremlin walk. Uh, we can make a fucking puppet walk. <laughs> so they made a crate. I think it was one of the hero ones that had motors to make the legs move. And they put it about half an inch off the ground okay. with like a crane dolly thing over it okay. with um, monofilament fishing line hanging down and then another one to pull it straight. And the camera just had to be at a slight up angle, and it looked like the feet was touching the ground, and the feet would move, and it would run across the floor. And it's in one scene in the movie. But they just like, look what we made, guys. Gremlins don't fucking walk. Critters walk. And it it really looks cool and adds to it. It's a quick shot, because there's another weird one that they throw right through a window, and they made a special version with the mouth open. It could chomp, and they chunked it and shit. And they're like, can't even fucking tell. Yeah. Between the motion blur and the darkness, you can't fucking tell. But we told them to shoot in the dark, so. <laughs> <laughs> and then they had to make the large costume one <laughs> with the little person. And it was a man in a suit. And and it's not I'm, great. Uh, no, it's not great. The director and the editor were fucking geniuses. That's the thing, though. Both the director and second unit director were editors. And they shot for edits. Let's, let's go ahead and say it. The Kreitz never got larger in the script. Oh. Bob Shea. He wanted them to get larger from eating, and he wanted to add an extra climatic ending. So if there was a large one coming after him to take one of them back to the ship for a snack, so that, was kind of, that part was kind of cool. But if you watch Critters knowing this, the large one has never actually seen. You see his feet stomp and his arm swipe. Yep. And close up of his eyes. So they shot and edited it perfectly where you didn't see the fucking thing.
1: Yeah. Now I like it. I did like the shadow gag for the idea that a transformation is taking place. That's like those poor chickens. Um. Yeah. The,
0: the poor Kyoto brothers didn't know they had to do that till that day. <laughs> So they took like a head and some arms and feet and and held them and then something they could pump and blew it up and they manipulated to make it look like a shadow.
1: Oh, that's great.
0: They're fucking geniuses, man. They are. And the last little uh, critter design tidbit I wanted to add was the director wanted to film in a certain order using his editor brain, right? And day one on set, he needed to burn a hero puppet. And the Kyoto (laughs) Brothers like, all right, let's talk for a second. I understand what you're trying to say we only have like two or three hero puppets. We're not gonna hit it with a fucking lantern on the first day because we need it for the rest of the movie. And they're like, I know you you got your editor brain, you got it worked out, but you also got to think of we only have so many puppets. Yeah. And then edit around that shit. And he's like, Oh fuck, that makes sense. Because <laughs> we've never done puppet. <laughs> we well, never directed. You know what I mean? So
1: Yeah, I'd be pissed off It's like, all right, day one, I need to burn one of your hero puppets. Like, uh, you know why they call it the hero puppet,
0: right? Because <laughs> <laughs> you you know Sam about, right? With the lantern in the hallway. Yeah. It's one of the first things you want to shoot. Oh, okay. Well, I don't fucking know why. I'm gonna make fun of a guy and then like renege on it because I'm gonna do it exactly like how it happened. To me. <laughs> Corey Burton does the voice of the critters, okay? Okay. And on the making of documentary, he probably has the longest segment. And he starts talking about like the articulation and like how it uses the speed of Japanese dialect with French words. And then he starts talking about the different parts of his diaphragm and his throat. He uses like the little ones sound like this, the medium ones like this and the large ones like this. And it's kind of ridiculous. And I noted it as such. Okay. okay. I mean, I think it's cool. They have their own dialect and language, Yeah. which is neat in its own right. But like this guy was like super into it. And then I randomly looked him up on IMDb last night. He's probably the most famous voice actor in the world. Okay. Every Star Wars cartoon, every Disney TV show ever made, almost every Disney movie. Like, Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, he's more than half the cast. No shit. Like, he's still going to this day and winning awards. So, yeah, Corey Burton, big-time voice actor, knew what the fuck he was doing when <laughs> he did the cripes, apparently. <laughs> like it, You're just like, this is a little 1986 fucking campy horror movie, and he went all in. Well, that's why he knew his shit. He knew his shit. Like, that's why he's <laughs> got the career he has, so I'm sorry. I just watched a new Star Wars cartoon with Count Dooku, and he has to do fucking Count Dooku's. He was Count Dooku. It just came out like a month ago. Fucking A. All right. The set in the house. It's filmed in Valencia, California on a ranch. Not in Kansas. Okay. Okay. The city. I don't even think I wrote the name of the city down. It's like Grover's Bend, and it's because in War of the Worlds, the Orson Welles radio broadcast, it was like Grover's Mill. I might have mixed the two up, but one of them's Mill, the other one's Bend.
1: I agree 100%. (laughs)
0: If you listen to the producers or the Kyoto brothers, they have different bullshit reasons for why I got named that. That's got to be because first off, what they say it came from, it's not actually called Grover's anything. Okay. I don't even remember what it was. It was that wrong. <laughs> I think it was from Orson Wells.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: But anyways, they filmed it at Valencia, California on a ranch. The house and barn aren't real. Those were sets that the director had built I kind, kind of figured
1: that by the time you get to the end of the movie.
0: Right. And there's no back on the house, but... You know, normally you have a warehouse and you build the different rooms. Yeah. He wanted to regularly have running from room to room in the movie and you couldn't do it without a real house. Yeah. But the house needed to be able to hold the camera. And have puppeteers do scenes. So very specific, like, oh, hiding yeah. holes for the Kyoto brothers to hide in. And anytime there wasn't one, like, there's a spot right before the lantern where a couple crites pop up on the stairs. They just cut holes in the ground so the Kyoto brothers could get under the stairs. <laughs> like, they just cut shit. But they knew they needed to blow the fucking house up. And they didn't want to use a miniature. They wanted to blow the fucking house up. <laughs> so that was the other reason. The power of the night. <laughs> the streets are calling. This fucking song is a banger. It's stuck in my head for decades. My wife and kids hate me right now because I watched this movie so many times recently for the podcast and I keep singing it. It's going to be on the Josh and Jesse Do Horror Movie Hits. No oh God. Album. It's going to happen. If you want singing, sing it, I will. It's going to sound terrible, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> but it was written by a musician friend of the Opera Brothers and Terrence Mann himself. No shit broadway star yeah right he said he sat down at the piano because they gave him like a melody and he started like writing out some stuff and he just fucking banged out the lyrics so i think the other guy wrote the the core music and then he wrote like the piano number and the lyrics he channeled his rick springfield right <laughs> they shot an entire music video for it oh for the segment that's in the well they used different segments throughout the movie
1: but that's because they shot the whole damn thing
0: right that's and if you awesome. notice it says um show pictures or show records or whatever on the MTV video. So the opera brothers company show pictures. Okay. So that was kind of like a joke they put on there. Um, He sang it himself. Terrence Mann did Broadway singer. Yeah. Right. And and it's fantastic. He said he's actually had a band after this and he would have to play the song like his band would. That's funny. I don't know if it's in my notes. Oh, it's right here. (laughs) (laughs) You guys got to see these notes. They're fucking great. So the writer and director wanted Billy Idol to play Johnny Steele. Oh. And the producers are like, Are you sure you want to deal with the headaches and hassles that'll come with that? I'm sure he'll do it. If we have it as Billy Idol and not Johnny Steele, he can bring his own music. We don't have to pay for it. Like kind of thing. Yeah. And then like they're like, You probably don't want to work a Billy Idol. Like <laughs> And they ended up meeting Terrence Mann and it worked out. But it's funny, it was almost Billy Idol. Allegedly.
1: They would have lost a chunk of their budget had it been Billy Idol. <laughs> That's the thing.
0: I got two little Tidbits left, or or sections, and then I'm going to dive into the movie. The Rob Shea changes, okay? <laughs> I already said it, but he wanted the critters to get bigger as they ate, so that's why you have small, medium. They might have already had small, medium, because the medium's not that big, much bigger. <laughs> I think the medium might have just been the fucking hero puppet, but he wanted small, medium, and full size from eating. They fought him hard. And then they each interview ended with whatever Rob Shea wants, Rob Shea gets. Yeah. Unless it's D Wallace changing her fucking name. <laughs> He wanted the large one for the epic finale. He didn't want it to like go down the way they had written it, which is in the movie. Yeah. It's just he wanted an extra layer of the large one kidnapping somebody to take back to the ship. Kidnapping and taking one back to the ship was really fucking cool, actually, and a good idea, and it, it did give us that cool way it ends that I'm going to get to in a bit, but the large one's kind of dumb. It's the only Critters movie out of all of them where the Critters grow. <laughs> so usually stupid shit gets added in the sequels. They remove the stupid shit <laughs> and then added stupid shit. For, for this one. And uh, he didn't like the ending. He thought it was sad. Because I'm going to tell you where it actually ends. The ending of the movie is in the movie, and then there's more movie. Oh, okay. The house rebuilding itself was not in the scripts. They shot that eight months after they were done with the movie. The screeners sent off, and the version sent to theaters, depending on what state you're in, had different endings because he changed. He made them do it that last minute. Wow. That they had already sent prints off. <sighs> And I don't know if I put it in here, but at a screening, some guy was like, yeah, I think it's really sad. You know, a little communicator thing. It'd be cool if you hit a button and it fucking rebuilt the house. Rob Shea's like, yeah, do it. (laughs) It's just so dumb. It is, but it also fits the movie thematically.
1: It does. Yeah. It doesn't feel out of place, but
0: it is dumb. But I thought it was dumb when I was fucking eight. (laughs) I think it's dumb now, but it fits 100% this could have been a spielberg movie on it like it has that
2: you know what i mean it has <laughs> almost, that vibe yeah
0: almost but like i said uh three billion dollar budget 1.6 million dollar opening weekend 13 million dollar total box office not bad they made money back multiple times so that's that's how we got the franchise but it did very well on home video after the fact oh yeah i forgot to do my log line thing but i'm pretty sure it's fur balls with teeth If it's not, guys, it'll be on the update notes. I forgot that's a new thing we started doing, and Josh's internet sucks at this place, so I'm not going to take the time to do it. I went against everything I just told you guys and went ahead and looked it up on Josh's internet. It only took 47 minutes to load IMDb, (laughs) but supposedly, according to IMDb, the tagline was, the original tasty entree. (laughs) God, I hope that's wrong. (laughs) Somebody edit that shit to fur balls with teeth for me, if you have a pro account, please. (laughs) Anyways, let's dive in this fucking movie. We open up with a black screen in New Line Cinema, which I love seeing.
1: <laughs> I love that old fucking New Line logo. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, the shitty old red one. Yes. But Bob Shea made sure you knew who fucking made this movie. <laughs> then we get a pan through space in the stars to an asteroid called Prison Asteroid Sector 17. I'm still on board. <laughs> <laughs> These effects actually age decently. The VFX here. Yeah. But there's a ship coming to land at the prison, and they call in requesting landing to the prison and say to the warden they have their eight Krite prisoners, and the warden's like, my record said you're bringing 10. He's like, yeah, but they were so fucking hungry, and they couldn't stop eating, so we had to kill two of them to make the food last. <laughs> they <laughs> ate everything in sight. And uh, somewhere in all this, you hear, oh, shit, the Krait stole the ship, right? <laughs> <laughs> and they get the hell out of Dodge, and they take off, but right before they jump out, they make sure they fucking laser blast part of the prison <laughs> and blow it up and start laughing hysterically.
1: Uh, they're such assholes.
0: <laughs> they are, they are. The floating warden that, he looks kind of okay, and apparently that's not the original version. They had to redo that over and over again oh, to get it really? right. like. I feel like it was kind of Dune-inspired, though.
1: Yeah, I can see that.
0: But uh, the warden's like, I got to call in the bounty hunters. And he calls them, and they don't get their names into the second one. Oh, okay. But their names are written in the script for the first one. Oh. I'm going to say their names in a certain order on purpose. <laughs> the one that can't decide which form he wants, his name's Lee. <laughs> the one that turns into Johnny Steele, his name's Ug. Okay. Ugg Lee. Oh, wow. That is their actual Look names in two, three, and four. Shit you not, I couldn't make this up. But anyways, they're told to go to a backwoods planet known as Earth, right? <laughs> Very primitive planet. These bounty hunters, they have fucking green glowing heads, brownish red leather, fucking outfits with like studs like 80s punk rock studs on it giant ass fucking guns and they can shapeshift they were pretty cool yeah and they wore like green featureless masks i've heard white and i've heard green but to me it looks like it was green and then they the effects the glow on it obviously yeah but they're watching the footage from earth that's sent to them by the warden and somewhere in there he's like and try not to blow up as much shit and then just fucking hang it up, and you're expecting Han Solo to say boring conversation, anyways, right? Like, like they're like, we're gonna blow shit up. It also kind of made me think of Darth Vader and Empire Strikes Back. No disintegrations this time when you meet Boba Fett. They're like, fuck that. Hitler is credited for being in this movie because he's one of the documentaries that that they're watching from the footage of Earth. But they're flipping stations, you know, watching Discovery Channel and this and that. and They land on MTV. Ah! And Ugg turns into fucking Johnny Steele. The morphing looks badass. And the way they did it is they made Terrence Mann do a cast of his face, then do a cast of his face with the hood on. Okay. They used a skull, fake one, I hope, or <laughs> who the fuck cares? Did like a blood layer of, they said jello, but I, I thought they usually do wax this traditionally, but jello yeah. or wax. Then they did a muscle wax version built on top of it, but all using his shit, right? Oh, and okay. then they did like the skin version of Terrence Mann's face from the cast. And then they did the hood version and wax off of that cast of the mask and then shot it with heat lamps and melted it fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark style. And they said it took for fucking ever. And then they played it in reverse sped up and, and, Oh, my God. My son watching this yesterday's fucking mind was blown. He's like, how did they do that without computers, Dad? (laughs) (laughs) It looks really good still to this day. It holds up. Like, the way it runs. I like it more than the Indiana Jones one. Oh, yeah. Because there's more to it, though, the way it rebuilds the face, right? It's just so fucking cool. I just can't say how much it is. Anyways, Lee can't decide on anything. I don't remember exactly what he says, but he's like, nothing sticks to me, right? (laughs) So he's just walking around green glowing, sound like a robot. (laughs) We cut somewhere in kansas to the brown family farm and you see your expected 80s rural farm family and introduction montage go through <laughs> the family right mom's cooking breakfast brad and april are fighting over who gets to go into the single bathroom for this large two-story house <laughs> and dad is working on the john deere farm equipment in the basement and can talk through the air vent to mom right to the house yeah and they went over fucking charlie because yes, he's supposed to be there Brad's trying to fake sick. That's why he's in the bathroom. He's got the thermometer under the hot water, which is really funny because Dee Wallace is the mom in ET and Elliot tries to fake sick with doing the same thing with the thermometer and mom falls for it, but she does not fall for that fucking shit in Critters. <laughs> 106. She learned some shit. April busts Brad out saying he's got a test today and he's probably scared to take it because he did so bad on the last one. His parents have no fucking clue about any of these tests. Don't. So she's busting him out at the table. They're kicking each other. The phone rings. Dad wants to know if it's Charlie calling it in, and we find out it's April's new city slicker boyfriend from New York City. Oh, and Chewy, the cat, named after Chewbacca. Fucking Dad apparently doesn't like him. Threatens him with a knife. We can quickly see it's Brad's cat. <laughs> like I said, the farm, all the outdoor shots on this ranch, the barn, and the house were all built on this ranch. The police station's an actual police station. That was commonly used for movies in California. It's actually a police museum now. And the oh. Bull-O-Rama was an actual bowling alley. Nice. So those two are on location. Everything else is a set. But Mom had asked what happened to Charlie, so we naturally cut to the police station I just mentioned, and we can see Sheriff Harve walking into the office and talking to a secretary, Lynn Shea. Yup. Because it's Bob Shea's sister. She's fantastic, so she can carry her own weight. I'm just saying. Like That's probably how she got in a a few of these early New Line cinema films. (laughs) But she's the secretary, and he wants to know what's happening.
2: This here says that John Travolta... Used to be a waitress in Fort Myers, Florida.
0: And Harv lets her know that he wants to know what's happening here (laughs) in town, right? And she lets him know there's a big bowling tournament going on tonight. And that Charlie's sleeping it off in the cell again. So we cut to Charlie waking up in his prison cell as a car horn goes off and he's grabbing his teeth and his jaw, right? Like something's going on. And he starts yelling they're coming for him. (laughs) He's sleeping in a jail cell with the door open. So obviously he like voluntarily put himself in here. Yeah, yeah. And he still has his bottle of whiskey. So he's drinking it. He's like, well, he wasn't really sleeping at all. He's just
1: like that dude, in the Andy Griffith show. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, uh, Harv comes in and he lets Harv know that they're coming. Cause he can hear it in his fillings again. And he opens his mouth and Harv's like, fuck whiskey breath kind of face. And he says it's the same aliens that ruined his pitching career. And he says that he was real major league material and had heat. <laughs> and I don't know if Josh caught it, but that is foreshadowing like a motherfucker. <laughs> But Lin Shay's playing off of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's great. Yes. And then he starts hearing the aliens talk through his teeth again. But wait, no. It's Jeff, the other cop for the town, calling <laughs> on the radio, hitting on Lin Shay and Harv telling him to cut the crap and to uh, go ahead and, and take off for the day. So, obviously, he's the night cop. Harv's the day cop. Yep, yep. And Harv tells Shroley he might want to go to fucking work at the Browns' house before he gets fired again. So, this must happen a lot. <laughs> Back at the Brown Farm, we can see that Charlie and Brad are really close friends and hang out a lot, even though they have the age difference. And let's be honest, IQ difference here, it seems as well.
1: Yes. Much like Leprechaun. <laughs>
0: it's not that bad. <laughs> we can see that Brad likes to make homemade improvised explosives. I'm sorry. They call them firecrackers yeah. in this movie. They are pipe bombs. <laughs> they are. And uh, he likes to blow shit up, including an original 80s era Kenner Y Wing that they spray painted silver so they wouldn't get sued. And that's what he blows up in the yard right there. Huge fucking hole, big explosion. Dad hears it way over in the barn where he's waiting (laughs) on Charlie. And he runs over and he gives Brad another lecture for, like, you know, get your shit together. And I'm assuming it's because he skipped school, because April's not there and and Brad is. Ah. And uh, he tells Charlie he needs to get to fucking work on the carburetor. April shows up from school with her boyfriend, which is fucking Billy Zane.
1: Who's not in the mummy.
0: They do look a lot alike. But this is his first speaking world. Like I said, he's got this fucking sweet rat tail. He's been growing up for years. And he's in this little sports car. His dad bought him for his birthday that, uh, according to dad, can't carry much hay. It can't. It's
1: known as a Porsche.
0: Right, right. And uh, I didn't even catch that. So thank you. And April says that she invited him over for dinner. And right there, Billy Zane's already, like, not comfortable being thrown into Scary Farm hats. You can tell. Right? Like, he's like, I'm, wait, what? I'm coming over for what? It's like, I, I, I,
1: I could, I'd rather be around the muggings than the rats.
0: Exactly. But during all this, Charlie had broken Brad's slingshot. I think it's actually when the Y-Wing got blown up. He, like, yanked and broke it, right? Yeah. And Charlie says that he can fix it. So while he's trying to fix the slingshot, he tells Brad to set up a can. Anybody with common sense would notice that 20, 30 feet past the can is the Porsche dad, (laughs) Billy Zane, his his name's Steve, but we'll see what I call him, and April's ass. And Charlie's aiming, hardcore to show that he fixed this thing, misses the can and shoots (laughs) April in the ass. Brad takes the slingshot from him and hands him the carburetor and takes off running from his sister to take the heat. Yup. When he gets cornered by his sister and his dad, he's about to get his ass beat and he decides to plead the fifth, which his dad lets him know it's not a fucking democracy. (laughs) And, uh... He's grounded, right? No dinner. Go to your room. And we get a glimpse of some of his fucking explosives and the shit he uses to make it as he's rocking out to Power of the Night.
2: night,
0: They got the use out of that song in this film. Yeah, they did. And Chewie randomly hops through one of the fucking windows and you can see they're trying to beat over your head. This is his cat. And he's going to look for the fucking cat. (laughs) That night, we can see Charlie finish up the carburetor on the family truck. He's got it running again because he's supposed to actually be a good mechanic. It gets said a couple times in the movie, and he heads home on his little bicycle because he's a fucking drunk, (laughs) and he shouldn't be behind the wheel of a car. (laughs) Steve's sitting down to eat steak and mashed potatoes and corn on the cob with the fucking yellow things, the stems on the end, which I made my mom buy me because of this movie, like in the late 80s, because I wanted to eat my corn like that. And uh, it's one hell of a meal. Fuck, I'm hungry now.
1: You're always hungry. It's true.
0: <laughs> but April goes for a crotch grab under the table and he's stopping her. Like, Steve's like, You're going to get me shot and buried in this farm. And uh, she says, Don't forget, you, you promised to take me for a ride in your car. And he's like, I did. <laughs> Mom's smiling because she knows what's going on. Dad's sipping the tea out of the mason jar. Mm-hmm, right. And uh, he obviously has no fucking clue. What she's talking about Steve. But he goes with it. They go outside. And Pops wants to know if mom had had the talk with her yet. And she's like, oh, yeah, long time ago. And he's like, long time ago? Yes! <laughs>
1: I buy the family. I do want to bring that up.
0: The dad supposedly improv shit a lot to the point where, like, the director. Because the writer. This is one of those movies where the writer was on set, like, the whole time okay. with the director. Like, they were ruining takes. Like, the, the, when the phone doesn't work. Like, they just told him the phone didn't work. And, like, you know, he, like, beats on it, and he's like, yeah. phone's dead. Like, straight so up, like, we almost <laughs> lost the take, right? Like, and everybody said he was, like, just so fucking fun to work with, which okay. is kind of nice, you know? But anyways, we see Brad and April get into the car and act like they're leaving, but they just park behind the barn. However, Brad can see them through the window. Yep. As they head in this barn to make out for what's going to be ours. Yeah, it is. I'm going to address that. It's funny. <laughs> it got brought up in the... Uh, commentary also like how fucking long and the the producers like what do you mean and then you start going through the list of shit that happened like well fuck we didn't think of that but anyways brad wants to get revenge on his sister and he loads up on what looks like a pipe bomb and m80s all homemade (laughs) best in the state as he says (laughs) and he's going out to either scare his sister or blow her the fuck up like the unabomber who the fuck knows (laughs) at this point And Brad goes out the window and tries to sneak across the roof because he's on the second floor and he has to hide from his dad as his dad peeks out the window and they hear a spaceship fly by or they hear something. We see it's a spaceship. Yeah. Mom's watching Power of the Night downstairs. Until she has enough of it and she changes the channel and she goes to something else that's made by the (laughs) oppers. (laughs) <laughs> um, but the, the TV starts to fuck up, right? And she's yelling to her husband, and then the house starts to shake. Then we cut to Charlie riding his bike, and he sees the ship fly by and like falls off his bike and then tries to take off running, and then he's like, oh, fuck my bike, like a big drunk scene. <laughs> and he heads off to what we find later is the police station. We cut to April and Steve making out, and April says, the earth just moved, and Steve's like, already? <laughs> like, it's so fucking funny. Pops decides to be late for his bowling tournament, which he was getting dressed for. And I just want to point out that their logo is the Ghostbusters logo with a pin instead of a ghost. And they're called the Pinbusters. Yes. Lots of 80s references. In this movie, we've hit the Y-Wing and now that. Um, (laughs) But he wants to go check out the noise. And while he's outside, he catches Brad in the tree because Brad went from the roof to the tree to climb down. And he's like, oh, shit, Dad, the earthquake threw me clear out my window <laughs> into the tree. And dad's like, cut the shit and get down here. And he like gets down all slick. And dad's like, you've done that before. You? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, come with me before you get in more trouble. Uh, and they think it was a meteor or something. Right. Or Brad does. Dad's like, I don't know what the fuck it was.
1: Invaders from Mars. Yeah. yeah.
0: Teenagers from Mars. We don't <laughs> care. But, uh, we cut to the ship and we get captions of the Kreitz talking and the Criates give a status report on the ship and then decide that they need food. Story here. Shay said under no fucking circumstances were they allowed to put subtitles in. Fuck him. I said captions. I meant subtitles. Whatever. So Steve took money out of petty cash and did just the porch scene that comes up later where one of them gets shot uh-huh. for Uh-huh. right before the first screening. And everybody fucking erupted laughing and clapping. And they looked at Rob Shea and said, can we have subtitles now? <laughs> That's one of my favorite shots in the whole fucking movie. Yeah. yeah, Their <laughs> captions make this shit. That's like part of what separates them from the gremlins because we actually get to hear what they're saying. Yeah. Or read. Well, the tomato, hard potato. hard for Josh, but we get it. <laughs> His wife helps him along the way. <laughs> Anyways, Pops and Brad find some mostly eaten cattle carcasses out on the farm and... They head back to the house. I'm not going to tell mom about it, though. It'll freak her out. <laughs> they don't notice the giant fucking spaceship parked 20 feet. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Thank you. Because the camera pans over. It's really funny because one of the, I, I think, was, I don't know if it was the producer commentary or the Kyoto Brothers commentaries are separate. But one of them, they're like, yeah, yeah, we didn't use a single real ship. We used miniatures the whole time, except for that one. <laughs> and the one that the bounty hunters walk out of. <laughs> and the one the large critter drags <laughs> April on But other than that, (laughs) and there was an actual old ET episode from when they made critters and it shows very few things. But one of them is the little dude in the critter suit dragging and the entire part spaceship and they can walk in and out of it. So there was an actual ship built. (laughs) Oh, okay, It wasn't just miniature. Anyways, we can see Jeff making his rounds and his police cruiser because it's nighttime now. It will be for most of the rest of the movie, the original movie. <laughs> and we know he's the only night cop, and he's hitting on Lynn Shay. I, I should have fucking wrote her name down. She's fucking Lynn Shay. <laughs> she's always fucking Lynn Shay. <laughs> she is. And uh, she gets shot down. And then the bowling ball fucking critters come rolling by. And he swerves and goes off road and fucking like, wrecks his car slightly. He thinks it's a dog. And he's talking about the damned dog. And come here, Poochie. And he's got his nightstick out. And um, they start skittering by. He starts to realize things are kind of fucky. <laughs> and then says poochie one last time as we see the back of a critter and we see the harpoons so the quills come up and he launches one and it hits jeff in the knee taking him down grabbing his knee i used to be an adventurer like you and i took an arrow in the knee and then he looks under the car we can't see anything right we just see his face and, oh no. my god and then we see his feet as he gets shanked under the car and we hear things eating him <laughs> so victim one <laughs> huge body count this movie I did play a game with my son where we counted the crite deaths, though, because there's eight of them. Oh, okay. It's accurate. It was fun to do that. Nice. So, maybe we'll do it in the podcast. It depends how I go. I'm already 17 hours in. (laughs) Back at the farm, though, we see mom cleaning the dishes and, you know, using the... uh,
1: The garbage disposal?
0: The garbage disposal trope, right? Like, waiting on something to happen. And we start to get a POV shot where they did something to make the camera kind of out of focus. Running around. Obviously, it's a critter because it's low. And it runs to the yard, hops up, and scares the shit out of the mom with the creepy glowing red eyes. Yup. And you'll hear some misinformation that I had to decipher myself and never heard corrected. They had to have used, like, lights or VFX right there for the eyes. Okay. What they say they did on the commentary happened several times later in the movie. And that was the paint used for stop signs, the reflective paint. Yeah. They said they painted the back of the eyeballs, and then they used a beam splitter and shot a dim light to make them glow. Um, which you see in the basement and other scenes later in the movie. Yeah, Those fucking eyes are glowing red. So those were either lights or VFX. But okay. either way, it looks really cool. And that's one of those things like you always recall movies sometimes when certain things happen. Anytime I've ever been like doing dishes at night at the kitchen sink <laughs> and I'll look up, I always expect to see the red eyes and I always think of this in, in Fright Night.
1: No, whenever I think of glowing red eyes stories or ghost stories or anything like that from my youth – when I go back and watch Critters, I realize, oh, what I'm seeing in my head is the kitchen scene. From
0: right, Critters. right. <laughs> it just works. It's a very memorable scene. But anyways, Mom backs up scared because she like dropped a plate or something, right? Yeah. And she backs up into Brad and pops as they're walking to the house. Screams. We get a fucking D Wallace scream. And uh, she's like, "I saw some shit out the window." They don't see anything. And they're like, maybe it was Chewy. And she's like, "Yeah." Yeah, I guess it could have been. Yeah, totally. If it was the normal reflective paint eye shit I'm talking about that happens later. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. Not that shit. Those were demon eyes. But we cut to the bounty hunters as they land their ship, and they start to discover the cattle corpses, which makes their path through the rest of the movie not make a whole lot of sense.
1: They do a lot of backtracking.
0: They're also terrible bounty hunters. (laughs) Their kill count is very low. But when they look at the carcasses, Lee, who still hasn't shapeshifted. Yeah. Yeah. Looks at it, and he says, the feeding has started. <laughs> Back at the house, we can see some more Krite POV as the family's being stalked to the house. As they're running around, the Krites are spying on them. Because they're smart little fuckers. I mean, yeah. we've seen them fly spaceships, shoot lasers, jump to light speed. Don't sue me, George Lucas. They fucking went far. They had enough fuel to travel the entire galaxy ten times over, is I, all the warden said.
1: Yeah, okay, so fuck Tesla, fuck green energy. I want some of that fuel.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, and it's got laser power. <laughs> <laughs> But the dad decides it's time to call Harv because, you know, they got the fucking dead cattle and shit they haven't told mom about yet. <laughs> and he goes to grab the phone, but the phone's dead. And then the power gets cut because, like I said, these are smart little fuckers. <laughs> and I'm guessing he just wanted to call Harv because they heard, like, the boom or whatever and then found dead cattle. Because they don't really have any evidence of anything else yet, right?
1: True. Unless they have a history of, like, cattle mutilations, UFO abductions, shit like mm, that.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> But uh, dad decides it's a breaker because this is a horror movie and we need tropes. (laughs) So he goes down to the basement and he tells mom and Brad to stay at the top. And April's missing this whole time. Brad's the only one that knows she's actually in the barn and he was going to go fuck with her and he's forgotten at this point. I just (laughs) want to point that out because that comes into play. But dad heads down there to check the fuses. I said breakers, but they would have had fuses back then. And uh, I'm
1: sorry. this time joke. She's out in the hay uh, doing some roly poly.
0: (laughs) Sure, sure. With Oli or whatever the fuck, the cartoon she made later. Now we know where the idea came from. Um, Sorry. Nobody sue me. <laughs> well, like I said, the dad's heading down to the basement, check the fuses, and mom and Brad are watching. And he sees the wires have been literally fucking chewed apart and ripped up before yes. he even gets to the fuse box. And he's like, what the fuck? And then he starts to hear something on the shelf. Because what you're going to learn, I noticed in all the commentaries, they would say the critters hate stuffing, apparently. I think they love it. It must be a delicacy. <laughs> but there's a crate on the shelf, and he shines the flashlight. He does bottom row. And I'm like, it's kind of weird. But like, I was like, oh, but he's looking for a rat or something, right? Like, yeah, I don't know if they did it smart, but like, my brain took it that way. And he does the second shelf, and then he goes to the third shelf. And that's when you can see the stop sign reflective paint on the back of the eyes. Okay. And then he misses it, and he can't see it again, right? He just sees movement. So the dad approaches the shelf, and you can see, like, if you know what you're looking for, it's the back of a critter. Eating yeah. a fucking stuffed animal on the shelf, and the dad reaches for it and it snaps for his fingers and almost gets him but misses. And then another crite drops down on his fucking shoulder and goes town on it. And <laughs> a lot of times, like if you see like the chest up shots, they're self puppeteering in a way, not literally like if you if you need the mouth to move, there's a Kyoto brother on his knees under you, and okay, he's puppeteering it. But most of the time, they would just stick a crite on them with their mouth open, him and Billy Zane, and they're fucking running around and shaking it. <laughs> Act like you're having a bad time. It looks good though, it, <laughs> it does. But anyways, he slings the little son of a bitch off of him and he makes a run for the stairs and he kind of trips and falls and one of them shoots a harpoon at him and it sticks into the stairs and he's like, what the fuck? (laughs) And then another one latches on his fucking leg right on his thigh and he can't get it off and he's reaching for tools and he grabs a hammer and he beats the fuck out of that one and gets it off of him and he runs up for the basement door and right before he gets out, he takes a harpoon to the back (laughs) and he falls over and mom and Brad have to drag him, right? But they shut and lock the basement. Mom wants to know what the hell it was, and Dad says, I don't know, but it was meaner than hell. <laughs> and he <laughs> says it groggy as fuck. I'm pretty sure it was ADR'd in, but it's fantastic. There's a bad ADR later, though. Oh, okay. During all this, though, we were cutting back and forth to the bounty hunters and what they were doing. And they eventually find Jeff's car after discovering the eaten cattle on the side of the road, and it's the same, like, mile marker where Charlie was on his bike. The mile marker, oh, they God. get some great use out of it, right? But they find the car... And Lee sees Jeff's dead body on the ground, and he just starts like pulsating and shaking and glowing. And then we cut to what Ugg's doing, and we cut back. Lee looks like Jeff, but Jeff, if he was a zombie with bones sticking out of his <laughs> yes. shoulder, neck, and bleeding to death, and veins and like zombie eyes and shit, that's what he chose to shapeshift into. And they get in the car to drive it because they figure out it's a vehicle. <laughs> and Ugg's in the passenger seat. He's obviously the leader, right? Yeah. Like he was flying the main ship and he he gives the orders. But he's fucking with the. ...mounted shotgun, right, that's locked in, (laughs) while Lee breaks off the windshield wiper controller and he's trying to figure out the keys. Like, he's just moving everything. He eventually gets the car cranked, and I don't know what happens first, but Ugg fires the shotgun through the roof of the car as Lee gets the car in reverse and hits the gas pedal and they take off backwards. And for the next large portion of the movie, they think that's how our cars work on earth. (laughs) And he drives the motherfucker in reverse the entire time. Like my dad trying to get a parking spot back in the day in his old pickup truck. Okay. (laughs) We finally head back to our several hour makeout session at this time where motherfucker hadn't even gotten a third base yet. Okay. And (laughs) maybe this is round two. (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? Um, but, I put in my notes, the radio starts messing up. I think the tape actually ends. And he says, don't worry, I got it. And he reaches without looking. And if you look, one of the tapes says, like, Herrick's Metal or whatever, the director's name. Oh, okay. I caught that yesterday, watching it with my kids, but I didn't before. Um, But he reaches, and one of the critters goes and bites, and his fingers are missing. And I say it like that because I want to go into a little bit of detail here. Okay? (laughs) This scene was shot for hours and hours. Because Billy Zane had a full prosthetic, his stomach got ripped open, his guts came out, they fucking munched on him. And... Everyone said that, like, the director's like, another take, another take. And just fucking Billy Zane just kept doing it. And the Kyoto Brothers were like, look, the MPA is never going to allow this. (laughs) You are wasting a lot of time. And the Kyoto Brothers have to, like, take turns puppeteering the the crate. And when you watch the movie, you just see his head and he's shaking. Like, well, it jumps on his stomach. He does the self-puppeteering shaking thing. He runs to the wall and you see his head shaking in April's fucking dismay. Because that's when he got eaten. But they made them film it that way. They also were going to give them a rated R because Bob Shea said this movie has to be PG-13 or I'm fucking cutting it, right? Uh-huh. And uh, the MPA is like, you can't have the fingers make contact with teeth. You can have it bite. You can have the fingers get ripped off, but teeth's never allowed to touch skin. And they couldn't figure out what to do with their footage. And then Steve, the director who used to be an editor, literally cut six frames out. Like, the mouth goes, and the teeth are about to touch, and then they're closed, and the fingers are gone. Like, he literally just cut frames out of the movie. That's so stupid. If it looks weird to you, that's why. The MPAA. (laughs) No guts. And no teeth touching skin. Anyways, April does like a blood curdling scream. The family hears it, and then Brad's like, "Oh shit! April's in the barn!" <laughs> <laughs> and he runs. He goes. He does go to save his sister on his own, right? Okay. He climbs in the loft of the barn, and he sees dead Steve on the ground, which is shot at a weird angle, probably because it's cropped because there were guts. <laughs> and we see his sister's trying to fend a crate off of the pitchfork, but she tried to stab it at one point. And he just fucking bit the end off. He didn't give a fuck, and then he started eating on Steve earlier. But Brad takes one of his IEDs out of his pocket, right? And he lights it, throwing it right in front of the crate, which picks it up, looks at it, thinks it looks tasty, puts it in his mouth and starts to eat it. And then his eyes do this, what the fuck is that? And then you just hear like a little slight pop and smoke comes out and his eyes roll back and he falls over dead. One out of eight's down. Okay. okay.
1: <laughs> I love that shot because at first you think he's just like got an iron gut. And it's all going to be fine. And then the smoke starts to come out and he kills over.
0: <laughs> right, right. And this is one of those things, like, when they were told it had to be PG-13 by Rob Shea, they decided to embrace it. I'm like, we have to have a fucking kid hero. So I don't know how much Brad was supposed to be the hero until oh, okay. it got turned PG-13. That wasn't really clear. But they were like, fun 80s PG-13 movie. We need a kid hero that everybody can can, you know like relate to the kids can that are watching it with their parents. Yeah. And honestly, I thought Brad was cool as fuck when I was a kid. <laughs> like, he's got all these firecrackers and shit yeah. that I didn't know could, you know, level small buildings. But <laughs> anyways, you're, you're right though. Like you think he's, he like burped it out. Like he's good. and But we see Charlie eventually arrive at the police station on his bike And we find out from Lynn Shay that Harv's probably at the bowling alley because it's a big tournament tonight. And he's like trying to tell her what's going on. And she's fucking ignoring him. Right. Yeah. It's a little ship. They're here. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) He's like, we're going to need Harv in the army. And that's when she says that, right, about the bowling alley. He's like, I'm going to head to the bowling alley to get Harv. You call the army. And she's like, (laughs) all right, Charlie. And he fucking heads off. (laughs) We then cut to a church service and we see that it's going on. At 9 o'clock at night for some reason. Because you can't shoot kites in the light. And uh, we cut outside and we see Charlie ride by on his bike. And right as he goes to the intersection next to the church, we see this, you know, patrol cruiser come flying in backwards. Yeah. And fishtail in reverse. And slam right through the fucking wall of the church, right? And the bounty hunters get out and walk through the new door they made into the church. <laughs> and Ugg delivers one of my favorite lines that is said many times to this film. We're here for the Christ. The reverend says the county is going to have to pay for this shit to Jeff, even though he looks like a fucking zombie. And uh, he's trying to figure out what's going on with zombie Jeff until he starts, like, throbbing and vibrating, like, looking at of his eyes are glowing. And Jeff turns into... What's well, not Jeff? Lee turns into the <laughs> reverend at go. this point, right? Like, Because I guess that what agrees with him more. When he shapeshifts on the reverend and turns around, the pianist passes out and luckily dives off the piano bench when she passes out because she's an old lady and hits a piano note on the way down. And Lee and Ugg turn around and fucking annihilate the piano (laughs) with their guns. And at that point, we can see that they got these large barrels with an even larger barrel at the end that will extend out and shoot. They actually made smoke shoot out of them and stuff. They figured out they could spray fog into it. And the way the mechanism worked, when it shot and pumped back, it would actually blow smoke rings out. Okay. Ac- happy accident. Nice. And they decided they wanted to make it a little bit more high-tech and sci-fi. So every time they fired the guns, there's a green flash of light that happens, which is- actually adds to it. It's kind of yeah, cool. I'm okay with it. But they blow the fucking piano up. And <laughs> now we know all the wardens, like, don't shoot everything this time. Kind of interesting, though, the church, like, the back wall of the church behind the reverend is actually, like, the outdoor wall of, like, a building. And okay. you can tell. You can see, like, the outdoor lights and the concrete. And they built a facade Room. for the chapel and for the entryway and I just ram the car backwards to the facade. They're like, how did you make it look so cool driving through the wall? He's like, we drove it through the fucking wall. <laughs> <laughs> that was on the Opera Brothers uh, commentary. But yeah, so it's just a facade. It's kind of neat. But back at the house, Pops is all bandaged up, and we can see they pulled the harpoon or quill out of him. And Brad's playing with it. Dad's like, don't fuck with that. I think it's got poison. He didn't cause, because we get one fuck per PG-13 movie, and it's not happening yet. Yep. And he says he's starting to get the feeling back in his arms. So we know that whatever... The harpoons, do they numb you, basically, yeah. right? And he's, his shoulder's bandaged, his hand's bandaged. He got fucked up a little bit of his leg. Everything. But now that he can walk and use his hands, dad goes and he gets one of three shotguns mounted over the fireplace and says they need to get the fuck out of the house, basically. He says they cut the phones, they cut the power, they're going to come in for us next. Dad's pretty smart. That's what they do. That's what they do. So they decide to head out to the family truck because, thank fucking God, Charlie fixed the carburetor. <laughs> They run out the porch, and they have, like, one of those uh, foot latches, you know what I'm talking about, where you, like, kick the latch down into a hole in the floor. Yeah. For some reason, when they slam the door shut, the latch closes on the inside, so they can't get back in. They run out to the truck, and it's fucked because the Krites have eaten all the seats out, all the wires out, everything. They love stuffing, like I said. <laughs> April remembers she has Steve's keys because she took the keys because he let her drive the car because he thought they were going for a ride. Yes. And she did, like, a stick it in the brawl or something, like, so he had to chase her in the barn shit earlier, right? So she has the keys. They'll take the Porsche. It doesn't hold much hay, but it'll hold the browns, right? <laughs> but they run over to the Porsche, and they open the door, and there's a in there eating the inside of that car, which startles them. And then he does the fucking bowling ball roll, fucking dive off camera behind this thing of hay. And then you see three Crichton's heads stick out at the same time, like a cartoon. <laughs> Had to have been all three Kyoto brothers. That's the only one that worked when they back. But the dad shoots at the rolling one right as the other ones pop out, and that's why they hide, I think, is from the gun blast, but he misses them, right? So they make a run for the house, and then we have several bowling balls chasing them at this point. And, and literally on this scene, they said they were just fucking chunking them and praying to God it went the direction it needed to go, right? Yeah. And they make it to the porch, realize the door is locked, one of them breaks through the fucking picket fence, and they all start coming through the holes. And Brad says he can get them in the house, and he just fucking takes off running, and mom starts screaming because her baby's gone, right? He climbs up the tree, onto the roof, does the whole thing he did to get out of the house in reverse. Yup. Because that was foreshadowing, right? (laughs) The foreshadowing doesn't slap you in the face in this movie. It really does not. It's It's all very subtle. It is subtle. But he makes it to the house, gets the door open, gets the family in, and they slam the door. And then we cut the two crites run up on the porch. And this was the scene (laughs) where they petty cash the subtitles in. This is also the scene where they use their one fuck for a PG-13 movie. And it's not even said. It's on screen in <laughs> subtitles. But one of the Krites says, oh, no, they got weapons. And the other Krites says, so what? And then the door opens. And the one that says, so what, gets shot by the double-barreled shotgun and liquefies. And then the other one's like, oh, fuck. And he he- Sonic the Hedgehog runs off through the fence <laughs> hole. It's fucking great.
1: Oh, it was classic as fuck.
0: That's how I got my son to watch this movie. He's like, are you sure it's not scary? Because, like I said, Josh got me this life-size Krites doll. And I have it on the main shelf of my collectibles over my computer desk. Nice. And apparently my three-year-old Molly got startled by it, <laughs> went and got my wife and said there's something scary <laughs> while I was at work or somewhere. And she's like, there's nothing scary in there. And she goes and opens the like sound dampening curtains we have by my desk. And she sees the crate and she's like, oh shit. And she just fucking closes it. <laughs> Close <the curtain. laughs> nothing to see. I came home from work the next day and the crate was like hidden in a drawer. Oh, damn. It's coming back out though. I'm thinking about putting it in my room, looking at my wife when her alarm goes off. <laughs> <laughs> but after this hilarious exit from the Crites, we cut to Charlie getting fucking hammered at the bowling alley, doing what he does best, waiting for Harv, right? Yup. Ugg and Lee show up. <laughs> fucking names, man. And uh, we find out they come for the Kreitz. right? <laughs> As they walk in the door. And they rough up the bartender a bit. And some bowlers or bouncers or whatever the fuck they're supposed to be. And you can see that they're strong. See, like, like Ugg catches a bowling ball or it rolls up. And you'd expect him to shoot it like he thought a kite was rolling. Yeah. But he grabs the fucking ball and one hand chunks it and disintegrates the pins into dust. And, like, one guy's <laughs> like, fuck, what bowling team are they on? <laughs> yeah. And uh, when he picks up the bartender, like, Charlie leans over and sees his feet off the ground. He one-handed picked them up like it's nothing. Right. Yes. So the bounty hunters are stronger than people we're supposed to see now are humans. But while Uggs fuck with the bartender, Lee looks at Charlie and then morphs into Charlie and he decides to just stick with this look for the rest of the movie. And I will give Don Opper props for this. They are two completely fucking different characters. Oh, yeah. And you can tell them at all times. Yes. Right. Somewhere in here, though, like they get distracted. The bartender tries to slam a baseball bat on Ugg's back. It disintegrates into sawdust. And the Western they're watching has gunfire, and then they turn around with their fucking cripe blasters and start fucking annihilating the wall,
1: right? They ice the shit out of the TV. <laughs> everybody
0: starts running out of the bowl of Rama. Uh, it's just the bowling alley, but fucking Lin Shay, fucking <laughs> it's a bowl of Rama from now on. And if I remember correctly, there's something funny on the sign for the bowling alley, and I don't remember what it is. I'll look it up later and post oh, it. I but they blast that place to shit, and fucking everybody leaves. And we see Ugg and Lee get in the car and take off, and Charlie starts following him on the bike, like, yelling for him, like, he can help. <laughs> Foreshadowing for sequels.
1: <laughs> I could be your mechanic.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think it's later, but yeah. It's yeah. later. <laughs> we see Harv get a phone call in the middle of the night, and it, it's really funny, like... <laughs> There's a random picture of Dolly Parton thumbtacked in the wall. Okay, They brought that up in the commentary and they're like, I told you, like our art design person or set design person, she got an Oscar for Titanic. She knows what the fuck she's doing. <laughs> she stuck a fucking random Dolly Parton picture in there because Harv looks like he'd like Dolly Parton.
1: Dude, I started Googling my ass off last night when it got to that, trying to figure out what she may have had to do with the fucking movie. And what's weird is I went down a, a wormhole that like Sand Dollar Production, she helped Set up as a silent partner, and that's how Buffy got made. So huh. yeah, 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 take that at face value. I, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta go
0: dig on that later. But okay, I'm so gonna see your notes on partner. this one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm like, when did Nine to Five come out? Because it looks like a shot from Nine I, to Five.
0: I honestly think it's a shot from Nine to Five. Okay, I've seen the movie once, and I was a child, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was because the way her fucking hair is poofed yes. up. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyways, anyways <laughs> it, <laughs> random tirade from us, but it fits half It does. It's funny because I I read online he's actually from New York City. Okay. And he always played Southerners. That's fucked up. (laughs) And I don't don't know what his natural speaking voice is, but he pulls off that rural sheriff perfectly. (laughs) And honestly, he's usually a comedic actor. Like, a lot of his roles were comedy. Yeah. And he kind of provides it here while being serious. It's It's, neat how they did it. It's a
1: different type, yes.
0: Even in uh, Harry and the Hendersons, he's kind of like gruff because he's he's, um, Lithgow's dad. Oh, yeah. They gave up on hunting the the Sasquatch. Yeah. And he has, like, a couple, like, lines that are supposed to be serious, but they're funny because it's him. <laughs> 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 Anyways, he gets the phone call, and basically, Lynn let him know all hell's broken loose in town and that Jeff's missing and she can't fucking get him, right? <laughs> you can see that the Browns are at wit's end, bandaging Dad back up again. Cause I forgot to mention another Cricht landed on him on the porch before they got dragged in. And it landed on the same spot on the shoulder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And I don't remember who it was. Editor, director, DP, producer. Somebody was like, we did this movie this one time where this guy got hurt on the shoulder. And then we had the bandage on the wrong shoulder later. Or the blood or something. Never fucking make that mistake. Just always attack the same spot. (laughs) Fuck getting your continuity correct. Just always attack the same spot and you don't have to worry about continuity. wrong. (laughs) So that's why I got attacked on the same shoulder. I always thought it was like a a shark smelling blood kind of thing. Yeah. I I made up all sorts of mythos in the 80s for these fuckers.
1: That's the tasty bit.
0: (laughs) But they get dad bandaged back up and we get the cliche 80s mom yelling at Brad that needs to hug her baby. Right? (laughs) I don't even remember. What is it? It's like... Go make sure all the windows are locked up. Already did, Mom. Go fucking check it again! Yeah. You know, and then she's upset that she yelled at him. And Brad's pretty sure they're all locked up, and then they start hearing something going down on the chimney. And Brad's like, oh, shit, the flu, right? And he closes <laughs> that, so they should be safe. And then the critter that the Kyoto brothers worked extra hard on for the shot to fly through the window with his mouth open, <laughs> flies through, and you can't fucking notice. And then there are puppets standing on top of the back of the couch, right? But. Oh. The critters have broken in, and one of them harpoons mom in the neck, and they did that by building the wound with latex, sticking the harpoon on it, putting monofilament on it, yanking it out, and then playing it in reverse. Oh, okay. Every natural fucking <laughs> stage theater trick of this movie. And it's, what I want to know, and I'll do some research on this, I don't know how you hide monofilament so well in footage back in the day when you couldn't remove it in post.
1: I have no idea. Sometimes I know sometimes back in the day it was rotoscoped out, but.
0: Well, I mean, you would have to. I don't think they could rotoscope shit yet. Could they?
1: Yeah. In the late 80s. Oh, okay. Frame by fucking frame. But you're right. Because most of the time.
0: I think it's light. I,
1: that's what I was going to say. Most of the time, it's just incredibly good lighting and, and angles.
0: There's a couple of shots you can see in the documentary where it's like the BTS camera running while they film the shot that you know is the shot that made it in the movie. And like you don't see the line for a minute, and then the light hits it just right, and you see it. Yeah. So I almost wonder if it's just like the lighting's dim and the camera's at the right angle to not catch a reflection. Has to be. I don't know. But anyways, this shit got yanked off with the fishing line.
1: <laughs> I want a fucking remote control critter now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have enough BB-8 toys at home that we can do
1: this. <laughs> I literally saw the light bulb. <laughs>
0: I was pitching a Critter short film idea to Josh earlier, and I was just going to roll the fucking things, (laughs) but my kids have enough BB-8s that I literally could just wrap fur around one of them, and we could just control BB-8, and he'd do it without the head on it. The head's a magnet. Yeah, that just sits there. So just don't put the head on. Yeah. Josh's face watching my face, though. You guys missed out on some shit. If we get enough Patreon, we're going to do this shit live on YouTube, and you can make fun of our drunk asses as we go live. Anyways...
1: Scene 42, take seven.
0: (laughs) I'm trying to find a spot in the notes. I don't know. There's the fucking flu. They came in. They harpooned mom. Somewhere in there, Brad apologized to April, and they hugged. I think I skipped that. I should really point out that they don't hate each other, and he did not want to unibomber her in the fucking (laughs) barn. They did make up. Um, Jesse's been going rogue on his notes. He's trying to catch up here. Basically, they retreat upstairs, right? So the director gets use of his continuous house that he wanted yes and they make it most of the way upstairs and then dad says something about the shotgun because he's having to carry mom because she just got fucking harpooned and brad's like i got this shit and he runs downstairs grabs the shotgun and then one of the things i don't remember if it's about to jump at him or shoot a harpoon or whatever but he aims the shotgun to be the fucking hero and then steps on a fire poker (laughs) Falls over, actually shoots the shotgun, hits the ceiling fan. It falls right as a Kright charges them, and it lands on its head, killing him. The most PG-13 fucking way imaginable to kill something. Yes. But it fit the film. And dead Kright number two. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but after heroically taking out this Kright, Brad charges up the stairs to catch up to his family, and he's chased by a couple of the Krites. and we get to see the walking one. Oh, okay. Then i was talking about the crane shot. It's the one that runs across the hallway at him. And he picks up a lantern that's randomly lit on the hallway mantle. And he chucks it at it and catches it on fire. And it's like, oh, fuck. And it fireballs. <laughs> Sonic rolls into the bathroom, <laughs> into the toilet, closing the lid. Looks great. Puts itself out, though. He's good. And that's the shot where they randomly cut holes in the stairwell. So that the Kyoto brothers can make crites on the stairs. Okay. <laughs> They're just like, fuck it. We can do whatever we want. During all this, we can see the bounty hunters driving around as Charlie's constantly chasing them and yelling for them to look at him because he wants their attention. And we cut the harve at the church as everybody's trying to explain to him exactly what the fuck happened, which doesn't make any sense. And then he gets a call from Lynn Shea letting him know that the Reverend, Charlie, and some stranger just shot up the bowl of the Rama. That's the way she fucking says it. She's country's fuck. Well, and she has to keep repeating it because he doesn't get it because he's talking to the Reverend right now. Oh, yeah. And how the fuck is Charlie shooting up anything
1: besides <laughs>
0: fucking black tar heroin, right? And uh, damn. <laughs> he's actually, he's not, he doesn't come off like that. I'm sorry. But it, the, the joke fed itself to me, okay? And she ends it all with like a crying and I still can't reach Jeff. Because earlier we, we see in the car with Ugg and Lee, she's radioing in. Like, I'm so sorry I, I wouldn't go on that date with you. Like, she's upset because he's always hitting on her. Yeah. and she I missed that attention
1: her. already. Right,
0: right. <laughs> but uh, she ends the call with, on top of the bowl of Rama, we have multiple reports of shots fired at the brown farm. Dun, dun, dun. So Harv says, I'm going to check out the bowl of Rama and then go check on the, on the Browns keep trying to reach chef right and we cut away from that but he's he's trying to do his job here back at the famer <laughs> it's a farm i'm just making fun of my notes back at the farm the fam has barricaded whatever fucking basic ass room with no furniture that they're hiding in other than what's on the door and mom's passed out they get the heart you know like when they pull the harpoons out people seem to wake up a little quicker right yeah um dad can't walk And he tries to get up, kind of falls over. He says, I need to get to a phone and call Harv. And Brad's like, dude, you can't fucking walk. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to do this. And the dad's like, under no circumstance. If I entertain the idea, (laughs) how would you do it? (laughs) And he's like, I'd fucking climb, do this, jump, beat ass my bike, whole ass will never catch me. And he's like, all right, go. Well, see, I,
1: I love that because like when he gets fucked up in the basement, he's yelling at them the whole time. Don't come down here. Don't come down here. He's trying to be dad. And it gets to this point that it doesn't matter how much he's trying to protect his son and the rest of his family. He's fucked. He better right. listen to his son's idea.
0: But he still tries to stop his son from doing it because he's going to limp his ass to fucking hard. And then he's like, hold on, let's take it back a step. (laughs) But he agrees and, uh, he tries to give <laughs> Brad the shotgun and he's like nah it'll slow me down you probably need it dad's like yeah you're right son He's so he's fucking sweating hand that shotgun off he was gonna die if he did it
1: oh kid was scared he was gonna shoot another ceiling fan at him. <laughs>
0: but I didn't even think of that I was thinking about dad not actually wanting to give it up but uh, Brad beats ass to his bike and he sees it's blocked by what we're gonna call a medium crite cause the Kyoto brothers call them medium crites but oh, okay. I just don't know if that was part of the growing from feeding, or if they just made two different size crites, okay. or like I said earlier, with the medium crites, just a hero crite. Okay, it has to look more detailed, right? Some of them have postules, some don't. They did make them different, yeah, a little bit. He said they didn't make eight unique crites, so <laughs> <laughs> there was no money for that, but he can see the crite, you know, not only is the does he see the crate guarding his bike? But the crate sees him and just knocks the bike over like, come at me, bitch. And he <laughs> takes something. off Yeah, and he r- hides in the barn, I guess, by the chicken coop because yeah. he runs by it. And then he hears what sounds like chickens getting fucked or eaten by foxes. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think they're probably similar sounds, but it's happening. And he peeks through a peak hole. And-, and Josh mentioned this earlier, but he sees a shadow of a crate. As it's eating some chickens and then it grows and grows and grows. And the Kyoto brothers, like I said, they had to do that last minute. They used parts of krites and something they could inflate to get bigger and just move the head and the arms with whatever was getting inflated. Looney Tunes. It looked good though. Yes. Stupid idea. Looked good. It made me think though about us making fun of Alien and how that shit was like three days long and he went from like chest burster to end to death. Or it's yeah. fucking stupid. More <laughs> stupid than this. <laughs> Because I could believe a crite could grow from eating a chili pot or something. You know what I mean? (laughs) Anyways. I think I made a joke earlier about ADR. Yes. When you see it growing, you hear Scott Grimes say, oh no, I think it's getting bigger. And you can tell he's like sitting at a table at his house. Fucking studying for a math test, right? And they just stuck a mic in his face.
1: You hear a box fan running in the background and shit.
0: Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But as Brad realizes he's fucked, we cut to the rest of the family arming up in the room and mom starts to snap to it. And we see dad reload the shoddy and he counts his ammo, which is getting next to nine. And April's got like this fucking closet rod. And she's like Donatello (laughs) from the Ninja Turtles. (laughs) And the writers and producers and shit, when they were like finalizing everything for the movie, like, fuck, they're supposed to have improvised weapons. That's what it says in the script. What the fuck are they supposed to do? (laughs) So they actually went into a bedroom and they're like, what could we use? Okay. Nice. I thought it was kind of neat, right? So then they ended up deciding on, well, they call it a curtain rod, but it's the closet hanging rod.
1: Yeah. It's the same kind I got up in my house. was built in the 80s. It's the same same kind of fucking wooden rods I got.
0: Exactly. So me and Josh might be safe from the crites. He also has a lot of firearms and ammunition, so I think we'd be extra safe from the crites.
1: Or at least we'll shoot all around them and scare them. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it depends if we record it or not, because there might be too much booze involved. (laughs) Then we'll be shooting ceiling fans. (laughs) But one of my favorite sayings I ever get to say on this podcast, cue the 80s montage. Yay! And the third act. I combined them, finally, yes. But the 80s music kicks in that is not power of the night, (laughs) and we can see the Krites ripping up the fucking house, eating all the family fish out of the tank, and eating an E.T. doll. Dude, I love that fucking (laughs) shot. (laughs) They really wanted him to talk, because he talks to the E.T. He's like, oh, who are you? Where are you from? And it's subtitles. They wanted it to be E.T., but they didn't know if they could get the rights. So and what? they didn't want to get sued. So they shot it twice. Oh. Once with the E.T. doll and once with a random, I don't know what the fuck it looks like. D. D. And they got permission to use E.T. Okay. So. Oh, that's great. And uh, it's uh, another very memorable scene. Our grandmother, Granny, that we talk about randomly on the podcast yes. but she actually had this exact et doll in her house <laughs> do you remember
1: it i don't remember i just remember the little ones that i'd, I'd hide in the plants oh uh, <laughs> yeah
0: he used to hide the little plastic et's and Hot Wheels cars from me so i couldn't play with them when i came over exactly and i had to find them so i thought it was a fun game i thought we wanted to be friends but <laughs> she had a stuffed et doll and it was the same one or at least like very similar yeah and i couldn't look at it and not think of a cry eating it anyways <laughs> they got permission nobody got sued it was okay. But after our exciting montage, we cut to Brad, beaten ass, trying to go find help, police, whatever, and he sees Jeff's patrol car. So he, you know, stands in front of it. Luckily they figured out how the brakes work because they can now drive forwards.
1: Only only took half, half the fucking night.
0: It only took yeah. half night, but they can drive the proper direction. And they stop in time and Brad jumps in the backseat, starts saying, you know, these critters, they're at my house, blah, blah, blah. And I think it's the first time you hear the word critters, because they're crites the rest of the time. Yes. And Trying to give instructions. And then he's like, What's going on, Jeff? And he leans up and he's like, Charlie, what the fuck are you doing here? And he's like, Oh my God, it's Johnny Steele. <laughs> right. And uh, they're like, We come for the crates, <laughs> something. And he's like, They're at my house. And Charlie's like, Okay. I said Charlie, but it's Lee. Yeah. And he he fucking goes to take the car to park and he looks back at him, Where do we go? And he's like, Where are you? Who are you guys? Where are you from? <laughs> so he's starting to realize it, right? So Brad's got help. He's got Ug and Lee because they have to be fucking badass, Boba Fett, Slaying motherfuckers, right? Sure. Mm, why not?
1: <laughs> they're good at fucking taking out churches and TVs.
0: <laughs> and, and I don't even remember exactly what he says. I think he's like, "I'm because they just want to know the Krites are. They don't give a fuck about him. Yeah. He's like, I'll make a deal with you. Go save my family. I'll show you where they're at. Yep. Which is kind of the same thing, but pretty much. Anyways.
1: It lets them feel like they won.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they're pretty stupid. <laughs> And I saw something, I don't remember it was the documentary or the commentary, and they are talking about how Ugg was set up to be, like, his father-like figure to Brad. And I'm like, I didn't get that. <laughs> <laughs> they barely had any contact. His dad was already a pretty badass father-like figure. Yeah. And, uh... The closest you get me is the smile he gives him when he hands him the communicator. Yeah. Which I think was one of the reshot scenes for Rob Shea. So it doesn't fucking matter.
1: Yeah, d- yeah, it's totally irrelevant. That's just dumb.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> we also have people like going back on, you know, really old memories of something they made that they thought was gonna be like tiny. Yeah. And it was a cult classic, and then some of them got like giant careers. So who knows? But back at the house, the Kreites make a push for the room to get uh mom, dad, and April. And the big one gets his arm through. It's, it's kind of neat because they barricaded a door of the dresser and you hear a smack. And then this giant arm comes out of the dresser drawer slot. Yes. Because it puts through the door, through the dresser and it grabs April. And then dad burns it with hairspray and a lighter because that was the other thing. They're like, oh, we, got yeah. cl- we got closet post and we got hairspray in this room. We can make <laughs> weapons with this. And uh, mom blasts through the door with a shotgun, and she actually hits and liquefies dead crate number three. All right. Right? Because we got porch crate. My daughter's like, why am I writing down these random words? Because I made her write down porch, fan, hallway. Right? <laughs> it was a good little spelling exercise. Yes. I employed child labor for this episode. <laughs> Not really. I was cleaning my daughter's room, and we were watching Critters as a family. It was actually a really fun time. But, that's so wholesome. <laughs> but mom realizes that, yes, she hit one, but she's also had a shotgun rounds. So then she starts using it as a golf club to try to bat them away. And then the front door fucking explodes because the bounty hunters are here and they're really good at <laughs> blowing up walls and furniture and shit.
1: They couldn't figure out how to operate the door.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but they then blast at any area where a moves without hitting a Kright. And Brad goes in to get his family. Dad wants to know who the hell he brought. He's like, I brought Charlie and Johnny Steele. And they're like, Johnny who? And uh, I guess he still thinks it's Charlie at this point, right? (laughs) I guess. The family runs out and heads to Harv's car as he pulls up. And Brad's like, oh shit, I forgot Chewie because he hears a meow or something. He's got to run in and get him. That's why we had all the Chewie lovey scenes earlier. and
1: cat Hart looks pissed off through the whole filming of this movie. I
0: know, I know. And uh, there's some more fucking bounty hunter guns going off in the background, and Hart's funny because he's like, what the fuck was that, a nuclear explosion? He doesn't F-bomb once again, but yeah. he, he thinks it's a nuclear explosion. We cut to the bathroom, and Brad, Ugg, and Lee find the crate that's hiding in the shitter. Oh, yeah. And Ugg opens it with his gun, and he fucking blasts it. The way they shot the scene is really cool. The props guy made uh, an extra bounty hunter gun that actually took a shotgun shell oh and then he made it where it would only take a shotgun shell that was shorter than a real shotgun shell okay and then made a custom shotgun shell it's pretty smart that prevents accidents from like i I hate to say it like the crow you know what i mean like i thought it was pretty clever that he made it where they could actually he made sure he mentioned there's no fucking way you could put a shotgun shell in here unless it was mine yeah and he had it all written out and terrence Mann was so pumped to do it and he's like nah brah you can't do this and he's like no 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 I wanna do this it's gonna be awesome and he's like <laughs> you are not fucking going to do this under any circumstance your stunt dude's gonna do it and the stunt dude does it and it's an actual toilet and he fires the fucking like 8 gauge shotgun round or whatever into it and they had to pull the porcelain out of his face oh damn and Terrence friend's like thank god I didn't fucking do it <laughs> <laughs> But it looks really cool because he lifts up the fucking toilet lid and he sees the crate and the crate. It's just his feet and his ass. Like, he's stuck in the hole like somebody tried to flush it. And he's kicking and, and fucking hugs like, mm, free bounty. Bam! Right? And you see water and shit fly over Terrence, man, because they threw some shit in his face.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's great.
0: That's what? Four crites? Yes. Yeah, because we just toilet. recently counted. Yeah, yeah. I made a right toilet next. She started laughing. She thought it was funny. Anyways... <laughs> Another Kryte dives out of the shower at Og after he shoots up the shitter and runs off towards Harv, who Harv then shoots his revolver at it. And he's like, oh, they need a fucking exterminator <laughs> he doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> and then he's approached by Not Charlie, who picks Harv up off the ground. And I meant to turn on subtitles for this, but I think he says something like, I hope you're not here to hinder our operation. Okay, It's to the extent of that. It, it feels like there's a word missing, though. <laughs> But then he chunks Harv out the window like 10 feet away. Yeah. And he lands outside and they're like, are you okay, Harv? He's like, I swallowed my and tobacco. <laughs> they also think it's Charlie and he's kicking ass. Because someone in there is like, Charlie, are you fucking drunk? <laughs> 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 but Brad finds Chewie in whatever room they're barricaded in. As his sister, April starts to yell for him to get the fuck outside so they can leave. And then the big crate charges them in the house. And this is the scene I was talking about where they just show feet and arm swipes and eyes. And it was actually edited very well. To yeah. not show you how bad the large crate was. <laughs> it almost gets Brad just having to hide under beds while it's swatting at him and run around and this and that. But Ugg shoots at it and fucking misses, because that's what these bounty hunters fucking do, and scares it off. And it's really funny, because they got to shoot that scene, and they weren't sure how they were going to do it. And they're like, it needs to get away. And one of the Kyoto brothers, I think it was Steven. Okay. One of them was like, give me the pants, I'll fucking do it. And he put the critter pants on, and he just ran and fucking dove out the window. <laughs> Which was actually a second-story window, but it had the roof where Brad was running around, so it was just like, don't roll off the roof. Okay. He's like, I would do it now. Well, <laughs> 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 that's actually one of the Kyoto brothers' fucking feet kicking in the crepe pants as he dove out an actual fake window onto an actual roof. Nice. Uh, but he got away. <laughs> <laughs> we then hear Harv's gun go off, and Brad runs out to see what the fuck's going on, because he heard a bunch of screaming. And Harv's on the ground and says, it was so fucking huge, I couldn't stop it, it took your sister, right? <laughs> dad wants to know what Charlie's doing here, and then he looks at him and he fucking just moves his ears. And dad's like, oh, it's not Charlie. <laughs> and it's actually done really cool, and they talked about that on one of the commentaries. It's like, I just did it. But mom and dad get in a Harv's car, with Harv driving, but they're in the backseat, right? And the bounty hunter's get in their car, and they go to crank their car and it won't start. And they're in focus. <laughs> and Harv's out of focus because their car's like perfectly alive. <laughs> yes. And when it won't crank, they start to turn their head to Harv, and then Harv becomes in focus, and it's so good. And they get out, and you think he's going to, like, grab Harv and throw him on the ground, but, like, Ugg gets in on the passenger side, Lee gets in on the driver's (laughs) side, and they squish Harv in the middle, and they don't all fit, and it's fucking funny. And they crank the car, and the Browns are in the back seat. And somewhere in there, like, Dee Wallace has the same screen as Brad runs off to go save his sister as when he ran off the last time, right? She's always like, oh, my baby! But we see the large crite dragon, April, as the two little crite surfer. So there's three left. We've killed five, right? Yeah, yeah. We got yeah. eight. Yeah. Bam. And um, Brad's on his bike. I don't. I guess he went and fuck. I guess the crite didn't eat the fucking bike. He just threw it over like a bully. But he's bolting after him. Right. <laughs> his bike rams into Charlie's bike. Like they hit each other in the field. Charlie's just trying to make it to the Browns. Brad's trying to save his sister. Right. Yes. And. Brad tries to quickly explain to Trolley what's going on. He did not quite get it. Like, there's even a uh, um, an exchange of words where he's like, "Yeah, they're gonna kill April." And it's like, "Oh, they're just gonna kill April." Wait, what? Right? <laughs> <laughs> he's probably fucking drunkard and shit at this point on the whiskey. But they make it to the ship, and Trolley tries to stop Brad from crawling up the ramp into the ship. Um, but it doesn't work, and we can see the the Christ are basically doing like a pre flight check, <laughs> like checkup, right? Like they're like, going through their statuses <laughs> they and stuff. Are. And Brad pulls the giant needle out of his sister's neck. I'm assuming Big Boy shot that one. Yeah. yeah. It should have cut her head off, but it's just a bigger wound. And she instantly wakes up. Now the poison's out of her system somehow because it got vacuumed out with the needle. And Chungus knows something's up and starts peeking around like the big fucking crate, right? (laughs)
1: Chungus.
0: (laughs) It's what I actually call my son, by the way. (laughs) He thinks it's awesome. He's not fat. He's just like really tall for his age. I call him Chungus. But, um, April makes it out of the door to Charlie as Brad's trying to light the fucking pipe bomb he has that he keeps calling his firecracker. Yes. And the startled Chungus charges at him and swats at him. He has to make a run for it and dives out and goes, oh, shit, my firecracker, (laughs) as he drops it. And the door's still shut and slowly, really, really slowly, as the ship starts to take off. Charlie hears Brad say he dropped his firecracker in there and he has an idea. He takes his fucking whiskey bottle out of his back pocket and his hanky that we've been seeing him wipe his forehead with the whole movie that I probably didn't mention. (laughs) Tuck that bitch in there and shake it to make a good old Molotov cocktail. He asks Brad for his fire. because We don't see lighter in this movie. And he fucking lights that bitch. And he's got some heat on that pitcher arm as he chunks (laughs) the fucking whiskey bottle across the field. And it lands in the ship as the door shuts. Yup. The whiskey splatters across it, hits the dynamite, lights the fuse. The Krites are talking shit inside. And actually, I I, I almost skipped the best part. The Krites give the middle finger to the Browns. Oh, yeah. Because they take off, and it looks like they're hauling ass. They stop and hover up outside the house, and just fucking laser blast the fucking house. Blew it up and laugh. And then they're like, oh, shit, because they see the fucking dynamite or whatever. And it blows up in the ship, blowing up the ship, killing them, and then blowing up the barn. Yup, they fucking filled that house with like primacord and shit.
1: Yeah, they overdid
0: it, <laughs> and they had like the entire county worth of fire team on site. <laughs> and apparently, the dude that played Charlie would like just sleep anytime he, <laughs> he didn't have to be on set, but he's like, okay. You don't fucking blow anything up without me, right? Because <laughs> he's one of the producers. <laughs> so, I get him up and they get him out there, and they fucking blew the house up, and the shockwave knocked people over and shit because was so big and there were calls coming in all night because the fucking interstate could see it. <laughs> <laughs> yes! But they that, Hollywood fuck. land! But they blew the fuck out of this house, the set or whatever. <laughs> but it's so good, though, because oh. the Critter's like, they're such assholes. Like They're like, yeah, fuck you, here's your house. Boom! Yeah, right.
1: It's like they piss on people as they walk away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the family looks really sad. Mom's crying because their house is gone. <laughs> and Ugg walks up and he hands, uh, honestly, it looks like a little seatbelt clicker from like the old 80s and 90s cars. And yeah. it was their, their belt. Yeah. But it's the communicator thing. He hands it to um, Brad and he starts walking up towards the ship. Charlie starts chasing after him, wanting to know if they have another one of those fancy gizmos. they just gave Brad and asked him if they need a mechanic. <laughs> the end. That is the original end of the movie. Oh, what might have been. Rob Shea didn't like how sad the family was because they didn't have a house anymore. Fuck the fact that they all lived and they have each other, right? I know, right? That's not good enough for you. What the fuck? So eight months later, he made them go back and shoot an additional scene, which is now daylight. Yeah, doesn't make any sense. And we can see the family prepping to get in Harv's car, which just arrived.
1: Doesn't make any sense.
0: (laughs) And Brad picks up Chewy, and then the communicator starts to beep. He grabs it, pushes the button. And then we see the coolest house rebuild scene I've ever seen in a movie in my life.
1: Uh, this in Poltergeist.
0: I like this one way better. Of course, though.
1: Poltergeist is the house imploding. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It it, it feels <laughs> similar towards the end,
0: <laughs> but the whole house rebuilds itself, and the family now has each other and their house. Oh, and Chewie's in the mailbox now because he got sucked <laughs> in when it was uh, when it was rebuilding itself. It was really well done. Like I said, they blew the house into the fucking ground earlier and had to shoot the scene eight months later. They did not build a new house for it. They used a four-foot-tall model that got constructed by one of the special effects companies and forced perspective in front of a real picket fence. And it was on a table, so it looked like the family was standing in front of the house. But it was actually ah. forced perspective, Lord of the Rings style, pre-Lord of the Rings.
1: I was I this is a Peter Jackson special. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, I'm not sure which company did it. I don't know if it's the like Fantasy two FX or the company that did the prop guns and shit, but somebody did this. I don't think it was Kyoto Brothers because they're the Creature Makers is what they credit credited as. <laughs> but they did the Christine thing with the hooks and pulled the house in. Okay. But they layered latex under every board of the house on the underside so that when it caved in, it would fold and roll unnaturally. Uh-huh. Cause if you think about the way the roof goes together and it puts the fucking window back. So they played it in reverse and it looks fucking crazy. Cause everything perfectly rolls back together. Yeah. It's because the latex under the wood, it's really fucking neat. And so it was, that way
1: they wouldn't have like a bunch of little pieces, just picking up off the ground yeah. and shit going back. Okay. Okay. I get it.
0: And I think that's why it's one of the coolest looking versions of this I've ever seen. And this shit would be CGI now. And they'd use a fucking script pre-made to blow up the house and play it in reverse. This is so much cooler. <laughs> and, uh, I thought it was goofy at the time. Like I said earlier, it definitely fits the tone of this movie, though. Bob Shay didn't want the depressing ending. He wanted it changed. And like I said, the screening, dude, I, I mentioned that earlier, right? Yes. Like, oh, it'd be cool if he did this. And um, yeah, Bob Shay wanted it. It happened. <laughs> Anyways, we see the bounty hunters fly off from their ship. We get the real the end. Oh, wait. No, we get a running shaky handheld shot of the camera running evil dead through the wood style up to the chicken coop. <laughs> Where there's three crite eggs, and they start to shake, and we hear the crites laugh. Credits.
1: So it was a crite fucking the chickens.
0: Mm, Yeah, (laughs) I didn't even think about that. That's the real end of the movie. Um, I don't know how much I went into the MPAA outtakes, but Bob Shea was like, I'll cut all funding if the shit's not PG-13. He wanted to be PG-13, probably because Gremlins was. And PG-13 makes more money than It's always been that way. Yeah. Except Billy Zane had lots of guts getting ripped out wouldn't allow it. I had to cut that, even though they shot it for like 10 hours or something. Uh, No teeth on flesh, we know as a rule now. And originally, a couple of the family members died. The writer said, I know at least the dad. He couldn't remember who all he killed originally. Oh, nice. Because it's one of the few movies where, like, there was only two people that died. And they were side characters. Yeah. Right? It was the the The, cop, Jeff, that we had a couple jokes about, and the boyfriend. Yeah. It was Billy Zane ended up being fucking super famous, but he was not yet. So who cares? 10 hours of guts getting ripped out and never shows on screen. But that is Critters. That is honestly my favorite small creature movie because there's (laughs) there's a lot of them. You got Ghoulis, Munchies, Munchies. Puppet Master, technically. Yes. There's a lot of them. Uh, Gremlins. And I love Gremlins. For Christmas, but Critters is my year-round creature feature. <laughs> but I like it. They're funny. They're scary. They still look real to this day. Yeah. Because they're real, right? Like the gremlins, but the fact that he's like moose hair and stuff made them look super real. And I laughed. I was scared. I saw Brad as my hero. The bounty hunters were cool to me, even though now I realize they're fucking incompetent. And I think they killed like, what, one? The toilet <laughs> one, right? Yeah. Like, I think Brad killed the rest yeah, of the mom.
1: Was, that one was completely fucking trapped. And it's the only one they killed.
0: <laughs> yeah, the mom and Brad killed all of them. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and Charlie, yeah, it was a joint effort, but you know, Charlie <laughs> had that heat and he fucking blew up the last three.
1: No, they are. So like, if I, if I saw a gremlin in real life, I would kill it with fire. If I saw a critter in real life and I had the high ground. I might try to domesticate it. You know what I mean? There, that is the difference between a gremlin and a critter to me. There's something adorable about them, Right. Even though they're little fucking assholes. Like uh, the gremlin's personalities, like in the barn stuff, it's like, this is fun to watch. Right. But a critter is like, I don't know, man. There's this weird total difference between the yeah, two of them. I agree. Um, now, I didn't grow up with this movie the way you did. I am 99% sure this goes back to the fucking Jesus tapes.
0: <laughs> or you watch it at my house one summer. <laughs>
1: That's possible as well. My brain always goes back to the giant critter ball. That's oh, critters too. Critters too. Yeah. yeah. That's what I always remember that and the red eyes through the window. But it's, it's goofy. It's funny. It's not full on slapsticky. No. And it's not full on campy either. It's no. really weird. It's like there's this weird special lane that it really does stay in that a lot of movies don't don't keep it there.
0: And I'm going to go ahead and say this is one of the most well and professionally made 80s campy horror movies there is. Oh yeah. And there's a reason why most of the people that did this went on to get Oscars later.
1: Oh yeah, it feels not the
0: actors but the behind the scene people, you know. Yeah.
1: No, it it feels from from the sets, the shots, the pacing like it it feels like more like a, a 90s family drama. Right type type feel and look but all this crazy shit happens
0: and i made the poltergeist Steven spielberg joke earlier to me this honestly feels like the better made more professional poltergeist like in a way <laughs> I, i'm being dead serious i mean oh. poltergeist is a fucking phenomenal movie and it broke barriers too I, this movie just didn't get to be taken seriously when it came out but the effects hold up yeah there's no fucking plot holes i can fucking make
1: uh, not uh, as long as you realize that it's goofy and right, the bounty right. hunters are
0: terrible. Right. And the campiness, like you said, never goes over the top. It no. was just fun. But this goes into why Jesse hates sequels. Um, <laughs> they forgot what made this movie fun when they started making them. And I'm going to be fucking honest. What of my top 10 favorite movies of all time? Maybe even top five. But I don't like sequels. I watched part of the second one. If I remember correctly, Lee turns into a Playboy Playmate. Like yeah. hits out and all, I think.
1: Well, I think it's PG-13 still, but it's close.
0: Okay. I'm pretty sure. I, I don't remember if it's the second one or it, it would have to be because I think Lee dies in the second one. But Freddy Krueger. turns into Freddy Krueger at some point, right? In the movie theater.
1: That sounds vaguely familiar.
0: Or at least starts to because they own Freddy.
1: Yeah. I'm pretty that sure it turns into like, Freddy. Sounds like something Bob Shay would do.
0: <laughs> and Lee is literally played by a playmate the whole time in the second movie. Yeah. Dies. Brad's in it. I don't think any of his parents are back. I could be wrong on that. I definitely know Harv's not in it. <laughs> and uh, the critter ball was kind of funny, but I thought it was stupid when I was a kid.
1: I don't know, man. I, I, I just love that shot of, of it rolling over the dude and the twitching skeleton and <laughs> all that's left, man. I love that.
0: And you can find um, a good bit of YouTube behind the scenes of the second one because they, they knew what they did on the first ones. So the Kyoto Brothers documented everything.
1: Oh, I just, okay. I just
0: don't think it was done as well. Like, it didn't have the jokes the same way. I don't know. It's, it's like they realized that the comedy and the levity made it, and they realized that the Crites made it, but for the wrong reasons, and then amplified the wrong direction.
1: Yeah, and that happens a lot. That's, that's exactly what happens with a lot of sequels, is there's lightning in a bottle once, and then it's we don't know what to lean into, with a very notable uh, exception being going from Evil Dead to Evil Dead 2. Right. Where they went, oh my god. This this is what this really is. This is about Ash. Right. And then leaned into that. But that that, that didn't happen in these sequels.
0: And Critters 2 shot entirely in daylight, if I remember correctly. All I remember is daylight, dad in a bunny suit, playmate, Freddy Krueger, ball of critters. However, before we prep for this podcast episode, I could have written a summary of Critters, like the original <laughs> one, like start to finish. I would have forgot some shit, but it would have been pretty detailed. Like, you know what I mean? Like one's memorable, the other one's not. And I've never seen Critters 3
1: get, or 4. I was going to say, I get, or Critters Attack.
0: And <laughs> I saw part of one of them on USA or Sci-Fi or something. And Charlie was just fucking too old to be running around in that leather suit doing his thing. And I couldn't get into it. And then, like Josh said, there's Critters Attack, or there's Critters the new batch or whatever, right?
1: Yeah, there's like two or three of the new ones. That...
0: And they only count one through as continuity for the original series. The rest of them are spinoffs, basically. Yes. But I, I've only watched the first one in its entirety, and I'm 40 now.
1: Eh, well, this was the first time I sat and watched the original in at least 20 years. Jeez. Yes.
0: I, I mean, out of my childhood 80s movies I remember that have crazy effects, this one holds up better than any other movie I remember.
1: No, oh, it does. Even
0: I mean like there's shit where the the compositing is shit in Poltergeist.
1: There's a couple of shots in Poltergeist that are that are hard. hard
0: and the to compositing watch. would have been shit in this movie. They just nah. chose not to do it. Right. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. But I mean, great movie. I fucking love it. If you haven't seen it, fucking track it down and watch it. I hope you enjoy it as much as I I did. And Not only did a lot of people move on to get Oscars, but it it helped a lot of other people's careers, too. Like the Kyoto Brothers were now on the map for making these very realistic fucking creatures for this creature feature. And they went on to make several other movies, which I'm sure Josh will tell you about. But that gave them the balls to fucking write and direct their own film, which was 1988's Killer Clowns from Outer Space.
1: The movie that should have got a sequel, but we'll get into that. (laughs) So, oh my God, this movie. Um, <laughs> I got to go, okay, with, I didn't see this movie. I heard the Dicky song first. Really? Yes. Either because of you or Seifer.
0: I really don't remember. It would have been me and Goodman. I played on the movie. He got hooked on it. He loved the song. And he spent like four hours learning that. And we had band practice in um, your dad's old garage. Okay. And he just kept... And he was just shredding. And you're like, what the fuck is that? Is that a new song? And I'm like, no, nah, man, it's Killer Clowns. So I had no clue you'd never seen the movie. No. Well, after all my digging, I couldn't
1: find out what exactly set this into motion other than the... Ch- I'm gonna, I wanna say Chiodo Kyoto because I'm drunk. But this film, of course, was uh, directed by Stephen Kyoto and it was written by Stephen and Charlie, sometimes called Charles, but in all the fucking talks, <laughs> they're fucking Steve and Charlie.
0: What uh, I found researching the Kyoto brothers, because it's Stephen, Charlie, and Ed. Yeah. Ed is the businessman. Yes. He's the one that gets him the jobs. Yes. He pays the bills and he's also the one that will shut his fucking brothers up when they're saying something that sounds like they're insulting a director. Yes, I that too.
1: Yes. the role for that is producer.
0: Um, <laughs> but he does puppet work and shit too, though. Yes. So it's impressive.
1: They all do. Um, and they're all credited as producers. But the production design was headed up by Charlie. So okay. he was the one overseeing a lot of the shit being built. VFX was over here, but all practical and all the sets and everything. Charlie was on top of all of that
0: shit. That's interesting because I always thought of Stephen as being like the main Kyoto brother for the puppets. But I guess because he was directing... Somebody else had to do her. Too damn busy, man. (laughs) So
1: in this cast, we've got Grant Kramer as Mike, who was in fucking Hard Bodies. I
0: don't even know what that is. Oh,
1: do you know It's the 80s movie where there's the redhead dude who does this thing, and he's like waving his hands around and shit. And everybody's like, what's wrong with him? He's like, oh, he's flipping you off in 40 different languages.
0: I remember that scene. I have no fucking clue what movie you're talking about. That's that.
1: all you have to remember is like that scene and boobies. That know? could have been the
0: Stone Age or something. <laughs> Probably you told me. I have no fucking clue, but I do remember that.
1: Um, and more recently in Willy's Wonderland. So uh, we've also got Suzanne Snyder as Debbie, who was fucking Deb in mm-hmm. Weird Science. Mm-hmm. She was in the Last Starfighter, Night of the Creeps, uh, Return of the Living Dead Two. She's great in this movie. She's <laughs> she is the lead in my opinion,
0: not Mike you had me a, until return of the living dead 2 and i couldn't tell you a fucking thing about that movie
1: <laughs> um john allen nelson is dave who was in feast 3
0: had seen it does no don't need to i'm going to watch them all sir i hear it's a continuing story
1: okay it's a continuing story as in like, if you need to get a turd out and like when it starts to come out, it feels really good. But then it's like, we need to wipe that. That's the feast sequels.
0: I am going to go back. I I might even edit this into the episode for you guys i'm going to go back to the monster episode we did where i covered feast and i said i've only seen the first one i'm going to watch the rest and i want to see how close that description <laughs> is to what he gave me three years ago just to see where we've came around to at season five okay
1: <laughs> oh lord we've got another john <laughs> this time uh, john vernon as mooney and at? he was in a crap load of TV and video games, over 200 credits to his name.
0: I know I've seen him, but I couldn't tell you a fucking thing I've seen him in. But he was in a lot of shit growing up.
1: Yes. Uh, well, not, I couldn't hit genre stuff. I try to hit genre stuff.
0: Yeah, you can't always do that.
1: Now, speaking of that, uh, what, what'd you call it? The 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 street cred <laughs> actor. We got a uh, Royal Dano as Farmer Gene. Oh, yeah. And his first role was all the way back in 1943. He was in some Westerns, obviously.
0: He's in House 2, right?
1: House 2, <laughs> Ghoulies 2, <laughs> okay. Space oh, yeah. Invaders. Okay. <laughs> yes. And for VFX, once again, Fantasy 2, headed up by Gene Warren Jr.
0: I would say uh, John Vernon and Royal Dano were probably their fucking Loomis characters. Yes. They're both really famous at the time. But uh, honestly, though, the farmer, yeah, he fucking sticks out like a sore thumb to me. All the time, yes. And he's the worst actor in the entire fucking movie. He is, but he did what? He did <laughs> but to do? But yeah,
1: like he's hitting his marks. Like he is that character. Like he's the least. They everybody was told to play the shit straight, and they did. Were they okay? Yes, I promise. So it's not a director's episode, but I do want to talk a little bit about the the trio of brothers' background mm-hmm. that led them to this is the movie they wanted to write and make, and uh, they of course in interviews have said, you know, while kids were growing up playing with army men they grew up playing with dinosaurs and army men and they would go to the playgrounds and construction sites because they're in new york (laughs) and it would always be like monster movie stories and they had really supportive parents who got them an eight millimeter a home movie camera and they immediately went down to the basement and started making home movies. Okay. They've got a movie that they made that it's like the kids who were going to do the shot for shot remake of, uh, Raiders of the Lost Art. Yeah. Where like they started this movie in their basement and like six years later they were doing the last (laughs) stop motion shots of it and shit like that. So
0: they're completely self-taught. Exactly. Okay. Now,
1: in the beginning. Now, one I'm trying to remember how it went because one of them went to film school. One of them went somewhere else. One of them went somewhere else. But it was all stuff that was like, hey, if y'all ever got back together to make movies, this would be the education you needed.
0: Like when I'm got a business degree, one of them went off to engineering and the other yeah. one was a mechanic or something. Exactly. Yeah,
1: but one of them did go to film school. I forget which one.
0: <laughs> Probably Steven if he's the director
1: probably i really should have wrote that part down
0: i'm just fascinated by all this because i wanted to know how they got the critters job and how they got here and i refused to google it
1: i I googled the shit out of it and it's just like yeah this is the movie made by these guys
0: is this the only movie steven ever directed
1: yes that's why you don't hear me going into anything else that's it other than
0: doing creature work okay for the three of them i don't know a a better time to jump in with this but I think I've mentioned on the podcast, there's a Killer Clowns from Outer Space asymmetrical horror dead by daylight game coming out soon.
1: Yes, I have that in here.
0: Okay. I think the Kyoto brothers are involved in it. Yes. We'll get into that. (laughs) And they got the Dickies to do it somehow. They redid the song.
1: It's like Wes Craven all over again, but we'll get to it. So these guys are all huge fans of King Kong, Forbidden Planet, The Blob, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and of course, Ray Harryhausen. They're huge stop motion fans. And that's why they've done so much stop motion work.
0: Because even Elf, their credit work, it doesn't say like puppet work. It says stop motion, yep. which I thought was really odd when I was looking at their, their body of work. Because that's the only one that said stop motion. Yeah, but that,
1: that was their thing. That's what, what they were into the most at first.
0: And I could see that being the way to lead you to puppetry. Yeah, that's so, exactly what happened. Yeah. So uh,
1: it was going to be killer clowns from outer space. And then the studio wanted it to just be killer clowns to the point of actually releasing posters and like an original poster that just had a hand crushing a body with blood coming out of it. Okay. And they're like, no, 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 no. You're marketing. This as a slasher movie. This is not a slasher movie.
0: So terrifier before terrifier. Exactly.
1: Okay. Like this is not that flick. This is killer clowns from outer space. (laughs) So, uh, most of the character names in the flick were based on real friends that they grew up with. We'll go into some stories that they actually pulled from real life that came into this movie. Um, It was shot over 36 nights. Okay. Even though it takes place over one. There is a crap ton of forced perspective shots in this movie. Really? Yes. Of course, every wide shot you see in this movie is a matte painting. They did a fuck ton of mats, and they did the not really double exposure, but where they actually blacked out part of the camera and shot like the live action and then went back and shot the mat separately. Okay. And that's why I like this when they first come up on the circus tent, why it looks so good there in the woods. That's a fucking mat. The amusement park wide shot is a fucking mat.
0: Are you talking about when the farmer goes to the tent?
1: Yes. How's it lit up in a mat at the same time? Because they, instead of doing your traditional in-frame mat painting, they actually took props and whatever they wanted to use for the mat shot and we're basically compositing them, okay. But doing it in the way you would a mat. so that way they could light the tent and shit. So These guys were like smart.
0: Forced perspective and flagged off parts of the shot so that they could stack them and it not be obvious. Because exactly, the flags? okay,
1: exactly. And God. it's so clean because they were smart enough to go ahead and do it not on blue screen, but actually black out part of the film and not expose it.
0: This is what's crazy to me. To my understanding, critters special effects and their puppetry and stuff is supposed to be like a really high bar that a lot of people in the industry see like they did a fucking phenomenal feat yeah it's their first job (laughs) and then you hear crazy shit like this for killer clowns and why didn't they do more i know i mean they have have a a decent body of work but they didn't go on to work for james cameron like no like fantasy two did right exactly and like you just said it's the only movie they ever directed and wrote and stuff. So I don't fucking I don't nuts, fucking man. know. This movie's campier than Critters, but oh, it's, yes. it's good. It's it good. Is. And the effects on both movies are fucking phenomenal. And I'm sure Josh can get to a budget, but I bet it was fucking shit on this movie just like Critters.
1: 1.8 to 2, depending on where you look.
0: Critters got three mil. Let's yep. put it that way. So I don't know. They're fucking gifted. And it, I don't <laughs> know. Like I would I want them to do something now. You know?
1: <laughs> so uh the wife kept asking me. There's no way those cotton candy cocoons aren't fiberglass. That is pink, fluffy fiberglass. It's apparently critter food. Um, it's pillow stuffing. (laughs) 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 They just painted pink.
0: (laughs) I didn't even mention on the critter episode, uh, the Kyoto brothers, since we're on them right now, uh, fucking absolutely pissed during the eighties montage with the, uh, down pillows getting ripped apart. Yeah. That was like same day as let's burn the hero puppet. Oh, damn. They didn't realize that down would get inside everything. I figured it would stick to everything, but they said they were like two weeks in and they would move the puppet and the motor would kick for the legs and would blow out down. They said we vacuumed them. We fucking everything. Like, don't ever use puppets near down. It's fucking crazy, right? That is
1: great. So uh, before we dive into this thing, let's let's tee this up. Killer clowns from outer space. (laughs) Aliens who look like clowns come from outer space and terrorize a small town.
0: That is actually a terrible poster <laughs> logline. I'm surprised that shit flew.
1: Now, the one on the posters that I love, because there's a couple of them, is In Space, No One Can Eat Ice Cream, which is a play on <laughs> fucking aliens. <Yes.
2: laughs> or, Alien. or aliens. Sorry. Yeah, there
0: you go. Oh my God, the poster lines are always better because the In Space, Nobody Can Hear You Scream is not the logline either. Exactly, but that's the one everybody
1: remembers from the fucking posters. Because it's amazing. So here we go. So we have an opening title sequence with the awesome Dickies theme. This theme was written based on the title of the movie alone. Yeah. They didn't read the script. didn't see shit. It was the movie is killer clowns from outer space. And they came back with this and it's so fucking perfect. (laughs) So I finally today found an interview where they flat out got asked because I couldn't find it anywhere of how did the Dickies get chosen for this? Okay, And it finally gets asked in this interview and they respond the music supervisor said I know the Dickies let me send it to them
0: <laughs> that's it but it's one of the most iconic fucking music themes like we can't say music theme cuz that kind of gets in your like John Williams and you yeah. know what I mean shit like that like fucking actual like scores but as far as like a power ballad uses a music theme This is coming from the motherfuckers that wrote "Howdy Doody" in the woodshed, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like I love the Dickies and my pop the cup. Yeah, (laughs) they're not prolific in their lyrics, and they're a lot of fun. And I don't know it it like embodies the movie. They got the circus music in there. I didn't even know they could play guitar this well. A- have you seen the video? Yeah. It's ridiculous, too. Yes. I don't know. Like, <laughs> Hopefully, you can answer this for me later, but there's a lot of parts, like when the clowns are going out to the fast food place and stuff like that, and it's not a normal score. It's like power chords, a bass, and a- and drums. Is that the Dickies score in part of the movie? No. That oh. is
1: John Masari. He did the rest- Really? He did the rest of the score with two synthesizers. I mean- And I know a part- what music piece you're talking about, because it's like the ding ding ding. Din, din.
0: Yes, that's that's a fucking Yamaha synthesizer probably not Yamaha, but it's a fucking synthesizer (laughs) if somebody interviews me two years down the road from now about this episode. I'm going to say the Dickies did it. I mean, (laughs) it sounds like I always thought they did. I know uh, me and Josh have a huge music background, so I'm sorry I went on the fucking tirade, but like. We have a we have a huge music background and we both like The Dickies and it's this, this is a really good song man.
1: Well, this shit was so well loved that by 2018 MGM put on a live concert with a fucking orchestra and The Dickies <laughs> conducted by John Masari and it hasn't been released on DVD yet. Uh, you can find the song on YouTube. Okay. But it reads like it may be more of the movie or okay. more of songs from other movies. I'm not sure but it hasn't been released. So um uh, We're still in the opening credits, guys. Um, (laughs) The sequence continues and we see the town of Crescent Cove. We see Big Top Burger, Mm. Sheriff Mooney, a young as fuck Christopher Titus as Bob McReed, the beer brand beer guy walking across the street. That is Christopher fucking Titus. I don't know who you're talking about. Chris Titus. I don't know. Oh God, this is what it's like. Every time you say this to me, this is what it feels like. So I s- get to experience it after five fucking seasons. Yeah, Google Christopher Titus. <laughs> <laughs> on your internet, we'll be on episode three by then. <laughs> this was his very first movie. We end up at top of the world, makeout spot. <laughs> and this is where we hold for a minute, where we get our first introduction to the Terenzi brothers as they roll up in their ice cream truck.
0: We'll give you the stick, you give it a lick, and it'll tickle you all. We brought our goodies here to you. A tasty tree for while you screw. I hadn't seen the movie in two years and I played it for my kids before we went to your Halloween party. <laughs> and I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> and fucking thank God nobody asked any questions. <laughs> You're just like waiting for it to pass by. This is when I pictured my wife killing me for letting them watch Killer Clowns in Halloween while she's out of town at a wedding. <laughs> <sighs>
1: So the Terenzi brothers have got these two chicks with them that they think would be very easy to nail, but it's not going as planned.
0: <laughs> we want you to take us home right now. Yeah. Take
1: it easy. Keep your shirt on.
0: Don't worry. We intend to.
1: Now, the Terenzi brothers were based on an actual duo that the Kyoto brothers grew up with. Okay. They were always trying to scheme on chicks right up to and including buying an ice cream truck. Nice. (laughs) I can remember being younger and thinking that the Terenzi brothers were two of the Kyoto brothers. Yeah.
0: I actually had to go back and check that at, (laughs) at some point. Cause I was like, are these the Kyoto brothers?
1: So we're then introduced to Mike and Debbie or Debbie BB based on my notes. That's a fucking typographical error. Mike has both champagne and an inflatable raft in his SUV. This is odd. And the wife was like, Who keeps it? I'm like, it's 88. They didn't have air mattresses.
0: That's actually pretty smart to use for an air mattress back then.
1: Yes. But Mike Tobacco is an actual guy that the Kyoto brothers grew up with. (laughs) He was once rescued by the Coast Guard. (laughs) Okay. In an inflatable raft. All right. His father stabbed a bunch of holes in the raft and said, don't ever do that again. He patched it up with duct tape and kept it in the back of his car. And he did actually keep champagne. In his glove box. Okay. And if you really pay attention, in Killer Clowns, the raft is actually patched all over the place with duct tape.
0: Okay. This is legit. Like, mind blown. This is one of those scenes, though, where I'm like, I feel like these people can act, and they're not acting properly right now. No, man.
1: That's great. Well, she's great.
0: His hands get on my nerves throughout the movie. So,
1: their attempt to bang is interrupted by a fire in the sky that crashes nearby.
0: I'm also glad I didn't have to explain what on top of the world and time to bang meant to my kids also. (laughs) It's funny what you don't remember before you show a child a movie. Luckily, Critters kept it a little more low-key. Yes.
1: (laughs) So, uh, Debbie begs to go find it, and Mike's like, no. I mean, he's trying to get some. Right. But she does manage to drag him along.
0: This is very... Blob influenced, I feel like. Yes,
1: they admit that the blob is what they pulled from the most. (laughs) I just think Night of the Creeps. (laughs) So meanwhile, we see Farmer Gene Green go to investigate the crash as well with his dog Pooh Bear. I love every scene with him and Pooh Bear. Now, he's like, looking in this fucking magazine and she's like, holy shit, Pooh Bear, it's Haley's Comet. Oh, <laughs> yeah. everybody's going to be here. And he goes running inside to get a lantern and a shovel. And if you look inside, when he goes inside, you can literally see a prop guy go, here, shovel is here. Here's oh, really? Just
0: standing there in the fucking doorway, man. It's great. My, my blinders, for the love of this film, probably hid that from me. <laughs>
1: So uh Farmer Gene and Pooh Bear arrive at the crash site to find a giant circus tent, Mm -hmm. but no way inside said circus tent. And uh as they're walking by trying to find the entrance or the ticket booth, we see the silhouette of something clown shaped. (laughs) Um by the way, that's gonna be the first of many of Josh's
0: air quotes in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Is that like my (laughs) firecracker?
1: Exactly. Oh so the shadow ends up zapping the side of the tent with a portal gun and then snares yeah. yeah snares poor Pooh bear in a net and uh farmer gene turns around and he's like where the fuck's my dog it's just it's just a scarf he's like oh Pooh bear and uh with his dog gone farmer gene tries to pull the tent down he's like i'll rip this apart with my bare hands and he grabs the tether and gets <laughs> the shit shocked out of him then killer the clown pops up this clown is named. We will get into a lot of shit about the clown names in this episode.
0: I knew the clowns had names. I didn't know what of them was named Killer. They do and they don't. They're spiky and shorty and shit like that, right? You know. What?
1: <laughs> N- yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. I feel like I'm in an episode of Psych right now.
1: <laughs> so uh, Killer the Clown zaps Farmer Gene, but it's off screen, so it's okay. The clown names. In the script, the clowns have no names. None Makes of that. sense, yeah. When it came time to actually film the fucking movie, they realized that they needed... They had certain clowns that did certain things, so they gave them pet names. Makes sense. The fucking internet, of its own accord, gave them their own names.
0: Uh, Okay.
1: To the point that even the pops that I have in my living room have the wrong names on them.
0: So, I assumed modern times internet gave them the names I know them by? Yep. But I was actually... It's really funny because we're trying to figure out where we're going to film slice-by-slice slice stuff, and I'm looking at Josh's awesome living room, and I'm going through the the pop collection, and actually, the internet names for some of the clowns, at least the ones I saw, were accurate. Yes. Okay.
1: Those are the internet names. Oh. Shorty was referred to as Tiny.
0: I could see that. Okay.
1: Fatso is used for a different clown on the internet than it was in the movie. We'll get to him later. There's
0: only one fat clown though in there.
1: Depends on how you look at the movie.
0: Spiky's got to be Spiky though, right?
1: Spiky. I couldn't find anything about the Kyoto brothers actually calling him Spiky only the internet. So I'll roll with it.
0: Spiky's my favorite. So he's always going to be Spiky,
1: but I just thought that's a, that's an interesting yeah. thing of something that grew legs on its own to the point that the toys are named what the Kyoto brothers are like. That's, that's tiny. That's not shorty. That's tiny. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, we then cut over to the police station where we see <laughs> Mooney bringing in two punks for drinking in the park. Uh, Mooney is an asshole, violent cop. And I think there's a bit of homophobic undertone in this yeah, scene yeah. because officer Dave is trying to take up for him and Mooney's like, Oh, what are you sweet on these boys? Yeah. Like, Oh, that's a little cringe. But, uh, Mooney gets his way and the boys are thrown in the clink to remain there for the rest of the evening. Don't worry. We'll come back to him.
0: What are you in for? Uh, <laughs> that was ad-libbed really yes that's awesome yep
1: punk number two came up with uh, he may have been punk number one i don't know but they're punk one and punk two in the credits but yeah that was ad lib. so let's go back to mike and debbie <laughs> they are now arriving at the circus tent
0: the comment with the slime monster that eats oh wrong movie
1: yeah yeah, yeah wrong movie <laughs> so they quickly find a way in and mike's dumbass thinks it's a european circus and, he, and it's great
0: like circuit a freak or some shit, right? Yes. Yeah.
1: Now, uh, you'll notice that uh this is our first look at like the zany, crazy pastel interior of, of the fucking what we're gonna learn is a fucking spaceship. Now the halls of the ship they actually built by just taking a multitude of props, segments, walls, and just reconfigured them over and over again for different scenes in the movie. Which we've seen that uh the descent comes to mind. Yeah. Now, what I thought was real interesting is the aesthetic that was chosen is Memphis Designs meets Dr. Seuss. They start saying this on the commentary, and I'm like, what the fuck is Memphis Designs? So I Google it, and Memphis Design was actually a collaboration of Italian designers that got together in the 80s to give us all those postmodern, bright, crazy, mismatched shapes and colors.
0: Has nothing to do with Memphis, Tennessee, huh?
1: No. Well, they they were listening to a song. I think it was a Bob Dylan song.
0: Not Elvis. Not Elvis (laughs) that had
1: Memphis in the name. And they, they just said Memphis, Egypt, Memphis, Tennessee, Memphis design. Okay. Like these guys are fucking high. Uh, if you look <laughs> at the, if you look at that movement in art <laughs> and fashion, they were high. No junk, no soul brother. Exactly. Thank you. Coltrane. Um, <laughs> never listened to any knowingly listened to any jazz in my life yet. I had the balls to say that
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyways, <laughs> they head deeper in, but, uh, <laughs> Debbie isn't digging it. Now, this is where I want to point out that they wrote Mike to be the bimbo and Debbie to be the smart one.
0: Makes sense how you say that. Because uh, Debbie and—I can't think of the cop's name right now. Dave. Dave, they're, they're the two best actors other than Mooney in the film. Yes. And the clowns, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They fucking—they really killed it.
1: They were killer. <laughs> <laughs> But they eventually make their way into the power core, and mm-hmm. it looks like it's straight out of Empire. You know, that's impossible. You know,
0: I am your father. Um my son and daughter, and my daughter hates Star Wars. I don't <laughs> think she actually hates Star Wars. I think she just likes to give me an aid and shit. But they're like, this looks like the room where Luke and Leia shoot the harpoon and fucking swing across right for Obi-Wan fight Star Vader in the first movie. Yes. It's one of those rooms. It's a hundred percent ripped off. There's no, <laughs> no way it's not.
1: So it was based on the power chamber from Forbidden Planet.
0: Uh-uh.
1: Yes. Nope. New Hope. Which means <laughs> which means that predates New Hope by like nope.
0: 20 years. <laughs> Somebody send me proof. I'm saying George did it first.
1: So uh Debbie exclaims that they're inside what they saw
0: crash. It must mm-hmm. be the ship. Which I thought would have been obvious by now. This movie's written really well and has weird little Nuances, we'll say like that (laughs) and then it's also directed well and then not at the same time does that make sense
1: okay check this out so if you keep in mind that you're watching a live action looney tunes movie that's what they wanted okay and it makes the whole thing make i don't want to say more sense but the over the top how obvious is this let me exclaim how i don't realize what it is okay and then exclaim how obvious it is that really was the angle that they at least said they were going for 13 years later during the <laughs> interview that I was watching.
0: <laughs> I don't know. To me, it feels like Stephen was really good at directing scenes, horror, and action, and terrible at directing actors for dialogue.
1: Oh, I, th- I think it's great, man. I think it's I th- just like Critters. I think it it, it goes in this narrow fucking yeah. lane. That's in so a different har- way. But yes, yeah, yeah. That's so hard to stay in, but somehow they managed to do it. Because
0: the, the dialogue is the only thing I don't like about this movie. And it's not actually the words, it's the way they're conveyed. I mean, dude's fucking hands karate chopping everywhere makes me want to die. But I fucking love it at the same time.
1: I get where you're coming from. But uh, Debbie is beyond ready to bounce. And they hear something approaching, and they hop in an elevator. And this leads them into a giant room Mm -mm. with about ten of these cotton candy pods.
0: You know, I don't know what we saw out there before, but uh, (laughs) this looks like a cotton candy factory to me. I've never thought about how he's the ditzy idiot, yes, and she's the Chad. But you're right, <laughs> totally. And I didn't get it either.
1: I was just like, "This is bad." And then they're like, "Look at it from this point of view." Like,
0: I mean, I've never liked this character. Like, I've, well, I've been waiting on him to get tripped and eaten the whole time. I'm always for her and Dave.
1: Well, there's another interview where they're ta- they're going on the rant about Killer Clowns versus Killer Clowns from Outer Space, mm-hmm. and they're like, "The '80s was full of all these movies that all Ripped they d-
0: Halloween." Yes. And, well, and, and all they
1: did was exploit women. Yeah, And we've never been into that. We're never going to be involved in anything like that. And we wanted to make it very clear in this movie that we weren't going to have the female be the, the dumb, ditzy... They, they didn't they didn't say bimbo, but they kept saying something nearly that derogative. Um, the dumb broad. That's what they kept okay. saying. It's like, we're not going to have... Very New
0: Yorker of the Exactly.
1: <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit, like I'm seeing this in a different yeah. light.
0: I mean, even the uh, shower scene. Is the least gratuitous shower scene I've ever seen a PG 13 movie. Yeah. And also the most fitting. Well, and they show nothing but feet and a face. And that's it. You get to see why they shoot popcorn at you. Yes. Like it was actually a very important scene. Yes. And not gratuitous at all on her. They didn't even do like the, the silhouette nip, nope. you know, or anything like that. The it was girl, very tasteful.
1: To me, the girl in the is is more sexy time than, than oh, the shower
0: scene. Sh- you could see everything on the girl in the nightie. I don't know how they got PG-13.
1: Well, and they it was a pickup shot, but we'll get to that. Um, so somebody anyways,
0: picked up somebody. A- <laughs>
1: so upon seeing these cotton candy pods, Mike rips off a handful to reveal bloody farmer Gene's face inside. Mm-hmm. Dear God, they're cocoons. Just about then, a clown walks into the room to hang a fresh pod, and the pair hides. So uh, Mike then sees the uh, fresh cocoon contains Joe Lobardo.
0: Yeah. Remember
1: that name. Okay. Like, it's, seriously.
0: It, it's also very important to mention here that this killer clown from outer space does these little joysticks on this popcorn machine. Yeah. That gives a love and care that I wish our movie theaters <laughs> would provide our popcorn so it wouldn't taste burnt and old.
1: Well, if this popcorn was burnt and old, it could end the entire species. But mm. we'll get to that. so the tender clown then spots them tender (laughs) what (laughs) no not not that tender not that tender (laughs) you've lost me and uh the pair bolts and the clown grabs this kick-ass popcorn gun oh yeah and gives chase and he ends up firing a smattering of popcorn at the duo just as they make their way out of the tent This gun worked. Everything you see on it works. It had a hidden air compressor that was self-contained to fire the popcorn. They spent $7,000 to make this gun for one shot in the movie.
0: (laughs) So this is one of those things I wish you guys could see us on video recording. I mean, you'd have to have 14 hours. I don't know if there's a YouTube limit, but (laughs) I went to go ask Josh how they fucking did it. And he's just got these... Fucking weight, bitch. Eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fucking awesome, but how, I, I don't know. It's the only shot in the movie I can't figure out. Like, how did they make the popcorn fly like they did?
1: They literally shot, shot it, it. Shot it. Yeah. So, doesn't f-
0: it take a turn around a corner? It though? does.
1: So, in the first shot, when it comes out of the gun, that's all legit. In okay. the next shot, it's thrown.
0: Okay. From out of frame. So, they were bowling balling the critters yes it fucking looks really good like i I was always like i can't figure out how they fucking did it and it's cool as fuck
1: it's awesome so uh now that they're outside on the ground covered in popcorn (laughs) let's remember that they're covered in popcorn
0: perfectly stitched in straight lines (laughs) that's what i had down their back
1: another clown pops up and makes a balloon animal dog to sniff out the intruders (laughs) yes they played hell shooting this scene because they'd get set up and they'd start running with the dog and it would pop (laughs) <laughs> and this happened a couple of times till I believe it was Charlie that said, wait, 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 wait. this is going to keep happening. It's the fucking pine needles. And they just dipped the legs in liquid latex, let it okay. cure up a little bit and then got the shot.
0: I just assumed it was latex. Anyways, the, the part that I thought you were going to say that amazed me, it's not a hundred percent made on camera, but it is partially made on camera. And this dude has the fattest sausage that <laughs> you've ever seen. And I'm like, this motherfucker had to twist the head and wrap the legs around and shit. He did it.
1: Okay. Well, we needed this setup to even try to believe the shadow puppets later on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All I know is fucking the fucking ship and like everything. Of the, I believe it.
1: <laughs> so the duo manages to make it to Mike's SUV and not get caught by the dog. And uh, they get there just in time to mow down the clowns and run over the poor puppy dog. But the clowns pop right back up. Like. Michael Myers style.
0: <laughs> it happens several times and it's straight up. Michael Myers sitting straight up. Those clowns had ab muscles of steel.
1: <laughs> so uh, Debbie says they got to go to the cops and Mike's like, and tell them what?
0: <laughs> right. The only sensible thing he fucking says in this the movie. whole movie.
1: And she's like, well, I've got a friend there and he'll believe me. But uh, we also see that the clowns are walking through the fog on their way to the town behind them.
0: That is the first time we (laughs) get that theme. I just thought it was the Dickies. It sounds like the Dickies. I know, right?
1: So they make it to Officer Dave, and they give him the short, short version. And he takes him inside the police station. And Debbie starts the story from the beginning, leading (laughs) up to it being a spaceship filled with killer clowns, just as Mooney walks
2: in. (laughs) Killer
0: clowns
2: from outer space. Holy shit.
0: Ezra, we got our name. The best part is the the way he fucking drives that Jeep Cherokee or whatever the fuck it is. And he's like swerving and hopping the curb and he takes out a mailbox. Yes. Hits a trash can and let's rear in Mooney's car while we're at it.
1: They almost lost their rental vehicles because of that shot. They were told they could not damage them in any way. And just that little bit of hitting the mailbox and rear end in the squad car, they almost lost the vehicles.
0: It was a little over the top, but this movie has killer clowns from outer space shooting popcorn guns at people and wrapping them And cut. I'm going to think back. Everything ever said negative. <laughs> <laughs> See, so you get it there. Now, that holy
1: shit was actually tacked on by John Vernon. Oh. And it makes the fucking scene because you're like, oh, he just said the name of the movie. I don't know. I have a holy shit he's so <laughs> condescending it is so good so then Mooney realizes that he knows Mike yeah and he's like I know you you little fart or
0: whatever he <laughs> He, Sorry, calls he calls him a it fart. He calls, I think it's a wet fart, but it's definitely <laughs> at least a fart.
1: He's like, you roll with the Terenzi brothers. And uh, he thinks this is all a bunch of bullshit. Just
0: to sell ice cream. <laughs> which gets more absurd as he thinks the pharmacist is trying to help him sell ice cream later. It happens in this movie.
1: Oh, basically does.
0: No, no. Man, he literally <laughs> says it. They got the whole fucking town on their ice cream scheme. He says something like that. He does.
1: Now, Dave seems more concerned that Debbie was at top of the world with Mike. Oh, yeah. And uh, Dave takes the two back to investigate. And Mooney says, sure, Dave, make a dummy out of yourself. But you won't make a dummy out of me.
0: (laughs) Foreshadowing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is. Meanwhile, we see that the clowns have started making it to town. And they're chilling at the drugstore and putting on a rapey puppet show that ends in the only audience member getting zapped. Now, there's a cut scene of where like he threw his popcorn over there, and that's how he ended up in the gazebo and shit, okay. but that's just dumb. But the puppet show's fucking hilarious. Yeah. And thanks to Spirit Halloween, I've got the puppets. Um,
0: And me sending you guys the pictures and said, get yes. these now. Yes.
1: <laughs> went back and got the fucking popcorn gun, too. Well, not the popcorn gun, but the zapper. I noticed went. But anyways, anyways, uh, so there's this puppet show and it's a girl puppet and a boy puppet. And originally they had the boy puppet with a boner for this scene. Oh. And they're like, that's a too much. much. Yeah. Because he's trying to get some kisses and she's like, no. And he's like, yes. And she's like, no. And then she pops back up with a fucking zapper. Yeah. And at this point, the one dude watching it is like, oh, okay, this is funny. And then the fucking clown head comes up and then the clown stands up and the whole yeah. fucking stage and everything fucking yeah. falls apart around him. And he zaps the shit out of the one audience member. Zapped equals cocooned yeah. for the rest of this summary.
0: It is so creepy how he stands up like and breaks the stand. But what really fascinates me about this scene, pay close attention to the puppet faces, their eyes and mouths change constantly. And I can't catch the cuts. That, their a, facial expressions change and I cannot catch the cuts. I'll go
1: back and watch. Cause Ginger kept saying, what puppet does this remind me of where it's face abruptly changes? Uh-huh. And I'm like idle hands. And she's like, Holy shit, that is it when they get the puppet high? Maybe, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Oh, no, I asked her, and she's like, that's it. <laughs> Let's go back to our trio that is on their way to the circus tent scene. Debbie and Dave begin to argue when Dave says that he's going to take her home first. And she says she doesn't have to listen to him because he's not her boyfriend anymore. <laughs> yeah. And Mike finally gets what the rest of the audience has known since the police station. <laughs> yep.
2: <laughs>
1: and uh, Dave calls her little Debbie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't even catch that. So many times I've seen I've never caught that.
1: He's, he's like, listen, little Debbie, <laughs> either you can go home or I can take you to the station and lock you up. Yeah. And, uh, we, there's a lot of jumping and a lot of meanwhiles in this and just bear with me. So we jump to a chick in a nightie opening her front door in hopes for pizza, but it's clowns and a stack of pizza boxes and the top box open and tiny pops out <laughs> and he zaps her. And, they played hell doing this rig. It took over twenty-two takes to get this one shot,
0: and they had it composited out the bottom, right under the pizza boxes. No, they
1: just they kept it out of frame.
0: There's a shot where you see three boxes and his head sticking out, though. Yeah, yeah, there? yeah,
1: but there's there's so you've got a puppeteer with a puppet head, and then somebody actually reaching up there with the gun.
0: Oh, so that's not a dude in the clown suit coming. I I thought it was one of the actors. This is one of the
1: things I should have said earlier. So there's two types of masks. Three, actually. There's the long distance does nothing mask. Okay. There's the kind of wide shot partially rc mask that just does blinks and okay simple little movements and then there's the fully mechanical puppets for the close-up shots that do full articulation mouth and
0: everything but some of those puppet heads had to be, have been on actors and costumes though right
1: not the ones that do all the movement anytime you see all the movement it's it's five or six guys with cables under under a head
0: god god I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch it. The editing must be phenomenal. It is great because there's a scene, uh, the big clown, the fat clown. To me, I think it's like when someone gets hit by a car. He walks and he like smiles real big and his eyebrows goes. And I I thought it was in a full walking shot, but I bet you see a dude walking. It probably zooms in. Yes, it's like the fucking western shot or something. Exactly.
1: And, they even went on and on. They're like, if we were to do this again today, which this was 2001. Um, they're like, we could actually fit all of those and have them all RC and actually have actors wear that.
0: That's all Megan was, right? It's yeah. a little girl in a costume with a fucking man. I guess I didn't really say it. The critters, though, their eyebrows moved. Yeah. Their eyes would hunch. Their cheekbones could move. They yes. could smile. It's fucking phenomenal what these guys could fucking do with no yes. budget, and they were nobodies back then. And they did it with half
1: the budget on this movie. Their puppeteering work is fucking amazing. Now, the problem they kept running into and why they had to do 22 takes on this is you had puppeteers doing the head and then uh-huh. an actor reaching up with the gun and they could never time uh, the facial, okay. facial movement and the gun being pointed in the right direction at the same time. Now, if this shot or whole little scene feels slightly out of place is because this was a pickup. Okay. They wanted more clown mayhem once they got uh. done with the fucking film. So that's why right after this, we get to see a clown at another lady lady's door zapping her as well. So I guess two shots was enough to consider it mayhem.
0: It works, though, because it's the older lady, right? She thinks her husband called in the fucking... Oh, Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So let's get back to Debbie, Mike, and Dave, because we're going to jump around a bunch, and we've got Debbie getting dropped off at home. And she manages to get Mike away from Dave and tells him that she's going to follow them to the tent. And (laughs) after she gets dropped off, and Mike tells her that she needs to stay put. We then cut to more mayhem, (laughs) because this was added in, and that's at the drugstore, where we see shorty slash tiny, depending on if you ask the makers or the internet. And he does the sniff and sneeze powder gag. Yeah. Cause these guys like fucking, you know, like all the old school Laurel yeah. Hardy, all, all that kind of shit. They were totally into it. And, Of course, to do this rig, they had to actually build a rig that would blow the powder. You got a guy in a a, big-ass fucking rubber face, right? Okay. They blew so much powder, it went through the mask and into the actor's nose and throat. And they had to actually destroy the mask to get it off of him to get him breathing again.
0: Holy shit. Yeah. I will say, watching this the other day, after doing all my Critters notes, I immediately thought of the fucking down feathers. Going into the crate puppets. <laughs> I was like, fuck, what did that do? Right? I didn't realize it almost killed a guy. I just assumed guy. it fucked up some animatronics with shit.
1: So we then see Mike and Dave arrive at the tent. What the fuck? It's gone. <laughs> and Dave, it's a hole in the earth, it, apparently. It's a hole. And Dave thinks Mike is full of shit,
0: and he cuffs him. Which is weird, because he's like, you expect me to believe this giant random hole in the earth was an alien spaceship circus tent. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like, like not even asking where this giant fucking hole came from. Exactly. D- they even talk about it, but like, not like where to. Anyways, yeah, I'm with you on that. Time for more, ma'am. So, uh, Tiny rolls up on some bikers
2: and he's on his little clown
1: bicycle. And, uh, one of the bikers asked to ride it. And Tiny's like, mm mm-hmm. And he's like, well, can I beep the horn? And he's like, mm-hmm. And instead of beeping the horn, he smashes the shit out of the bike. Yep. And, uh, Tiny's very upset by this. Yeah. And he does the total fucking cartoon thing of jumping out of frame and then jumping back into frame wearing boxing gloves.
0: (laughs) What are you going to do? Knock my block off. (laughs)
1: Tiny does hit him with the Johnny Cage fatality. (laughs) and He sends his head flying into a trash can and the rest of the bikers, of course, scatter. So then we get this really creepy encounter between Killer the Clown and this little girl at Big Top Burger. He's luring her outside while hiding a giant mallet behind his back, total Looney Tunes style. Mm -hmm. But it's not the John Wayne Gacy angle that's creepy to me. It's the little girl's
0: face. Yeah,
1: She's kind of creepy.
0: Oh, I didn't get that.
1: Oh, it bothers me. But I don't have kids. But Mama grabs her just in time, (laughs) oblivious to the clown, because all she wants her to do is finish eating her goddamn hamburger. So back to Mike and Dave, who are now at top of the world, not to make out.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And all the cars are abandoned, and there are signs of a struggle everywhere. Then they spot this Jeep covered in cotton candy. And Dave goes over to investigate, and he finds the interior completely covered in cotton candy as well. And he pulls out this pair of glasses off the seat. Yeah. And he frees Mike and shows him what he's found. He's starting to believe. And Mike is like, that's it. That's the stuff. He's like, those are Bob McGreed's glasses. And uh so he's uncuffed at this point and Dave's like, All right, I'm I'm on for the fucking adventure.
0: <laughs> the best part though is when he's like, Turn around so I can he's like, You're not gonna beat me, are you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's like, Man, he thinks I'm scheming on his chick, and he's a cop, he's gonna fuck up my world. <laughs> he took me up to the top of the world where nobody comes to end me. <laughs> oh my god.
1: Now a little bit about this Jeep. It was on fucking loan from a dealership, (laughs) and they made the outside webbing and the inside webbing out of rubber cement. Now, they were told to spray the surfaces of the Jeep with cooking spray, and it would protect it. This resulted in
0: $3,000 worth of damage (laughs) to said vehicle. I wouldn't have just used, um, like, you know when you buy the spider webs for your house? It's like a ball of cotton, you can stretch it. it Just use that and make it pink. I don't think they had that back then. Oh, pink cotton. What is <laughs> They didn't have pink cotton balls. Did they have regular cotton balls? Could they make them pink?
1: Those are made out of rayon, and it's the same shit. So maybe? I don't know. Uh, well, you see the trick they do. Like, we loved Face Off. Did you yeah. watch Face Off? Okay. Not the movie. The, the, the makeup effect show.
0: Oh, well, I've seen some of it. But okay, okay, yeah. I
1: fucking love that show. And that's where they would do the trick a lot of the times where they'd run out hot glue out of a hot glue gun and hit it with an air compressor and make webbing out of it. Oh, that's cool. So I'm presuming this is what they were doing only with rubber cement because they said they made the webbing out of rubber cement. Okay. And it was something about the chemical in it that fucked things up.
0: I can guarantee you in the 80s, though, they had this weird stuff called cotton. <laughs> <laughs>
1: are you sure cotton had been invented by 1987
0: it's a strange alloy oh okay uh... Yeah, they had fucking cotton. I don't understand. <laughs> the Kyoto brothers are fucking geniuses, and then they fucking spray rubber cement in a rental car. I know, right? <laughs> like, what the fuck? They sniffed it first.
1: Yeah, that's ah. what it was. Guys, I got an idea.
0: Anyways.
1: <laughs> so back over at the station, we see Mooney getting call after call about the clowns, and he thinks it's college kids all out to fuck with him. Yeah. And we then cut to Joe Lombardo getting run off the road by a hovering clown. Mm. We remember that name, right? Yeah. He's already been found in a fucking pod dead. Oh, shit. I never thought about it. So this really fucks up the timeline because the original opening of the movie was Joe and a girl making out at top of the world. He gets too aggressive with her. And when she tells him to stop, he tells her to walk the fuck home. Now, this was something they wanted for the opening. And every time they shot it, it went wrong. So like every few nights of the shoot, they're going back and reshooting it, reshooting it, reshooting it. By the time they had it all put together, the footage ended up being completely unusable. So they ended up scrapping the idea. Then they decided to go with this awesome fucking Dickies theme song that they received Ah. as the opening of the movie. But they also wanted Joe's death scene as a keeper because it was fucking cool and they wrecked a car to do it. So they crammed it back in here. Now, there's more that went wrong here. So (laughs) the hovering clown rig is just awesome. It's just a little black rig that was attached to the side of the car. And the clown's got fucking headlights on his feet and shit. Yeah. But what they did is everything on that was controlled by the actor's right hand in the clown suit. So if he pushed his hand forward, he went forward. If he pulled his hand back, he went back. If he went left, he went everything. Like fully move this rig just by so moving could, his hand.
0: He could sway his body with the rig and make it look super realistic, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah.
1: And there's one composited shot towards the end as they go around the corner that does not look very good, but the up close shots are fucking great. Now the car going off the cliff is pretty fucking bad too, because it's yeah. it's like it's weak sauce. So what happened in the shot is this was supposed to be like, this is going to be our big, badass Michael Bay shot. And they're telling everybody, (laughs) get farther back, get farther back. And they had this rig with a steel cable to yank the car off the cliff. So they call for action. They yank the fucking cable and it snaps. Okay. They left the fucking chocks on the wheels of the car. Okay. So it pulls just enough to get the car to roll over the chalks okay. <laughs> as the cable snaps <laughs> and then it gently <laughs> rolls down the okay. fucking hill. That's why that scene looks so anticlimactic.
0: I will be honest though, I never noticed it was supposed to be the other character that was dead.
1: Yeah, that's who it's supposed to be. I I didn't even put it together until the fucking commentary when they okay. explained the dump opening and I'm like, that is the same name that he said earlier. This guy's already supposed to be dead. So uh, Jesse, what do you need 40 minutes into a PG-13 horror flick?
0: Somebody's gotta die, right? A shower scene. Oh, a shower scene. Yep, yep.
1: <laughs> so, uh, we then see Debbie, and uh, she takes off her top that's still covered in popcorn, mm-hmm. and throws it in the hamper. And she hops in the shower, and like you said earlier, it's tastefully done. We see her feet as she's taking her pants mm-hmm. off and stuff, and you'll notice the little little pieces of popcorn are like crawling across the floor and shit.
0: I don't know when it gets in the shitter though. You're right on that
1: one. (laughs) Or the medicine cabinet for that matter. Yeah. There's a quick cutaway to Killer the Clown throwing some of this popcorn into the dumpster at Big Top Burgers. (laughs) And this poor burger flipping employee is yanked into said dumpster by something. Yeah. Meanwhile. Hmm. Dave tells Mike that he's going to call the state police for help. They're back in the squad car driving back.
0: But he doesn't know what the fuck he's going to tell (laughs) (laughs) them.
1: They then roll up on a shadow puppet show. Oh, yeah. There's a clown, and it puts on a shadow puppet show for a crowd at the bus stop. And it's kind of basic, with shapes like a bunny, an elephant... And Washington crossing the fucking Delaware. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. It's my favorite one, actually, out of all of them.
1: (laughs) Then a belly dancer. And then this fucking critter's eyed Mm T-Rex that eats the crowd. And shrinks them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The duo in the squad car try to run the clown down, but uh, he throws the meals, by meal, I mean the the people, Uh in his bag, and he flies away Neo style. And (laughs) it's a composite shot, but they did all of the shadows in Claymation and did them stop motion against the textured wall to match the pipes and the bricks on the wall that they actually shot there with the clown. It's goofy, but it's the right kind of goofy.
0: Right. It's the right kind of camp for the film. It looks really good. The worst part of this scene is Mike fucking yelling at Dave and somehow overpowering him and taking over the gas pedal and the steering wheel and ramming the core into the wall at half a mile per hour yeah yeah
1: yeah one would have been too much i'm glad you i'm glad you dialed it back
0: <laughs> it, was almost, it was almost one mile per hour but i'd drop it and back and dave's like oh my god why did you do that we could have been
2: killed <laughs> so and honestly
0: great. dave plays a pretty good hard-ass cop in this movie for the most part until he didn't pistol whip mike right there yes yeah yeah because mike deserved a lot of pistol whipping <laughs>
1: So, Officer Dave has seen enough, and he radios Mooney, Then he tells him it's all real, and that he needs to call the state police.
0: But goddamn that ice cream, they gotta sell the fucking ice cream, that's what he thinks it is.
1: So, Mooney thinks it's all a fucking prank to force him into retirement, like it's this I mean, grand fucking conspiracy.
2: Well, it's gonna take a hell of a lot more than a lame prank like this to get Curtis
0: Mooney to throw in his badge, so fuck you! Over. Over.
1: So the duo then spots the Terenzi brothers, and they decide to split up. Dave's going to go to the station. Mike's going to grab the bros and try to go warn people.
0: It is really funny that Mike does not have to, like, convince Dave of anything. And they have to either go with poor writing, or Dave does not care if Mike lives or dies.
1: (laughs) He doesn't. All he cares about is Debbie. We've established
0: this. (laughs) It's the Terenzi brothers. We go to college. We can warn people. Yeah, fuck off. Uh
1: (laughs) (laughs) So their first stop is Debbie's. <laughs> hmm. And when Mike's convincing the Tarisses, he promises that she's got roommates, big boobed roommates.
0: <laughs> How many times have we used that one to get a ride back in the day? I though? know, right?
1: right. We then head back over to the station to see Killer the Clown show up to fuck with Mooney. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And Killer squirts him in the face with the flower gag. Mm -hmm. Let's
0: be honest. We all thought it was going to be acid, right? (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) And uh, Mooney's like, I ain't taking none of this shit. And he goes to lock him up with the two punks from earlier.
0: Don't don't skip the handcuffing scene, though. Well, yeah, you're right.
1: So first he handcuffs him with his hands (laughs) behind his back, and Killer's, like, like submitting and everything. And then when he turns to walk. (laughs)
0: He goes to walk away
1: and he's holding the fucking clown hands still in the cuffs.
0: Yeah, and, and killer doesn't have any hands anymore. No. It's done really well. And the, even when they go in the jail cell and you or not the cell, but the whole into the cells, he Mooney's still fucking holding them and you, like fucking spikes him on the ground like fuck you. It's really well done. Yes.
1: And then Killer pops up new hands yeah. out of his sleeves. And as he's pushed into the cell, Mooney being the asshole that he is, belts him in the back of the fucking head.
0: Nightstick or Maglite or something, right? Yes. Yeah.
1: And Killer's head spins around fucking Exorcist style. <laughs> yeah. And
0: Mooney realizes this shit might be real. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: and then Killer grabs him by the throat with a party blower oh, that, yeah. he, that he blows out from between the bars and then uses that to smack his ass into the bars knocking Mooney out. So a quick cut back to Debbie to see that something is moving in the clothes hamper. Then back to the station. <laughs> So Dave then arrives at the police station, because we're back over there now, mm, mm. and he finds these cartoon-style footprints leading <laughs> to it. the cell.
0: I love it. They're fucking everywhere, too, if you pay attention. Oh, all the walls, it's everywhere. Like, it's like all the fucking pictures in your house. Like, you notice seven new ones every time you look.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so this leads him all the way to the cell with no killer, but uh, two cocoon punks. Yeah. No Mooney either. He then goes back into the office. And that's mm. when he spots Killer, who whips out his newly crafted Mooney the Ventriloquist dummy. Oh, yeah. And uh, this gives us our first real, other than put up your dukes, communication from the clowns.
2: Don't worry, they All
0: we want to do is kill you. I will honestly say that is the most horror scene in the film.
1: It totally is. And like the lines... Yeah. On the sides of his mouth to create the movie mouth or blood. Yeah. Killer takes his bloody hand out of Mooney's back and fucking Mooney falls over and he does yeah. the shake to sling the blood off.
0: And they extra folied that shit, too, to make sure in case you didn't realize he was fucking had his hand up his ass <laughs> and was using him yeah. like a fucking sock puppet. They're like, all right, he's got blood on him. He's slinging it. And <laughs> I mean, it's they like, they went all in on that one.
1: So logically, Dave opens fire. <laughs> it's useless until he shoots killer in the nose. Yeah his nose pops and then he spins around in a burst of green light and explodes into confetti. Now the rig they use for this, they repurpose it for the deaths and for the cocoons. Uh-huh. One of them is just this cylinder of shards of glass. Okay. And then they would shoot it with the pink lights or the green lights. And then just let it spin. Okay. And that's the ambient light in the room. Ah. Then they would have the effects team come in and do the flashes over it to do the transformation or do the transition. If you watch the, the footage of just the rig with the lights in the room... They didn't have to go that crazy with the flashy stuff over it and like yeah. the sparkles and shit. It actually looked really good just the way it threw light around the room.
0: But just- I mean, I hate fucking Star Trek, but like when they beamed down the planets, <laughs> it was what milk and glitter? It was something in a that mason dumb. jar and they'd fucking like swirl it around yep. or some shit. Yeah. Like fucking uh you can get a lot done. I just assume they're sitting on like one of those little spinny things. You put like a mannequin on to show it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. one of those? Yeah. And he's just fucking spinning around. They sped it up.
1: Well, that that's one of the composites. So they'd have the clown stand there All on right. that. And then they had the mirror rig there and then the flashy shit over it. And there's a transition.
0: I didn't even think how they composited it because sometimes you get so jaded by <laughs> modern VFX. And to be honest, like Fantasy Two seems like they're kind of like ahead of their... Time on some of their shit. Oh, yeah. Very I mean, much so. I mean, Critters and this movie, some of the shit you watch it, and you can tell it came out in the 80s and not recently, but it like, also looks really good. Whereas a lot of shit, sometimes big budget AAA movies from the 80s, you watch it you know, like that looks like shit nowadays. Yep.
1: So the state police then radio the station. Yeah. So either I missed it in my notes or somebody actually radioed the fucking state police.
0: I think you see Dave start yelling on the radio after he kills the clown. And they get back and to then him they and, there's, back. Yeah, okay. and there's a little bit of back and forth. Cause like, they don't know what the fuck he's talking about, but he's like, there are people dead Mooney's dead. And when they see Mooney says like, Oh, we're coming.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, they're also like, what, what's all these reports we keep getting about these Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Dave says to send everyone they can. He then goes back to check on Debbie. Cause he's like, Debbie, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> not quite yet. So back to Mike and the bros. <laughs> who roll up on a pack of clowns gathering cocoons with a giant parade float vacuum. Yeah, yeah. And all this zany whimsical shit, the brothers just drew it and the props guys said that and they're like, "Yep." And they just made it. Like that was it. They got what they got and it's
0: it's great. Excellent segue here. How much of the effects did the Kyoto brothers do themselves if any?
1: Practical in the production side of it, it was all Charlie, but they had they had a prop team. Okay. Um yeah, it was all Charlie. So Char- Charlie headed up that team. But they did have a, a, a production team that was there actually doing
0: They the did, work. like, the cars and shit. Yes. Okay. My first Halloween Horror Nights was the recent one, right? Like, when I just went for my 40th. Yeah. And they had the whole candy carnival thing. Yeah. And the car park. And I immediately, first thing I thought of was this fucking movie. Yeah. Uh,
1: Dude, I was going to save it for the end, but like the scare zone, the first year had just the pods everywhere and a few clowns walking around and they had the balloon dogs and they're walking around in the park. But dude, the house, watch the videos of it on YouTube, man. It was so amazing. Like you go into the room with all the cotton candy pods hanging and everything. You go through the hallway with all the balloons. There's clownzilla. Uh, the fucking knock your block off scenes there with the trash can and okay. everything. The shadow puppet gag is there. Like, oh, it so was cool. so good, man. But, uh, now we can go back over to Debbie since we've seen this big vacuum float. Rig. Yeah. She's now out of the shower. Yeah. A lot of people say finally, but the Kyoto brothers actually mentioned this. Like we see a lot of hate on the internet about how long this, this, the shower was. Everything it, was
0: simultaneous. In my opinion. Exactly.
1: And it's like, if you pay attention, this all happens in one night look at the runtime of the film from when she goes in the shower to when she gets out of the shower. Yeah. If 15 to 20 minutes is a long shower, I don't know what your problem is. <laughs>
0: yeah. This movie does like a really good job of the runtime is accurate. Of it the, feels of the actual movie. Yeah.
1: So as soon as Debbie gets done teasing her hair, or blow dryer or whatever she's doing. She's immediately attacked by these clown-headed snake things. And they're <laughs> yeah. coming out of the fucking clothes it's hamper, creepy. the toilet, the medicine cabinet. And they start biting her. And uh, the puppets look fucking awesome. Yeah. And this whole bathroom scene was supposed to explain the clown's life cycle. Okay. So they go from popcorn spores okay. to the clown snake's. To the clowns. Oh,
0: I never even thought of it that far.
1: I didn't think of that at all until they said it in the commentary.
0: I am sure it was like a separate clown type thing.
1: And and they go through this whole thing. This is why when they were shot with the popcorn gun, why they stuck the popcorn to them. It wasn't to be like, oh, you should still have popcorn on you. It was like, no, the spores actually attach themselves. And this is how they make it somewhere else to start their actual life. cycle. Okay. Facehugger. Yes. And all I'm right. like, again, were the Kyoto brothers this smart? Or was this after 13 years of reflection?
0: <laughs> I, I just thought they were like a different type of fucking clown alien.
1: Yeah. Still creepy as fuck.
0: Really good puppets.
1: Yes. Awesome puppets. And
0: she does like really badass, like get out of the room with the hairspray. the, and hair, the, the, the water, Or is it just the water?
1: It's it's the, the shower wand yeah. and the hairspray. And,
0: and I, the shower curtain so the other ones can't see her so she can yes. jump over. It's all really well done. She's the smart one. <laughs> but she does it so quick. Like it yeah. was done really nice. Yes
1: so she ends up running to her front door straight into a clown. Yep. So she bolts to the window
0: up to my favorite fucking gag in this movie.
1: She's on the second floor <laughs> yeah. and down below are four more clowns with a trampoline doing the fireman bit.
0: They've hats a Yes. I laugh so fucking hard every time. Like, yeah, there's cooler, like gags. If we're talking about special effects with like the, the shadow and stuff like that. But as far as just like a, a really fucking wholesome joke, that's yes. the, this one wins to me Looney every time. fucking
1: tunes, man. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know why they want her so bad, but if you look at the amount of cocoons getting thrown out windows and sucked up into the truck, she's probably the only person left alive in the city.
1: By now, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, she then runs back into the living room, but by then there's three clowns in the house. they throw her on the couch, and she's zapped, and she's now a cocoon. No, she's alive in a balloon. Yeah. Really cool, though. It's a great shot. A little weird. Yeah. Like, I got some physics questions here. Like, if the right gas is in there, how is she breathing oxygen? Yeah. But no, I'll go with it.
0: You also have a precursor for it, because when Mooney's taking the calls, one of the, there's an older guy that calls and says, these clowns just came and took my wife away in a balloon. He goes, in yes. a balloon, huh? Yep. So uh, they already fucking led you up to it.
1: This is accurate. So this balloon, carrying Debbie, is uh, then tied to a clown car. that's <laughs> out in front of her house. Yeah. And Mike and the brothers pull up just in time to spot her. So, Mike and the Terenzi brothers give chase, and mm. just then mm. Dave spots them. So, then he gives chase and he's bringing up the rear. So, the Terenzi brothers think that Dave behind them is like an actual cop pursuing them, and they slam on the brakes, causing Dave to rear in them. Okay. So, Dave has to hop in the ice cream truck with the rest of them. Oh, yeah. And they head off to the third act. So, Jesse, where do you set the third act in a killer clown movie? An amusement
0: park? Yes. Okay.
1: So, over at the amusement park, <laughs> we see the clowns roll up on a security guard, and they hit him with a fuckload of pies, <laughs> ca- causing him to melt. Now, the Kyoto brothers wanted Milton Suppman, known as Soupy Sales, <laughs> to play this guard. Who is this? Okay, so Soupy Sales had a show that ran from 53 to 66, where okay. most of his bits ended with Soupy taking a pie to the face. Oh,
0: I think I know what you're talking about, actually.
1: So the studio said it wasn't worth it to them to fly him out for that scene because nobody would know who he was. Yeah, I don't know
0: who he is. I don't
1: either, but the Kyoto brothers did, and they were upset by this. So instead they got Dude Whose Name I Didn't Write Down. (laughs) So after the pioning, the uh, clowns head into the funhouse with Debbie, and Tiny stops to leave a giant cherry on top of the Sunday Melted
0: dude (laughs) (laughs) Sunday.
1: Um, Mike, Dave, and the brothers arrive and uh, they see that the guard's been melted to the bone by the pies. Mm-hmm. These are acid pies. I need you to remember this kind of like Joe. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, they then make their way into the funhouse. And they head past some standard props and they discuss why the clowns are there. And they're like, maybe they're, maybe their planet's dying. Maybe they're just hungry. Like there's yeah. you know, all these crazy ideas being thrown out. And then they come up on this big red button. And one of the brothers can't resist, and he pushes the button, and that blasts Mike in the face with fog. They had these buttons set up in the house at, when you got uh, into that. Yeah, dude, could you actually push you, them as a person? You could. You could hit them, and it would either do sound, fog, or water. Oh, yep. Um, and it would spray people in other parts of the house when you did it. I love it when they do the buttons in the houses, and I haven't seen them since COVID. Anyways. In the scene, uh, you can actually see the technician laying on the ground with a blanket over them, spraying (laughs) fucking Mike. (laughs) Dave then tells the brothers not to touch anything, that the place is probably booby-trapped. Dave then opens a door, and opening the door also opens a trap door in the floor that the Terenzi brothers fall through. Oh, yeah. They fall into this ball pit, and they look up to see two female clowns that the internet has named Rosie and Daisy. If I remember correctly,
0: are you Debbie's roommates? (laughs) Yeah. Cause they're fucking dumb.
1: They are. Mike then notices he and Dave are now in one of the halls that he and Debbie were in earlier in the movie. And he leads the way to the cocoon room.
0: Huh, I missed that and thought they just reused the same fucking (laughs) set. They did. (laughs) I mean, yeah, but at least they fucking had a reason for it. I never caught the reason.
1: Yes. So once they get in the room, we see it's now packed to the fucking gills with cocoons. Like, they must have the whole town in here.
0: (laughs) That's what I was saying earlier. I feel like they took the whole fucking town. That's why they were... Fucking 12 deep on Debbie. She was the last one.
1: Whoo. 12 deep on Debbie. I have not seen that since I was like 14.
0: (laughs) Was it in Dallas? It was in Dallas. (laughs) Oh, we're fucking old. (laughs) Whoo. Sorry guys. We lost our shit there for a second.
1: Um, so the two then start the search for the Debbie balloon and Fatso walks in. That's another named clown that the internet named something else, but the Kyoto's call him Fatso. So Fatso walks in and he plunges this like eight foot long crazy straw into a ripe cocoon. Cause he's like tapping on him and he finds yeah. the right one and jams yeah. the straw in it. And he, he uses that to drink the bloody yummy goodness inside. Now I want to watch bad taste. <laughs> like,
0: Oh uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So we roll this back a bit. Are the, clowns part of an intergalactic fast food chain maybe and this is like their beaver beaver ass raspberry flavoring
0: (laughs) you guys missed a story earlier that was not on air with josh and his wife and i and yeah beaver ass is apparently raspberry Yeah. yeah, um i don't know i never thought of that i do know that i never looked at a uh swirly straw the same way and (laughs) In the late 80s and early 90s, they love to give us those in. Oh, fruit loops yeah. boxes, tricks boxes, any yes. fruity cereal box, fruit loops. If I didn't say it, they always had the fucking roundy straw. Sonic did it sometimes. Yes. And I'm like, Oh, this is what the clouds trick blood out of. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Mom's like, You're fucked up, you know. But <laughs>
1: but you were right. Yeah. <laughs> so Fatso then leaves and the duo spot Debbie in her balloon. Dave shoots it open. That was a very risky move on Dave's part. Yeah. And uh Once Debbie's free, she grabs Dave, not Mike, Mm letting you know who she feels more protected and attached to.
0: Never thought about that. Poor Um, dumb Mike. Yeah. It is funny, though, because Debbie acts like she's been gasping for air, if I remember correctly. After Dave shoots the balloon?
1: Holy shit, maybe it was filled with helium.
0: She was in there for like an hour, bro. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm sorry. sorry. How long was the show? It was 10 to 15 minutes. (laughs) Maybe
1: she was only in there for two minutes. So more clowns come into the room and, of course, spot them, and a chase ensues. Mm. Dave blasts them with the shotgun that he was smart enough to bring in from the squad car. Oh, yeah,
0: because the clowns were not smart enough to all be armed with cotton candy guns and just fucking take them all out instantly.
1: Or to put any kind of, like, armor over their noses
0: maybe they didn't know they'd die if their nose got popped man never happened before <laughs>
1: that's not like anyone of them can tell the story once it happens to them
0: <laughs> yeah they don't talk <laughs> they need uh somebody to stick their hand up their ass and use them as a sock puppet and they can explain it
1: there's that <laughs> but they do end up there of course they're being chased running out halls <laughs> and they end up at this fireman's pole that leads to a sarlacc pit um
0: what <laughs> Is there a fucking rancor down there? Do you not remember this? <laughs> I don't remember a Sarlacc, but <laughs> yeah. no.
1: So they go, and like if they if you were co- to continue to go down to the next floor, it's this thing coming up and chomping. It's oh, right yeah. At the okay, okay, one, okay. You can actually hear one of the clowns get ate <laughs> <laughs> when they're chasing them. But luckily, they- What
0: get... stage in the life cycle is that
1: thing? <laughs> the end.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> it eats the other clowns. I'm sorry, I'm sorry.
1: <clears throat> Ascension. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but once they do stop at the one floor above and the chase continues, they continue on and uh, they. this is another set of forced perspective shots. When they're walking through the tunnels into the mouths of the angler fish. Yeah. Okay. Those are all miniatures up close. I can see that. And then walking. But they were smart enough that they put. The other side of the mouth, teeth in the background. Yeah, and they end up in this huge black room after going through these tunnels. And there's this large stack of boxes in the center.
0: This and, is the room we like to call "We ran out of money in our budget," so it's black and it has the mailroom boxes. Yes,
1: they they referred to it as the the wedding cake because <laughs> it was okay. like it was like tiered boxes.
0: Okay, okay, okay.
1: That's and uh, they climb the stack as no less than forty clowns surround them with different head bashing implements. Then the Terenzi brothers crash through the wall in their ice cream truck.
0: We are your Jesus Christ.
1: Exactly. You know, I haven't mentioned it, but Jesse alluded to it earlier. (laughs) The truck has a large clown head on top of it. And the brothers then use this along with the truck's PA to distract the clowns.
2: I am the the great great and powerful Jojo. Jojo. I I command you to stop. stop. Do not not hurt hurt them. them. Let them go.
1: Which you're right. At least some of those clowns may have seen it, and I think you actually see a couple of those exact same clowns in this shot that could have told the others, like,
0: it's a fake. Because you have a handful of clowns that are your main clowns, and then you have the um, Kmart clowns that show up (laughs) in the street parade scene that have shittier makeup and costumes and rush the uh, main cast here.
1: So, although Jesse's correct, the distraction does work for a little bit.
0: For some goddamn dumb reason.
1: The best part about the scene, though, is that the Terenzi brothers are now covered in lipstick and their clothes (laughs) are shredded.
0: And that's why I forgive it.
1: (laughs) And we now know they have space clown herpes.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They took those uh, clown chicks down to pound town.
1: They did. (laughs) Those poor guys. But the Jojo ruse is short lived as clownzilla descends from the ceiling.
0: Do the Kyoto brothers actually call him Clownzilla?
1: They called him two different things. They'd call him Clownzilla and King Clown.
0: I don't know which one I like better. They're both Clownzilla. I like Clownzilla better, but I heard it first. Uh, That's (laughs) fucking awesome, though.
1: Yes. And Clownzilla is a fucking 30-foot tall marionette that was originally going to be entirely stop motion. But the lack of time and money led to Clownzilla being Charlie Kyoto in a
0: suit okay i was gonna say you're like blowing my fucking mind there it's like i just thought it was a guy in a suit with fucking strings coming up to make him look like a marionette and they f- did forced perspective and then you're like oh this giant puppet and i'm I, you just fucking i don't know man you just pissed on my boots told me it was raining <laughs> I did. so it was just the dude in a suit with strings of forced perspective yes there was no stop motion. it was all a fucking lie like- <laughs> okay okay Oh, my God.
1: Now, the music cue here as Clownzilla is introduced was originally written for Friday the 13th, Six's trailer.
0: Nobody cares.
1: Well, it was rejected.
0: (laughs) We definitely don't care.
1: (laughs) So it got used here.
0: So it wasn't the deckies or the guy that scored it?
1: No, no, it was the guy that scored it. Okay, yeah, yeah. He had just wrote it for that trailer, and it was rejected. Um, So Clownzilla then goes over to the ice cream truck, and he bashes on it. And he tosses it across the room, resulting in a huge Michael Bay. Everyone on the show knows what a Michael Bay is when we say Michael Bay, right? That's a big,
0: yeah, that. Okay. Sorry we couldn't afford the special effects or the sound.
1: (laughs) Speaking of not being able to afford people. So uh, Joe Vascosal was the person who did the pyro on the truck explosion.
0: I'm sure he was.
1: He also blew up shit for a few other movies. Team America, Mm. Independence Day, Terminator Mm. 1, Terminator 2, Mm. The Abyss ghostbusters oh and he blew up the death star
0: that's impressive same guy
1: <laughs> like the actual death star
0: <laughs> so he didn't blow up the uh farmhouse the, the brown zone and the critters though he
1: may have been the same fucking guy man we gotta look
0: i mean that's the biggest <laughs> explosion i've ever seen in a fucking movie that wasn't miniature okay
1: <laughs> oh
0: that's impressive though. the sexy guy's really good at blowing shit up he is <laughs> was he on a watch list when they were looking for the unabomber
1: yeah <laughs> He was the uniball.
0: Oh, (laughs) shit. Nobody sue us, please.
1: (laughs) So Dave then sends Mike and Debbie out the hole that the truck made in the wall so they can escape. And he holds off Clownzilla with his revolver. Once outside, well, once Debbie and Mike are outside, the tent tethers suck into the top of the ship. And it looks really cool. And the way they did that is so the foreground, because this is forced perspective. Yeah. The foreground is the 14-inch top model. And then there's just a pipe, like, feet behind it with Christmas lights going in it. And they just pulled them in the pipe.
0: (laughs) Yeah, makes sense. It's fucking great.
1: And uh, the ship begins to spin, which is that 14-inch model I was talking about with with a light in it and a drill.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Also makes sense. It's your traditional saucer spin to take off, right? Exactly. The drill, that's fucking hilarious.
1: So it begins to take off. And we see back inside as clownzilla picks up Dave and the fight between them as Dave's running back and forth and shooting at him. Like it looks, it's all force perspective, but they do a great it's job. Really like clownzilla yeah. looks 30 feet tall and Dave looks tiny. And one thing they did build is the giant fucking hand that grabs Dave.
2: Okay. Of course, that makes in, sense.
0: Yeah. In,
1: in the next shot, it's the Dave Barbie doll. But, uh, anyways,
0: it's a Ken doll, sir.
1: Okay, I'm sorry. So with Clownzilla picking up Dave the Kindle (laughs) to presumably eat him, Dave has a stroke of genius. He takes his badge off, and he uses the needle to pop Clownzilla's nose. Of course, Clownzilla blows up. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, too bad that he blows up so big, it destroys the ship as well.
0: Kind of like a Molotov cocktail with a pipe bomb. Yes. I do to say, I never thought it was the needle. I always just thought he used the fucking star on the badge. It I never may, thought about it. It may be.
1: I thought he used the needle.
0: It, it makes more sense to be the needle.
1: Why didn't he use that to pop the Debbie balloon?
0: I know. I mean, because anyway, Dave, Dave is slapping it. <laughs> Dave
1: is slapping the Debbie balloon. Like I can't get it open.
0: <laughs> Dave is worthless. I mean, sorry, Mike, 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 Mike. Oh, my, yeah, I'm sorry. sorry. Mike is worthless. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Dave's pretty good action hero in here.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's all right. So the ship exploding sends the clown car that was never inside the ship flying over to Mike, Debbie, and the state police who have just arrived.
0: When you see the parade and shit, I'm like, where would all the vacuum cars and the clown cars and everything come from? Yeah. And then I, I think the circus tent's bigger than we think. When you see how many clowns swarm. Oh, it's a TARDIS. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's not even that. We don't actually ever get a good reference to size for it, right? You just True. only see a couple of rooms. But when you see how many clowns were on the street during the, the fucking parade, we'll call it that.
1: The clowning. And,
0: and how many clowns charged them with the mallets uh, mm-hmm. for the present part, and the fact that Clownzilla apparently could walk around in this motherfucker. (laughs) It's probably quite large. And, you know, like, uh, let's go super nerdy here. (laughs) You got your Star Destroyer and Star Wars has a bunch of TIE Fighters in it. Their TIE Fighters are fucking clown cars. Yeah, yeah. And that's what my brain did. Okay. If they had all that shit to vacuum up cocoons and shit in the street and they have that many clowns, I'm not surprised there's not a fucking hangar full of those things
1: somewhere. So as this... Well, not as, but after this clown car lands, the Terenzi brothers pop out of it, saying that they survived the blast by hiding in the freezer of the ice cream truck. Yeah. Then Dave pops up as well, and we have our happy ending with our main characters all surviving and saving the day.
0: Which is kind of like a PG-13 thing, right? Like the, everybody lives.
1: Yeah. Until Mike, Dave, and Debbie are all randomly hit with pies. Oh, I forgot about that yeah so when we're watching it the other night Ginger goes didn't we already establish those are acid pies yeah and I'm like I never thought of that you're fucking right and this is our happy ending because I got to tell the story about the happy ending so uh, we get credits here but this wasn't the original ending in the mm. original ending Dave didn't survive he was the fucking hero martyr and he doesn't make it but I would have preferred it the it would have been fine the Terenzi brothers did survive so they ended up shooting the clown car ending months later after test screenings in the studio pushing for something happier
0: eight months later after Bob Shay got pissed yes not exactly. literally but you know the same thing
1: this is part of why if you watch at the end of the credits the movie's copyright copy in 1987 but didn't actually get released until
0: 1988 that's no, not that uncommon though. No, no, but, no, but
1: it yeah. is it, it lends credence to this story um now what's fucked up is watching this shit with the commentary when they get hit with the pies one of the brothers goes huh did we just kill our heroes
0: they didn't know it happened.
1: No, I'm wondering if it was a fucking inside joke with the pies. After the studio said, "No, we want this happy ending with the three of them," and then they randomly get hit uh, with pies, and the studio's too fucking stupid to be like, you know what I mean? Like the suits are too stupid. They're like, "Oh, they got hit with pies." It's a clown movie. Like,
2: no,
0: yeah. they fucking killed him. The yeah. acid
1: pies. Acid security guard. Right, right.
0: <laughs> after every interview, I saw with the Kyoto brothers and the uh, commentary for Critters, like. They're really slapsticky three Stooges kind of guys. Like they don't seem right. We'd probably get along fucking great. And uh, I mean, if one of the Kyoto Brothers, Stephen Wright, directed the fucking movie, yep. There's there's no way the scene got just fucking randomly added. I know. So they had to have put that in there. As the fuck you, we still killed him. I think so. Yeah.
1: And not only did we kill Dave, we fucking kill
0: everybody. And I, I didn't think about it, but you're right. <laughs>
1: now a few things to tack on at the end here. Is of course we already spoke about Halloween Horror Nights and Spirit Halloween merch. Yeah. I listened to a recent interview where by recent, I mean like three years ago where they asked the brothers, it's like, Hey, you got to be making bank off of all this. Da 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 And they're like, we don't get a dime of that. We sold, really? we sold away everything in the deal to sell the movie. Okay. Which is not uncommon.
0: Mm-mm.
1: That's why I made the joke earlier. Wes Craven sold away all rights to Freddy Krueger to make that movie and had to actually get settled up with Bob Shea to actually come back and continue to work on the franchise.
0: Well, that's cause it's Bob Shea, but yeah, Bob, <laughs> since this is,
1: this is factually accurate. Um, now there've been several false starts on a sequel remake, requel, whatever the fuck it was supposed to be done by the Kyoto brothers and be killer clowns from outer space 3d, but it was going to be a sequel. Um, that I think is recent or as far back as like 2012 was being kicked around right now okay. as a fall of last year. Sci-fi is supposedly mm-hmm. working on the licensing deal mm. to do a killer clowns fucking sci-fi adaptation.
0: If mm. the Kyoto brothers are involved, take this as a grain of salt, but if the <laughs> Kyoto brothers are involved. I feel like it would help. Oh yeah. Cause the road and directed it to the effects, but the Kyoto brothers were also involved with critters two, three and four.
1: Uh, but they just made puppets true. with the budget
0: given to them by somebody else being in charge. Yeah. Let Stephen Kyoto direct it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And him and his brothers write it and do the effects. Okay. Other than that, don't fucking touch it.
1: I know, right? Well, they said that they actually had the first script done and then it was being turned into a television idea instead of a movie. So I don't know, but the game...
0: I was going to bring up the game. That's the big one to me as a big Dead by Daylight player. We have an asymmetrical horror game yes. coming out, and it's supposed to be like three or four clowns versus like seven survivors. It's fucking insane. Yep. And the trailer's out. It looks really fucking cool. I swear it mentions the Kyoto brothers in the trailer. I yes. have to go back and watch. And they had the Dickies go back in the studio and fucking re record the song for it.
1: So you've got the Dickies. You also have the composer, John Masari, redoing new music for specifically for the game and yes the brothers have actually been involved in the development of the game that they have said in interviews
0: this makes me think some people got some rights back and this is the closest we're going to get to a sequel maybe
1: that's what i'm afraid of
0: or it's going to shit a bunch of money out and then we get a sequel
1: i don't know but it's wild seeing how this obscure movie went from yeah it happened and then yeah all these years later Halloween Horror Nights, cult classic, video game, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada.
0: And not even Halloween Horror Nights. Josh and I had this conversation in September when uh, Spirit opened. I'm like, why the fuck is there so much Killer Clown shit? Then, like, a month later, I'm like, there's a Killer Clown game coming out. Like, have you heard anything? Right? Like, I I just assumed naturally there's a movie coming that we didn't know about with the merch push at Spirit and with the fucking new game coming out. The game looks amazing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the game looks dope. Here's what's wild. So you gave the numbers earlier on Critters, Mm -hmm. and it was like shot for three, made 16.
0: Shot for three, made 13, and then fucking broke the bank on home video sales after the fact.
1: Okay, Killer Clowns was shot for 1.8 and made 43.
0: Oh, it made way more than I thought it
1: did. How the fuck did they sit on their hands on a sequel with that kind of return on investment?
0: I'm assuming that they didn't have the leverage to own anything. I don't right, because they're just like puppet guys trying to make a movie. Oh,
1: no, no, not them. I mean, MGM and Transworld.
0: Oh, whoever owned it? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, that just blows that profit my mind. margin is, I mean, it's not like fucking paranormal activity profit margin, but it's insane. That's, that's um, fucking make a sequel. Definitely make eight <laughs> of them. Uh, yeah. I assume that somehow the rights were in flux because somebody tried to fuck someone in a contract and they didn't fuck them enough and nobody owned the rights enough to go rogue.
1: And it may have been, it may have been like what ended up happening to Friday the 13th. And I didn't go down all that, but it is weird to me that it took so long for this to to go. And it took the home video market, just yeah. like fucking trick or treat. It took the home video market for it to really take off. But looking at the box office numbers, I'm like, fuck, it made money yeah. in theaters.
0: It always had some sort of a following. But multiple Halloween Horror Nights that you told me blew my yeah. mind. And then just walking in the spirit this year or last year. Yeah. Right. And, and the oh, there's a fucking AAA video game coming out. Like, I have no fucking clue what happened in the past, you know, two years. I know, but right? It doesn't make any sense. And I want to know the story. <laughs> and you guys can uh, email podcast at gmail.com with the scoop. Just to let us yeah. know. Come on, Kyoto Brothers. Ed, send it our
1: way. Yeah, yeah. We're totally fine with it. We're not yeah, complaining yeah. at all, but we're... Where the fuck
0: did it come from? <laughs> we weren't even planning on covering this episode yet. It just gets brought up randomly. And and like I said, we literally had this conversation four months ago. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, like, and, and and this was, again, one of the two first movies that got rattled off the first night we talked about doing this. Um, it just ended up being interesting timing because we've stayed in space for a little while here. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because uh, last episode was Alien and Aliens. We had Christmas before that. I don't remember what we did for that. The
1: Horizon and uh... oh shit, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> last year was weird, guys. We uh, we got what seven episodes out or something. It's sad. It was some shit. I want to give you guys at least twelve, not counting bonus this year. But um,
1: I fucking love this movie. Yeah. I watch this movie once or twice a year. Yeah. The wife loves it. Thank God, got me back into it again. So by the by the time the fucking Halloween Horror Night scare zone got announced, I was my dick was hard,
0: man. Like, yeah, you have To clients. call your doctor because you can't have an erection that long, kind of thing. Well,
1: I thought it was kind of neat because after about the sixth hour, it starts doing this mm. weird tingly thing,
0: like numbness. Yeah, but Ooh. it's it's like
1: you feel it more at the same mm. time. Yeah. Um. Anyways, y'all can write us in uh for that too if your penis ever feels <laughs> numb yet tingly. and we'll see if we can work it into the next episode.
0: I know we lead on Halloween Horror Nights so much, but uh, I I would fucking kill to see this. Like, I hope they redo it. Maybe with the video game.
1: That's what I'm hoping is maybe with the video game, we'll go up to and including maybe a new movie or show or whatever. Uh, Well, it's going to take both of those before Universal bring it back to the parks.
0: I don't know if I want another movie there.
1: If it brings the house back to the parks, I'm okay with it.
0: I mean, (laughs) everybody, everybody that listens knows that Jesse fucking hates sequels for the most part part anyway, so it's really hard to impress me with the sequel, but uh, it's a good movie. Holds a special place in my heart. I wish there was only one Critters. (laughs) I haven't even seen most of them. I've seen like a third of them. (laughs) That's all I need. There you go. But I guess that's it for our season five premiere with uh, They Came From Outer Space. The Krites and the Clowns. (laughs) Yeah, it's a weird combination, but they just kind of fit. But you guys are going to have to tune in on the next episode where we cover... The Babysitter Franchise.
2: All right, tomorrow
1: night, you, me, party.
0: Yeah! As usual, guys, thanks for downloading the show and spreading the word. Please do not forget to rate and review us online. And please send us comments, questions, and suggestions to our email, sbspodcast@gmail.com. gmail.com. We would
1: also love it if you could follow our Twitter and Instagram, both at S-B-I-S Podcast.
0: See you guys on the next one.
1: Thanks for listening. Do
2: you think it's over? Yeah, sure.